Thursday, November the 11th into Friday, November the 12th, 2021. Recording this late on Thursday. Hope you're all having a, a very nice week. And before we get into anything, a couple big happy birthday shout outs I have to give. This is a big week, a big birthday week for my family. My mom, Carol, her birthday is November the 11th. So happy birthday to my mom. And then Milo, my son, he's going to be two years old on November the 12th. So on Friday. So. Milo is two years old. Can you believe it? A lot of uh, a lot of things have happened over the the, the two years for this uh, this little man. So um, many of you have probably seen a lot of his progress from the very beginning, just following along on social media and stuff. So a big family week for the Bacolas over here. Shout out to uh, to my mom and uh, and Milo. My mom is an awesome grandma. She takes care of him. She's actually taking care of him right now on her birthday as I'm recording this and uh, finishing up my work. We're gonna have a little uh, just a uh, on Saturday, we'll get together, celebrate the both of them, and uh, have some dinner and stuff. So we're going to celebrate some of the big weekend sports on this episode of That's What G Said Podcast that is presented by Better Than Vegas. So we're going to talk DRF Sports with Jack Fitzpatrick. He's back again, but we're going to talk uh, a lot about the college basketball season that's coming up, some teams that he's looking at. College basketball is now underway, and Jack is a big fan of college, and he's going to be uh, covering a lot of things for DRF Sports. And we also talk a little bit about the uh, NFL Week 10. Gosh, we're already into Week 10. Then we get into our weekly game-by-game uh, game previews with Eric. So we'll, we'll hit on everything happening in NFL Week 10, previews, betting lines, spreads, everything. Poor Eric, when he was recording, you can hear in the background, and it's not as bad. I did my best to kind of mess with the uh, the audio a little bit. It was pouring. So I'm like listening to the rain just hammering down in the back. I'm like, geez, I hope he's, hope he's okay over there. It just sounded brutal. So um, we, uh, we had Eric talking in the pouring rain. As uh, he helped us out with NFL Week 10. And we did our quarterback rankings. We actually ranked all of the quarterbacks in the league 1 through 32. Because I think a lot of people, um, you know, you look around, and I do this too. It's like, oh, that he's he's good or he's not good. or But how how do they stack up when you have, a, when you have everyone down there together and you have to sort of figure out and kind of put them in tiers and put them in order? And how many quarterbacks would you honestly feel comfortable with if you needed to score the last drive of the game, you've got the ball tied or you're down and you need to get a, a score to, to win. Who do you feel most comfortable with? Eric and I go through the list of all the quarterbacks in the league. And then we get into racing for Friday. Churchill Friday best bets. Delmar Friday best bets. Churchill Saturday best bets. Delmar Saturday best bets. We finish up wrestling with Chad Cooper. A big preview for AEW full gear, which is coming up. We talk about Smackdown, we talk about Raw, we talk about NXT, and about some of the WWE releases. So you'll get some NFL, a little college basketball, you're going to get some horse racing for Friday, for Saturday, for multiple tracks, and then wrestling, recapping all of the major wrestling shows, previewing the big full gear pay-per-view coming up this weekend. And this episode is presented by Better Than Vegas At DTVBets is the Twitter account. So go right now, if you're not following them, make sure to follow on Twitter. And turn those notifications on because every single day they have a, a giveaway. It's called the public prop where they make a wager on one of the games for the night and they pick one of you who just helps to retweet and follow them. So if you help share the post, they're going to give somebody out there the opportunity to win money. If that wager hits, they send the money right to you. They'll put it right in your Nitro betting account if you have one of those and you'll get a little bit extra. So check it out. Anytime you get the opportunity to get something for free, 
And how about pre-analysis? Tons of live streams before every Monday night football game. There's a preview at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Twitter. It's free. It's about 15-20 minutes. Goes over the game, the betting total, the line, and any props that uh, we may be playing. Sometimes it's two, three, four of us. It's always me hosting with a, a, a few different folks from Better Than Vegas. That's the website, and you can head over there for free. Create an account and post your wagers. Post videos with some of your thoughts. If you do, they will they will grade all the wagers, and whoever has the highest score and the, the highest ROI at the end of the month ends up winning a thousand dollars in the monthly showdown for free. It does not cost you anything. Nothing to get over to BTV to get involved in that monthly showdown. Everything is free at BTV. Get a little more uh, following by posting some of your videos, sharing some of your insights. They have the blog uh, that just opened up now. So if you're someone who's not really into posting videos as much, but you want to share some of your thoughts in written form, better than dot Vegas. We're going to have our first guest up next. It's going to be Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. We're going to talk about the college basketball season. It is now underway, just kicked off, just tipped off earlier this week. And Jack talks about some of the uh, the early games, some teams that he thinks are going to have a good season coming up, and uh, and maybe a team or two uh, may, uh, may be under the radar to watch. We get into a couple uh, thoughts on things happening in the, uh, the NFL coming up this week, and then how you can help yourself, how you can make yourself a uh, a more complete gambler when you get to DRF Sports. So everything about DRF Sports and a little college basketball and some NFL with Jack Fitzpatrick. Okay, anytime now that we're uh, we're heading into a big sports weekend, we're going to have to check in with the folks over at DRF Sports and with our good friend Jack Fitzpatrick, who's been on That's What G Said over the last few weeks. He's been joining us on some of the live streams over on BTV Bets at Better Than Dot Vegas. Jack, uh, now things are, are changing a little bit, Jack, because... Uh, we have some college basketball games to discuss, and as we've teased a little bit in our conversations over the last few weeks, you are someone who uh, is very, very into college basketball. It's uh, something that you play a lot, you keep uh, an eye on, and the season is underway now over the last couple nights. It seems like uh, we've had a ton of games and some of the big, big-name teams uh, tipping off, so lots of fun, lots of excitement for the start of college basketball season. Yeah, it's been it's been a blast. What we're day three of college basketball. The games are getting their games are getting weird. Non conference to begin seasons are always so much fun because it's always the random, you know, championship tournaments that random teams are going to, and you're seeing matchups that you'll never see again. It's just it's so much fun during this time, and you're just really getting your teeth into what can you expect out of teams. This is this is always the, the part of the season where you go heavily chalk because you just don't know a lot about these teams, especially in the transfer portal age. But we're starting to get a clearer picture, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Now, we're recording this in November, November 11th, uh, 2021. We're recording this on Tuesday early. But the one thing over the last, over the last couple of years with the pandemic, with everything that was happening throughout the world, we saw a lot of sports get – Rock their seasons get changed Things were were very different But but all of the major Sports actually were able to Pick up seasons after They they you know they stopped Or they were able to shorten Their season or uh, Change it in a way to where they were Still able to get the seasons Played and a champion Crowned 
it felt it feels like over the last two years, I think of all of the sports, the one that got hit the most and got impacted the most was college basketball, to where we didn't even get March Madness two years ago, which is like even if you're not a college basketball fan, those first couple days of the NBA NCAA tournament are as good of sports days as there are all year long. Those two days, those first it used to be Thursday. I think they changed it last year to where it was actually Friday and Saturday. It used to be Thursday, Friday, where you'd get the 16 games all throughout the year. But it it there's a feel and sort of an energy, I think, about this season. And we knock on wood and we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that. This year there will be less cancellations Less instances where it's like Oh well that game got is going to be cancelled Oh well now this team that has a roster of 12 to 15 guys Four of them are not going to be playing Because of COVID issues And we don't even know if they're going to be able to field a team It was it was hard Really hard to play college basketball Some of the last couple of years With all of those things happening And it I just I have such a different feel right now and a, and a different energy kind of compared to where we were the last couple years with uh, with college. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's last season, especially the mid majors were hit really hard in terms of cancellations, postponements. Their seasons were heavily altered. I think VCU didn't even get a play in their March Madness game after winning the A10 because of a COVID outbreak. Um, you know, I think Duke had to withdraw early from the ACC tournament. Um, granted, Duke wasn't doing anything last season. Not a great team. Not a great team. A lot of the Blue Bloods weren't great last season. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's just it's a different feel. I went to James Madison women's basketball, their their season opener in this in in the arena. First time that, you know, fans were allowed back and just the electricity fans are so hyped up right now just to be able to go back and watch their teams after last season, only family and close friends could watch. And, and now arenas are reopening. We're going to see fans just absolutely go nuts. And there is that energy and, and it feels like this season will be a return to as close to normal as possible in terms of college athletics. Well, we are, as we're recording on early Thursday morning, a lot of you will probably end up hearing this on uh, late Thursday or early into Friday. Uh, I think it was what a was it Tuesday night where we had the Duke Kentucky game and yep. so we we've seen already some real talent and it, it felt like both of those teams are like sometimes you get the big names early in the year and th- that is again one one of the things that I absolutely love about college basketball is that you can play whoever you, losing a game or two doesn't hurt you. You know, like yeah. in, in college football, for example, nowadays with the playoff system, with the Bulls, you get some of these teams that they don't want to schedule tough out of conference because, oh, I can't lose one of those games. If I end up losing a game there and then I lose one in my conference, then I'm not going to make that's the that's not at all the case. At the beginning of college basketball seasons, you you get to see a lot of the the best against the best. Sometimes they're in tournaments. Sometimes they're in uh, just Games preseason games that are scheduled home and homes that you're going to have uh, over a couple years or just uh, big you know national TV games so you get the opportunity early on in the year to see some of the best play against the best where you know we don't always see that in other sports until the very end I, it's refreshing in college basketball hell if you're a like a mid major team nowadays you have to try to schedule up you want to show that hey look we played against. Some of these bigger conferences outside, and we competed with them. We deserve to belong in this tournament. Yeah, and it's it's 
It's so much fun. I mean, even it's it's funny because now you have a lot of mid-majors playing up. And you also have mid-majors at the beginning of the season playing these D3 schools and D2 and NAIA. Uh, JMU, my alma mater, they played an NAIA school last night and they won by 95 points. But there are other things. Norfolk State, the defending MEAC champions, played a Division three school, Bridgewater, and they were down at half to them. So, I mean, college basketball is probably the weirdest sport in terms of what can happen and then, like you said, a, a small mid-major has just as much of a chance to beat, you know, a power six team, to beat Alabama, to beat Villanova, to beat one of those, you know, Duke or Kentucky, just if they have a good shooting night. We saw it a few years ago. UVA lost to UMBC. And th- I think that's what makes me love college basketball. Everything you said, there, you get the marquee matchups, you get the upsets, you get, you get everything that college football doesn't necessarily have. And because of the... I mean, in just the very the basic sense, right? There are five players on the court. One guy, gal, whatever you're watching, can have an incredible night. All of a sudden, yeah. you have two of them, and you can beat anyone in any one game scenario. It's not a yeah, series, you, could, you know. Yeah. It's you can even night. have just one, and then in the case of a lot of times, the upsets are happening because the other team just goes cold. I mean, I just brought up UVA, UVA losing to UMBC. Opening night on Tuesday night, they lost to Navy. UVA was number 25. They're not expected to, you know, be a national title contender by any means. Tony Bennett is trying to kind of get some better recruits in there. They have two guards that are afraid to shoot the three, but they have really good, you know, size down low and all that good stuff. But they lost to an unranked Navy team at home to start the season. Like, that's the beauty of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and now with just the way that the, the game of basketball has changed with the influx of three point shooting and it's become such a perimeter game that the variance there one night, one team goes cold from three. The other night, a really bad team goes hot from three. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can like you hit five, seven threes all of a sudden like, oh, no, like you, that's just it's, it's you're trading threes for twos. Sometimes it's hard. And so th- that's always kind of been a thing with a lot of the lower mid major teams that would sort of shoot themselves into games. Right. How many times yeah. would we see like the non-athletic team with, you know, the really small five foot nine guard sort of white guy guard who can just shoot well, but you know, it, he, he's not going to be an NBA player. Um, you, You're starting to see that a little bit more just sort of overall, I think in college, because with the stretching and the spreading of the floor, it makes it harder to defend everyone. If you're, you know, a three-point specialist or a sniper, you can actually have a really nice role on teams. It's just, I think basketball overall, even in the NBA, we're talking a little more college here, though. It's it's fun right now. Um, doesn't feel like in the NBA there are, like, overwhelming chalk teams. The the, the way they've officiated the NBA is improved, and um, I, I'm— I'm super excited about this college basketball season. And I'm saying that even as a, a USC fan who I know my team is going to be as good as they were last year, which was a really great year for them with uh, with Mobley, who's gone on to the NBA and he's looked like an absolute star early on. But um, it's it's exciting the very beginning of any season and just with the way things have been for college in the last couple of years and the uh, and just the feel of this year, it uh, is that that. That um that excitement is really here. So let's talk about some of the teams that you like, Jack. Who are some of the teams coming into this year um, that you're high on, that you think, you know, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final 4, these are teams come the end of the year that if all goes well for them, they'll probably be around. Yeah, so I'll start with a little bit of chalk. I'll go Gonzaga, of course. Gonzaga, I mean, is a, just a perennial power. And this is, this is when, you know, they make their money right now in non-conference play because they play in the WCC who – isn't I mean it's it's an okay mid-major conference they normally put in 
always Gonzaga, and then maybe they'll throw in a second or third team that'll sneak in on the bubble, but they don't really get tested for the rest of the season. But with that, with that all being said, I think Gonzaga will be in the Sweet 16, Final Four. Come the end of the season, I mean, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, that front, that they're going to be really good. Um, I, I like UCLA last season. They got hot at the right time. Um, they were injured heavily to start the season. But with the return of Johnny Juzang, I think when Mick Cronin, and Mick Cronin is a fantastic basketball coach, I think they'll position themselves very well to be to be talked about at the end of the season. And my kind of not value, I mean, what they're plus 2000 to win it all. Um, so a little bit of value there. I like Alabama a lot. I love what Nate Oates has done with that team. We were talking about how teams now, you know, shoot the three so much. He's so analytics focused. He was a, I think, a high school math teacher before taking the job at Alabama. So he's Mr. Analytics. That's all he talks about. And they play like that and they have good shooters. So if they can continue kind of, especially come March, I think they'll position themselves to win the SEC and have a really good seed come March. They can, if they can go a month of solid shooting, I think we might be talking about them as national champions. So we're talking about some of the teams up towards the uh, the top, but uh, as you mentioned, you said you like to to follow a lot of the mid majors, and from just a, a gambling perspective, I think that's one thing for me as we've all was we all become more and more serious betters. You know, early on, you're betting the games that you're watching or that you're seeing on TV or that they're on the national games or. They're on oh cool I'll I'll put a few bucks on this We'll have a little more action here and there And then you start to realize and kind of Understand okay if I want to be A serious better if I want to actually do What's going to make me the most money Let's bet the games where I'm making money Where I actually have an advantage where I actually feel Really good about the work that I put in And college basketball is One of those sports It's one of those games where if you Do the work if you pay attention If you are following Injuries if you're following like you said um, This person may be the sixth man on this team But they're really the only other ball handler on that team So you know if they're out uh, That that team's going to be in a little bit of trouble Because they only have one guy that can dribble the ball Those things are are very key to pay attention to And with the NFL with 32 teams And with everybody knowing all of the major players And all of the coverage that NFL gets from a million different shows and podcasts and video. Like we all could sit down and, and for the most part have a conversation about like every NFL team and probably go for a few minutes. You just that's not the case in college basketball. The work you put in will really, really help you, Jack. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, if you can find a conference, like I of course I'm a JMU alum, so I follow the colonial, the CAA very closely. So I can make some money watching the CAA. I mean, I highly recommend if you if you don't want to necessarily take in all of mid-major basketball, hone in on a conference, watch their games. I mean, so many of them have ESPN Plus, you know, deals. So a lot of them you can just sit down and watch ESPN Plus and just learn a conference and you can make some good money just understanding a conference better than what the sports books understand. And I think for this this next few months with college basketball coming up and and people that are that are maybe playing the NBA and stuff too because this is where i think the information on DRF sports will help you even more most people yeah. if you play fantasy football you may know some things off the top of your head like you know basic stats about some of the players on the team how many yards per game they get around or what their targets look like or how like maybe a quarterback's passing yards you'll sort of got yeah you'll have an idea 
I mean, you have no clue with a lot of these teams' percentages, with their averages, with uh, the numbers, with spread numbers, with things that may have happened last year or two years ago, but maybe those are relevant. Maybe they're not, right? Maybe they're not that relevant because of the turnover in college and last year with the COVID stuff. You just want as much information as possible, and I think that is where those particular matchup tabs on DRF Sports are going to help you, and they're going to help me so much because – I don't know every one of these teams. I don't pretend, and I won't even attempt to act that way. With football, I <laughs> I, I do, I, and, I, and I puff my chest out, and I know this and I know that, but I need more help, and I am going to be using DRF Sports as such a resource right now. Tell us a little bit about these tabs for like every single game and, and some of the things that we can find for each of these matchups. Yeah, so say you want to bet George Washington versus Maryland. Maryland's the number 21 team in the country. You're looking at that, and you're like, that's an 18-point spread. I don't know how good Maryland is. So you head on over to drf.com slash sports. You click on that matchup, and then you have all of their team stats. You can go to betting angles, and you can learn you know, right off the jump that George Washington is 7-2 and two against the spread after playing a home game over the last two seasons. So you might want to bet George Washington there. But then you look down a little bit further, and then since 1997, they're 96 and 131, so down 48 units in road games versus winning teams. So then you kind of you kind of take a couple steps back, and you just you 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 can take in so much information. You can look at the line movements, and you see the public's nearly split 50-50 in terms of where they're betting on George Washington or Maryland. You can look at how you know they've stacked up. They haven't faced each other in the last three years, so all the stats are dating back to 1997, where George Washington's actually 7-1 and one against the spread versus Maryland and 5-3 and three straight up against Maryland since 1997. Granted, take all that with a grain of salt because that's a long, that's a large sample, and the way college basketball kind of rotates players so often, you might want to more look at last three years, which they haven't played in the last three years. But there's just so much information mm-hmm. there. And then over on the left side, you can also see the power line, which is kind of what our simulations believe the spread should be. Our power line thinks this should be a 23-point spread. And then it gives it a, a kind of a game simulator. It estimates based off of last year's stats and this year's stats. And then as the season will go on more, it'll just use this season stats to try and figure out who's going to win. And our simulator likes Maryland to win 77-55 against George Washington. But you can do that with any game that you're thinking of betting. If you want to bet on Northern Iowa, Vermont tonight, there's all that information there. Air Force, South Dakota, because I know everyone wants to watch South Dakota mm-hmm. play a Mountain West Air Force team at you know 2.30 today in just a couple of hours. Sure. You can find all that information there too. It's absolutely fantastic. That's how I figured out what I was going to bet today. Well, for, I think for a lot of us, we all have our, our process of how we do our prep and how we do our research and stuff. And so for me, my, my NFL process, it's, you know, what's nice about the NFL is it's sort of weekly. So you can get yourself into a routine with it over the, you know, uh, so I'll, I'll sit down and on like Monday and Tuesday, I'll go and go to NFL game pass and I'll rewatch all the games in 20 to 30 minutes without the commercial. So I can see if anything (laughs) jumps out and then I'll kind of read a couple of the articles and look at some of the box scores. And I just sort of jot notes down for like each team. I'll go to the game and okay, Ravens and I'll start kind of just notes for the Ravens. Okay. Yeah. They turn the ball over here, bad pass here from Lamar, little things all the way down. And so honestly, what I've done now over the last few weeks is Every time after I've done my rewatches, I just come right over to DRF Sports and I click on every matchup and I go through them and I just look at some of the things in the the betting insights. I look at some of the things in the line movements, some of the things in the key injuries, and there's just always going to be a couple things that pop up 
that you may not have had on your in your own handicapping in your own research and it's just it's so great to add you were getting it it's like okay not every tidbit that you look at from every site is going to be something that you're going to use this game you're going to say okay maybe that's not as relevant or you know what maybe there's an injury so that stat may not matter as much but you, you start adding and you start Okay now there's three or four or five things About that team or about that side that I like I think that's for me the process That works and some people Have a completely different process right like They just want to get in some action real quick And that's where you can come to DRF Sports and just go okay what does the game simulator Say on the outside okay here's what they predict Let's see (laughs) boom okay you know what I just want a few bucks like I'm gonna roll with Their simulator I think whatever your Process is this is gonna complement It if you're someone who spends hours And hours and hours this will help you if you're someone who's just looking for a little bit of help really quick and really con- in in like a convenient way. This is also going to help you. It's just it's the information is there for you. It's just how do you want to use it? And uh, this this has just become such a great resource for me because I'm not I haven't tried to hide it. I, I've always been selling a, a DRF as as the one. F- Past performance for horse racing I We have videos and we have uh, semin- Like little seminars And all sorts of things to show people All the features there and so now For me for the last month or so Knowing that I can get all this extra information Like people that have heard you They know we're, we're numbers guys we're, we're dorks like this when it comes to this Like you could sit on DRF Sports for hours And hours and hours and that would be The only site you need to get All prepared Yeah, exactly. And then like you were saying, you find kind of the trends, the power trends, the betting angles that you like that that work for you, because sometimes you might see, why do I need to know back to 1997? But when it comes down to certain matchups, it doesn't matter the injury. Sometimes those just betting trends really help for you. Like LSU Alabama this last Saturday, you might be sitting there and you're like, Alabama is clearly the better team. LSU is blowing up. Ed Orgeron isn't even going to be the coach next season. Throw out everything out the window. But then the betting trends, all dating back 20 years, all tell you that this is going to be a close game. And what was it? A close game. So you'll find also that the betting angles, the trends, what you want to use off of DRF. It's just so much information that you can choose what you want to use. Unlike some other sites where they're telling you which angles to use, this is giving you everything that makes you have the option. So we were talking college basketball. We talked about some of the teams towards the the, the top of the uh, of the, the the national scene that you think will be uh, will be tough teams to beat and probably hanging around towards the end of the year. Give us a, maybe a mid major team or two, or maybe a conference that you you really like or that you're going to be paying attention that you that you're high on this year. Someone that's maybe a little bit outside the box. Oh, outside the box, mid major team, and maybe it doesn't um, have to be a mid major. Maybe just someone that's that's. You you think you think is going to have a good year? Maybe you're a little high on this year, or if if not, maybe a specific game. This you and I are recording on Thursday. If you have any specific games or spots that you like coming up for this weekend, either way, any any way you can help uh, some of the folks out there possibly make some money in the long term or maybe in the short term. So I don't think I think you're kind of set with your top five, six teams that'll necessarily win the national championship, but a, a team to kind of keep your eye on, Saint Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure last season had a fantastic year. I believe they play in the A-10. Let me double check that. But they had an – yeah, in the A- A-10. So that's the same uh, conference as Richmond, VCU. Your listeners probably know VCU from their magical Final Four run a few years ago. George Mason. Um, so it's a really good basketball conference. Uh, but St. Bonaventure had a fantastic year last year. 
And this year they returned practically everyone, and they're set to have another good year. A-10's a fun one to watch. A um, lot of great teams, a lot of good in-state rivalries there in Virginia. Maybe I'm a little partial because I, I live in Virginia, so I, I kind of like those in-state rivalries. But They're a fun, and they're the type of team that has a very good template for, hey, if things go well for them, they could really stack some wins. And they can yeah. put themselves into a really nice spot to be a very highly seeded team going into the tournament. I think they're in the top 25 right now. I think they're just on yep. the inside, like number 23 ranked on some of the polls. But you, you know, you look through their schedule, and it's not that the conference isn't easy, but there aren't there aren't any probably top 10 to top 15 teams in the conference, and they do look to be probably the most talented team in there. So this team has a real opportunity to stack some big wins and, you know, get themselves into, if things go well, like they could very easily be, I could see like a three or four seeded team with a big, you know, like a really nice resume leading in and put themselves in a good spot to, to make a nice run in the tournament. Yeah. They gave, they give me Dayton vibes back when yes, Dayton had OB Toppin. Absolutely. Which, while you talk about March Madness getting canceled, that was the, that was the saddest thing. I, I had Dayton winning it all that year. And the fact that, that couldn't happen for him was a real bummer But they have real Dayton vibes where mm-hmm. They're a good team that is going to be a mid-major They're going to beat up on teams They might lose a couple, probably two or three A-10 games Just the way the season goes But they'll they'll be positioned very well at the end of the season And another team, they're kind of every year A mid-major team that you always have to watch out for San Diego State I think they'll be solid I, They're they're solid every year And they, this, is, this, is, this is just going to be the norm for them so uh, as we record on Thursday, have you uh, had a chance to look ahead to the weekend schedule? Anything on the on the, like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday that might uh, that you might be looking at for games coming up? Not a lot of lines out for this weekend yet. Um, I have a lo- I have a couple bets out for tonight, but that won't help. Uh, that won't help the well, listener when they're listening to it tomorrow. We'll, but then we'll, yeah, I was gonna say if there's a game, then we'll talk a little football, and we know. Because we don't need to ever steer anyone in the wrong direction Or we don't need to force anything that's not out yet And we can follow you at DRF Sports We can follow you again uh, Give us your Twitter too just in case Because you do a good job of posting bets that you have Sometimes on your own individual Twitter also So if anyone wants to follow and, you know, early into Friday or Saturday And you might have something Where can we follow you there? Yeah, so follow at DRF underscore sports for all that good stuff. And then my personal picks at FITZ all the way, fits all the way. So far on the season, I was three and two opening night. My goal is just to stay above 500. Three and two opening night. Pitt blew up in my face. I had Pitt minus 10 and a half, and they got absolutely obliterated by the Citadel. A SOCON bad team just absolutely beat up on an ACC team. Um, And then my other loss was Kentucky. We were talking on the live stream with Mm -hmm. BO. I was high on Kentucky. I I also then threw down a ten dollar money line bet on them once they became three point dogs. I really liked them, uh, but that blew up in my face too. But a couple good wins and yeah, follow me at fitz all the way for my nightly updates of what games I'll be uh, betting. We do know that the uh, NFL games come out uh, each and every week very early, so we always can get a yes. good look at those lines and the way the money will be moving throughout the week. Jack has been joining us for the live streams uh, on BTV Bets on uh, on Monday nights and Thursday nights, and so we're recording this before the Thursday night football game, so we won't talk a, a whole lot about that. But were there any games uh, NFL this weekend that uh, that jumped out at you? Looking through everything now, you know, it seems like an interesting one. Patriots are favored two and a half mm-hmm. over the Browns after last mm-hmm. season. I like the Patriots in that spot. Um, Bo- this is talk- a huge game for both of these teams. They're five and four. 
They're both yep. right in the playoff picture now. A few weeks ago, it looked like I think a lot of people were writing the Patriots off because ah, okay, they got a couple wins against the Jets, but they won a couple games that you may not have had them winning on paper. And then you look back to that Dallas game. That was another game that they they probably could have snuck in uh, very easily too. So this is and 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 with the Browns, do we get the Browns? Do they kind of have a little bit of a down spot because last week was that up game for them, and they kind of yep. we didn't know what they were gonna what they were gonna do without Odell. Was it gonna was it gonna hurt them, or was it were they gonna sort of rally around and say, you know what, we're fine without him, let's do it? And they did. Everything went well for them. Do they have a little bit of a letdown after this? Is a fascinating game to me this weekend. Well, here's with Bill Belichick and quarterbacks that haven't completely proven themselves yet, and I, I put Baker in that in that category. I don't think Baker has proven himself to be a week in week out, great quarterback in the NFL. And when Bill Belichick faces those types of quarterbacks, they, he typically wins. So I like the Patriots at minus two and a half there to beat the Browns outright or not, to beat the Browns and cover. So that's a big, big game. I think the line right now is like two and a half or so. Uh, yep. New England is like a two and a half point favorite. That is a huge, huge marquee game coming up this weekend. Um, some of the other games that I thought were just kind of very interesting and just from a, a talking uh, perspective standpoint, because they uh, they they do matter, um, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things. We're finding out right now that the Arizona Cardinals, we don't really know what's going to happen if Kyler Murray is going to be playing or not. It does look like um, I do believe Hopkins um, will I was looking at I think Hopkins is going to So keep an eye on that one But mainly I wanted to mention this game Because Jack what they did last week I, I was really impressed with It It was an easy spot for them to just say Hey this is a loss for us We've got no Kyler We've got no Hopkins uh, I think Edmonds gets hurt after the first play And <laughs> they they just beat up San Francisco with Colt McCoy I've been hard on Cliff Kingsbury uh, At times because I think His decision making here and there sometimes When you know he has to decide to kick Or to go for it um, He's a good play caller Kind of play designer but I think sometimes uh, You know in the heat of the game The decisions are where he gets in trouble But hell gotta give him a lot of credit For what they what he's done and that was a Really great week for them last week Because not only do they win a game With their backup quarterback In a game that moved I think the game Opened up and early on they were Like a short favorite like a two point Favorite or something and it ended up closing As uh, like a five to five and a half Point underdog after Kyler Ended up not playing that game Green Bay loses and the Rams Lose so now they're probably in a situation where if I were them, I would not play Kyler this week. I would make sure he is 1,000% healthy. They play a struggling Panthers team that they could probably beat without him. And heck, I just wouldn't want to chance him at all right now. That was a great spot, a great week for them with the results all around the league. Yeah, and I think uh, that line movement was insane. And I think it was completely underselling this Cardinals defense. Like Absolutely. this Cardinals defense is darn good. And that line movement just kind of was like kind of sticking it to the Cardinals defense who, yeah, they don't have J.J. Watt, but they're pretty much healthy everywhere else. And they can keep it close with the 49ers and ten and a half points is a lot of points. I don't know if I'm necessarily taking them there. We'll see how that line moves. Um, But if Kyler goes out and that line drops a little bit, I will hammer the Cardinals. Even with Colt McCoy, I believe in Colt McCoy. Me too. Just a, they've done a fantastic job over there, and uh, a shout out to their coaching staff. They are the number two overall ranked defense in the league based on DVOA metrics. So um, 
I gotta say the the board this week for me, uh, I didn't um I didn't love there there which it's good sometimes. Sometimes you don't want to have to jump in and feel like you need to play ten games, but there everything a lot of the numbers seemed pretty close or pretty accurate. There wasn't anything egregious to to me that felt like oh that was way off. I'm gonna have to jump in before we get out of here. Uh, was there any other games or anything uh, uh, to look at uh, that that you thought about you know interest in or or, or worth discussing? Keeping an eye on the Eagles Broncos game, I think yeah. Broncos might be a little bit overinflated about what after what they did to the Cowboys last week, and I mm-hmm. think the Eagles prove that they're a solid team by sticking with the Chargers last week. Um, and another one to kind of keep an eye on, mainly because of COVID and what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Seahawks Packers. Packers are a three point home favorite right now. Um, I would just be interested to see how that line moves as the week goes on because Aaron Rodgers isn't eligible to return back to practice until Saturday. That could so be Aaron have... and Russ or Gino and Jordan yep. Love. <laughs> <laughs> so like keep an eye on that because depending yeah. on how the news goes this this week, Seattle might jump to a favorite if yeah. Russ is announced he's playing and Aaron Rodgers is out. That line that over under may just absolutely crash and bottom out if it's Jordan Love versus Geno Smith. Like there's that game's going to be fun, not necessarily to bet. I might stay away from that game because you don't know what's going to happen, but it, it might just be a fun line just to watch for the rest of the week. Exactly. If you get a sense of which way it's going one way or the other and you feel like you're getting the better of the number and you can sort of predict where it's going to go and you think one of two of the, the guys is going to be in the back and the other one isn't, maybe you, you jump on it early, see if you can get the better of that number. We're always going to be trying to help you out. And with that, with that, especially in a sharp market like the NFL, and we're very, very lucky to be joined uh, now each and every week by Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. Jack, you, you mentioned earlier on where we could uh, follow you. DRF.com/sports is the website. Give us the plugs on social media one more time where we can follow that DRF Sports account, where we can follow your account. Yeah, so you can follow DRF Sports on Twitter at DRF underscore Sports. On Instagram at DRF Sports, no underscore on that one. And then Facebook is DRF Sports Data. If you search that on Facebook, we'll come up. And then you can follow me at FITZ all the way, fits all the way. Jack, look forward to uh, to touching base with you again um, coming up for some of those football live streams. And then next week we'll we'll have a, a good sample size now. We'll have you know that first week. Everyone will have uh, either a game or two played under their belt, and we'll we'll have a little more college basketball to talk, uh, to digest, to take in before we start prepping for next weekend. So, uh, man, I, and I can't believe we're already into week ten of the NFL. That that seems crazy, doesn't it? It does. Like just flying, flying by. What? So what? Uh, eight more weeks with week eighteen, with seventeen yeah. games played. So wow, it's gonna be fun. It is, it is, and so now these games Every one of them matters so, so much And we're going to talk about everything Happening in the world of sports right here On That's What G Said, and you can always Get all of the analysis you need Any help, any information, if you're Playing the games, if you're playing from a fantasy Perspective, if you're just watching and you're Curious and you want to look up a stat DRF.com slash sports Jack, you have an awesome weekend, good luck And I look forward to talking to you again next week Yeah, thank you so much, have a great rest of your week And talk to you tonight Okay, make sure to give Jack a follow on uh, all the social medias there for his personal and for DRF Sports. And do not go anywhere, folks, because we have a lot more to discuss in the world of NFL. We're coming up with Eric soon. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the 
DRF, the daily racing forum, for years studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack or wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current day's odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com big thank you to jack for helping us out and uh, we'll continue to check in with jack uh, see what's happening in the worlds of uh of all the major sports really but college basketball we'll start to talk a little bit more about him in the upcoming weeks we'll keep checking in football and see what's going on over at drf sports and you heard the commercial for drf.com that is the place to go for your handicapping for your past performances and all that great information that you get at drf.com it's now over at drf sports just uh helped a lot of us on Breeders' Cup weekend last weekend with those great past performances, articles, um, great information from reporters, drf.com, everything you need over there. Go check out all of the different packages and all of the tools and the, the features. If you ever have any questions, I'm happy to help you. I'm a big, big fan of their formulator past performances where you can one-click to charts, one-click to pedigree, one-click to replays. It makes your life very, very easy as uh, we move along and get into the NFL Week 10 slate. Eric joins again, and uh, yeah, just a, a little heads up if you do hear, it sounds like a little uh, rain in the background. Poor Eric was uh, was caught up in a big, big storm, so we uh, we did our best with the uh, with the audio there, but I think you, you'll be fine, um, and we 
get that great information for you. Always uh, the hard work from Eric prepping uh, to talk every single game. Following that, we actually get into our NFL quarterback ranking. So we rank all the quarterbacks 1 through 32, and we talk about who we would want if we had the game on the line and we needed to get a score. It's a ton of NFL coming up week 10, and then quarterback rankings with Eric. So just to give uh, folks an idea of how different things are in uh, different states of this beautiful country, uh, you can hear the rain pouring down as I discuss this uh, week and week 10 NFL coming up with Eric. I'm sitting in Southern California in Long Beach. I don't even know what rain is. And Eric, it is pouring right now where you are in the background, man. I, you're going to get washed away. It is. 48 degrees, leaves are everywhere, and I feel like I'm in the middle of a monsoon right now. It's been raining nonstop. I mean, it's <laughs> so, like, it's brutal. I mean, like, it, it is brutal right now. And it's like, it's like cold fall rain. It's, it's awful. It's like that Forrest Gump scene. It's got sideways rain, upside down rain, a little bit of everything rain. Well, uh, I, we're going to go. I like to run in the morning. I like, it's either a Peloton or running. And I mean, I got a mile into my run, and I'm like, dude, this sucks. And that Can't do it. Lot, that takes a lot for me to do that. Gets smacked in the face repeatedly by the rain. Uh, we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk NFL Week 10. And we've also done something a little different this week. We have a uh, – we, we did our quarterback rankings. So I think now we've got like you know nine weeks of the season as a little bit of a sample size. It is a little tricky because some teams have had different quarterbacks filling in here and there. But – for the most part, we have a pretty good idea of, you know, a group of close to 30 quarterbacks. So we're going to rank them for you. We'll let them we'll let you know how we would stack up quarterbacks if we wanted uh, if we needed someone to go win us the game. If we needed someone at the end of the game to drive us down the field. How who would we prefer in that situation? So we'll go through the uh, the quarterback rankings uh, when we finish up with NFL week 10. And Eric, I'm glad that we sort of start with this game because I honestly have no freaking clue what to do with your Lions this week and the Steelers. Steelers are a nine-point favorite in this game, and uh, the total is 43. So, I mean, right off the top, I'm thinking basically the same way I was thinking last week where you have a low total, you have a, a spread that's a pretty big number. The Steelers have not been good in this situation where they've been a big favorite, but the Lions are a team that we've seen. They've been really tough to, to back. There have been a couple times this year when – it seemed like it was a really good spot for them, and they just did not fire. But they're going to be coming into this game off the bye. What do you think about the the Lions? I mean, I'm I'm definitely not laying nine points here with the Steelers. I have them locked in. I got them at nine. Um, you know, they're coming off the bye. They're desperate for a win. Steelers are coming off an emotional Monday night game where, let's face it, like I hate blaming officials, but there are some suspect calls in that game. I mean, there is like some awful calls in that game. That went the Steelers way. That was um, just... that was the worst game, Eric. I'm not. That was the worst game this year, and that was one of the worst games I can remember from as bad and as impactful as those calls were. It's not as if the Bears are like a great team or anything, but there were four or five calls, like three that should have been a, against Pittsburgh that weren't called, three that were called for Pittsburgh that shouldn't have been. We're talking not like one or two plays that go either way. Once it gets into the like, oh my gosh, there were like five or six really, really impactful plays. That was, hey, we hit our bets. We we had the Bears plus plus the points. So this isn't even like a bitter gambler complaining about it. No, I mean, it was just, it's at the point right now, like, it's just like a poor product. 
And most people, actually everyone else in America, if you have a normal job and you're, you mess up that perfectly on your job, you get fined, fired, suspended, whatever. I don't think that official, the official that hit check the guy from the Bears, is that guy even going to officiate a game? Did he get a, uh, a that prize was, or anything? That was like, pathetic. Because that was really bad. That was that pathetic. Was really bad. And there were some play hits on fields that weren't called. I mean, it was, I don't know. It was just a, it was just a poorly officiated game. And think um, about the difference between right now, um, you know, like just the vibe we're getting with the the early the uh, the early feedback from the NBA, the way they've changed the officiating. Everybody seems to love it. The fans seem to love it. The players, most of the players, there's there's a group of like the the only players that don't love it are the Damian Lillard, James Harden, and uh, Trey Youngs. You know, the ones that were were getting all those free throws. Everybody loves it. There's less fouls being called. The, the officials seem like they're getting a grasp on things. They got to figure things out in the NFL, man. There have been a lot of games over the last few weeks that feel like they're they're impacted. And yeah, we're 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 the gamblers, right? So we sit here and and you know. We're looking at things like that, but there are with legalized gambling with more and more people every year and more money being bet on these games. They have to be accurate. They can't have people, you know, that are investing so much money losing on just incorrect calls. I mean, there's million dollar swings on calls. I mean, with, like you said, like how much their legal gambling is, there is how much offshore there is. I mean, one call, there can be a million, multi-million dollar swing on a call. And, I mean, if I had Bears money line, I would be absolutely um, – and, and think about, like, just the playoffs too, you know. Um, both of those teams, how – if the Bears win that game, they're 4-5, and five, they're right in the playoff picture. Because right now, the Falcons are 4-4, four and four, they're in the playoffs. And, and the and Steelers are also – same thing. They end up winning that game. They got another game this week where, yeah, I mean – they, maybe they don't cover, but they're a nine-point favorite to get, to give themselves a chance to go to six and three. Yeah, I mean it's stuff. When you look at it like that, stuff can swing. Like I, like I think you and I, I know I do for sure. I have the Steelers under eight and a half wins. Absolutely, that, that win totally affected that bet. And it's oh, just, no doubt. it's at the end of the game. Like, and it's not just that game, but it's like every single game. There's just been crappy calls, and there just needs to be some sort of repercussion and until there is some sort of repercussion this is just going to be a week in and week out thing some sort of accountability that we're just yeah. not getting right now as um, uh go in terms of this game i mean this is in my eyes it's have a god awful offense this is just way too big of a number to be laying with a bad offense the lines have showed they're going to battle to the to the very end of the game they'll be going for two onside kicks um, and you can throw on the Steelers' offense, excuse me, on the Steelers' defense. I think Goff's going to be able to get it out to Swift and some uh, screen passes and get it to Hawkinson working the seam. I mean, and the Steelers have not covered a number this big since week eight of the 2020 season. Um, yeah, I just, I like I like the Lions here, plus the points, and I'll sprinkle just a hair on the money line. Just to give you an idea, too, of, of Pittsburgh, they won last week's game and they dropped four spots in DVOA overall, even when they won. That's how bad they were in that win because they just were not supposed to win that game. As you mentioned, we think of Pittsburgh as this great defense since they're, I think their defense is number 10 overall. They're 20th in past DVOA. Like yep. you mentioned, this is not, uh, they're nine, uh, yeah, they are 19th overall in DVOA, dropping from 16 to 19. They're 18th in offensive DVOA. They're 13th in defensive DVOA. And they don't really, yeah, 20th against the pass. 
they just don't do anything spectacular at all. Um, I'm a, I'm with you. This is just too many points at all. Like over this, a touchdown for sure. And like when you talk about coaches in the NFL, I mean Mike Tomlin hands down is the most underrated coach in the NFL. Like this Steelers team is not that good, and he has them like battling for a playoff spot, battling for the AFC North lead. I mean. This guy, in terms of like how people view him as a coach, so vastly underrated. He's terrible. He's terrible. I mean, hey, he's good. <laughs> I, I was about to. I was about to say he's terrible because I was looking at our quarterback rankings, and Big Ben is terrible. He's doing yeah. this with a terrible version of Big Ben. You and I are going to talk quarterbacks, and I think we both are going to have Ben in the twenty and below. He's not terrible offensive line, defense, overrated defense, and a forty-year-old quarterback. It can't move. He has him at five and three. Like we can, we can complain and say, and we, you're right. They're not a good football team. This is, this is what it comes down to in the margins, because how many teams are we going to look at and go, wow, they could, they could be like the Steelers where they could be five and three or three and five. It's always nicer to be five and three, isn't it? Oh yeah. You got, you're in a great position. And I mean, I love the way he answered that USC question. He's like, no, that was just I awesome. Have, I don't have time for this. No, you don't I mean, have a just, booster. You don't have a booster big enough to pay my check. That was just great. I freaking loved it. As uh, we move along to our second game on the board, we're gonna go. Uh, uh, both of these teams are coming off a bye, I believe. We've got uh, we've got the Tampa Bay Bucks and we've got the Washington Football Team. So Tampa is at Washington. They are a nine and a half point favorite on the road. Total in this game fifty one and a half here. Um, Washington allowing 28 points per game. That's just the one thing that we never would have guessed coming into this year, Eric. Uh, again, if you told me Washington was a team that was two and six, I'd say, oh, they just can't score. Fitzpatrick got hurt right right away, right? And so they can't move the ball. Well, no, they've, they've been the opposite. And then after a, a few weeks of their offense kind of looking feisty and, and competent, They've just been really, honestly, bad. Their offense is now, I think, number 22 in DVOA. Their defense is number 30. If you would have said this defense was going to be one of the worst defenses in the league, I would have said you are absolutely nuts. They are 31 against the pass, which is pretty crazy because generally with the defensive line as good as theirs, you can have bad coverage, and if you if you have just one or two really good like edge rushers or people on the defensive front that put pressure on the quarterback, they're going to make the quarterback shaky, not accurate when he throws. Yet for some reason, this team is bad. I mean, I'm staying away from this game. I, I nine and a half on the road is absolutely absurd, and that's like anything over a touchdown feels crazy to me. But Tom Brady may be able to pick. This team apart Man their secondary is so bad I'm steering clear of this number I locked it in at 10 I mean I love the playoff revenge spots Any team that knocks the team out Plays each other yeah. next year I love the playoff revenge um, I know like for a season The defense has been disappointing But the last two games they have looked better Against Green Bay and um, uh, Denver And then they went on a bye So the two games before the bye Their defense did look better Young and the rest of the defensive line was able to get to the quarterback. Um, and the one thing that this Bucks team has shown us is they're a covering machine and a wrecking ball at home. But on the road, they're 0-4 against the spread. I mean, they didn't cover in Philly. They lost straight up to um, the Rams. 
bus straight up to uh, who's the other team? Like the Saints. So, I mean, I, this is a team, I think, when they lay a big number on the road, I like to look the other way. They And with how bad their uh, defensive back four is, Haneke's going to be able to move the ball. And this big of a number, the back door is completely wide open. So I'm, I locked in the football team plus the uh, plus the 10. We move along to the Saints playing the Titans. So the, the Titans are a three-point favorite at home here. Total in this game is 44 and a half. How about the Titans, man? They took advantage of Rams' mistakes. They moved to 7-2. and two. They get their big win without Henry. Their passing offense didn't have to do a whole hell of a lot, Eric. They got a big lead early after two bad, bad Ram turnovers. I mean, that was his, that was Jared Goff Stafford there. That was a bad-looking few minutes for Matthew Stafford. And overall, the Titans won a game where they had 3.5 yards per play and 2.7 yards per rush spread out amongst the running backs. Peterson, Foreman, and McNichols all got five-plus carries. They've now won five in a row, including four against teams that made the playoffs last year. They played the hardest schedule in the NFL so far this year. But they have a really bad DVOA rating because they've been outgained by their opponents this year. Total yards, yards per play. They've been outgained per play on the ground and through the air. Uh, Weeks one through four, they were 27th in the league in DVOA. Weeks five through nine, they they ranked number four. Uh, they got an awesome performance from Simmons last week with three sacks. What the hell? What the hell do we do with the Saints now? They they okay. had a nice big win, you know, but they come back and they score twenty two points in the last ten minutes of that fourth quarter to take the lead, and then they lose on a game winning field goal. Defensive line back to full strengths. They they had a bunch of wide receiver drops in that game. They only had eighty seven total yards in the first half. I have no clue what to do with the Saints. How can you not play the Saints here? I like them at three. I absolutely love them here. Um, I understand everything the Titans have done. It's been a great run. Um, they got the emotional lift, you know, like when you lose a superstar and then your team rallies and then the, and you win the game like you really shouldn't have, and then the next game you lay an egg. The Saints team, this defense is a championship-level defense. In my eyes, this is the best defense in the NFL, and I really think they're going to be able to shut down this Titans offense, get to Ryan Tannehill. Titans rank 24th DVOA against the run. I think Kamara or Ingram, whoever's back there, Kamara's a little banged up. We may be able to get a better number if Kamara doesn't play. Um, I think they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. I also think that we're going to see more Taysom Hill running the ball. And then Sean Payton, I say it every week, when he's a dog, you take him. He's a favorite, you fade him. Sean Payton, 64% against the spread as a dog. Sean Payton, 65% against the spread as uh, as a dog after a loss. And then Rabel, only 42% against the spread as a favorite. These coaches, I mean, when they're dogs, we take them. When they're favorites, we fade them. And they just happen to coincide. So I love the Saints here plus the three. We uh, move along to Falcons. Cowboys, this was a massive, massive win for the Falcons last week. And what a non-Falcons thing to do, Eric, huh? They get up. 17-3, 17-3, to mainly because New Orleans wasn't doing anything early. They spit out the lead. New Orleans scores 20 points in the final 10 minutes of the game to take the lead. And then Atlanta drives out and kicks a field goal to win, which is something they never would have done. And, and how about Matt Ryan? 23 for 30, 343 yards, two touchdowns. Over the last five weeks, Matt Ryan is first in QBR. He's third in first down rate while being pressured at the eighth highest rate in football. I saw that stat for Mina Kimes posted. The offensive line allowed 19 pressures last week. They got to get better, but hell, 
they're four and four in the playoffs right now. The Cowboys are a nine point favorite total in this game, 54 and a half. And Dak was bad in his return. It wasn't like he wasn't healthy either. He just looked bad. He just looked like rusty. He just looked off. Um, he was 19 for 39, 232 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But that all came in garbage time. They were down 30 to nothing playing from behind. Uh, Dallas only had 16 total carries, 14 to the running backs. Lamb was Lamb caught two out of eight targets. Uh, Amari Cooper caught two of five. They only had a combined six catchable passes thrown to them by Dak. I mean, the Broncos just beat the crap out of the Cowboys. It was it was crazy. You've been pointing out how Diggs has been cheating a little bit. He got burned. He allowed four receptions and a touchdown. He was graded the worst of the Dallas secondary this past weekend. In the first seven minutes of the game, in Denver territory, Dallas had the uh, at fourth and short twice. They went for it both times, got stopped, and then after they had another fourth and short, and they decided to punt because they had gotten stopped. You gotta go for it if you're the type of team that goes for it on fourth and short. You just have to always go for it. This is what worries me with them in big games or as a big favorite or in the playoffs is, is their coach is McCarthy. They're in a situation again, where they're going to be a heavy, heavy favorite here. I mean, at one point Denver had five scoring plays and Dallas had five first downs in that game. I can't lay Dallas here with just how bad that Dak looked. you know, over a touchdown. I'm leaning Falcons. For me right now, this game is a stay away. I really feel like everything that the Broncos do matches up with everything that the Cowboys are bad at. And the Falcons aren't really good at getting to the quarterback and they aren't really good at running the ball. And that's the weakness of the Cowboys. So because of that, I mean, right now, this is a stay away. If I were to play something, I would lean the over here. Uh, Dallas is, has the fourth most explosive rate percentage and they're getting Michael Gallup back. It's going to open up the explosive play and the Falcons are bottom three defending explosive passes. And the over is hit in four of the last Falcons, Falcon, four of the last five Falcons games. Um, Matt Ryan is playing at a great level. After that catch by Cordell Patterson that helped me catch that Falcons money line, I will never say a bad word about him again. But I just can't. It's just a matchup base for me. So I'm just staying, completely staying away from this game. Oh, anything would be the over, that'd be it. We move to the Browns Patriots. Patriots are a two and a half point favorite on the road here. Both of these teams five and four straight up. Both of these teams five and four against the spread. This is a huge, huge game as far as the AFC playoffs are concerned. Total in this game 45, 45 and a half, something in that range. And for the Browns, it's more like no Dell Beckham. Am I right, Eric? <laughs> yeah. Am I right, Eric, for them? Because geez. 7.8 yards per play last week for the Browns offense without Odell Beckham Jr. And Baker over the last two years. So there's a stat that's called EPA. It is a stat that aims to measure the value of yeah. individual plays in terms of points. It calculates expected points for every down based on down distance and field position. So it just tells you like every play that you run, what are the expected points from that play? Was it, you know, how how um, impactful was the play? If it's on first down, do you pick up four or five yards? If it's a, if it's on third down, do you get the first down? If it's on second down, do you make it close enough to where it's like a third and short? So it's how impactful every play that you make. It's a great stat. It's a, it's one of them. It's a really really great stat. In the last two years, Baker Mayfield. So with Odell Beckham Jr. on the field in 2020, he 
he was the number 24 ranked quarterback without Odell. He was number seven last year. You pointed this out right away, you know, early in this year and at the end of last year. For some reason, he tries to force him the ball. There's something about the rest of the other ride receivers that don't get the ball. How about this year? EPA, Baker, with Obell Beckham Jr., he was the number 17 ranked quarterback without Odell Beckham Jr., number one, the number one ranked quarterback in football in EPA. Now, do I think Baker is that good? No, that's something that's a a small sample size. It's not going to add up, but there really is something to be said with how loose he plays out there on the field um, when there's no Odell. Baker was 14 for 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns. He had a QBR of 82.7, quarterback rating of 132, and adjusted completion percentage of 77%. 12.4 yards, uh, average depth of target, two big-time throws, no turnover-worthy plays. He completed passes to eight different wide receivers, and no one wide receiver had more than three catches. Chubb was freaking awesome. 14 carries, 137 yards, two touchdowns. How about uh, that great pass? for Chubb too Eric as someone who's a Chubb fan I bet you love seeing that they threw him a ball about 15 yards down the field he ended up on a 23 yard reception that the defense was looking around like what the hell you're throwing it to Chubb that far down the field it was just a smart play um Chubb had six first downs rushing five explosive runs the offensive line held up very very nicely Baker was only sacked or hurried to combine five times and their defensive line played awesome. Miles Garrett was all over the place. Denzel Ward. I mean, the pick six to start changed the whole game. Bengals are yeah. driving. Bengals are moving the ball. And and then all of a sudden, it's instead of 7 nothing, the, the, the Browns are up 7 nothing. The Bengals ran the first 20 plays of that game before the, Bengals, the Browns even got a ball on offense. It was weird, but it wasn't like that was the only thing that happened. After that, the Browns offense played very, very well. They had three touchdowns of 50-plus yards, but they have got to clean up the damn penalties, Eric. They had 10 penalties again, for, I think three or four in the first quarter. They ranked 25th in the league in penalties per game. They ranked 28th, fifth from the bottom in penalty yards per game with over 66. I'm going to stay away from this game because I feel like both of these teams are coming off of situations where... You know, the Browns looked great last week, and now everyone's saying they're better without Odell. A lot of people are saying just what I'm saying. I mean, the Patriots are coming off a game where they they had their defense scored more points on the Panthers' offense. Or their defense scored more points than the Panthers' offense on, on offense possessions. <laughs> they had a pick six, and the Panthers yeah. only scored six. Um, they didn't have to do much offensively at all. Only 17 first downs, only 273 total yards. They won a game with 4.6 yards per play and only 122 yards passing. It's like Sam Darnold, poor guy. We, we, we joked about him a lot, but for, he's bad, but it's like a new level of bad against Belichick. It's like he's just living in his brain and, and he can't get away from him. Um, God, I, I like the Browns a lot more as a team than I do as the Patriots. I feel like this is a spot where you're going to take the Patriots. I'm staying away. What do, what are you doing in this game? I like on Sunday afternoon on Betstamp and said it was at three on Caesars and DraftKings. No, DraftKings. For whatever reason, my apps weren't showing it. I couldn't lock anything in at Browns plus three. It's down to like one, two and a half somewhere in the area now. But there, to me, there's just so many questions because Chubb like has the COVID thing going on. Ever. No word on, like, Felton has it. No word if Johnson's and, and, tested positive for what's, it. What's worth mentioning um, is that, and that's a great point, 
Um, it was early in the week, and I believe Chubb is vaccinated, yeah. and so it is different from the situation with with Aaron Rodgers and that uh, the the vaccinated players they can actually just two tests within like a twenty four hour period they can get back. So he he has the likelihood to get back. But you're right, you, this is something to monitor. I would not want to have locked this game early in early because. There's just such a different team with Chubb like that last week, right? I mean, they like that that is their ceiling. When he plays that well, they can beat anyone like that, like how when they played like that last week. And he is so underrated, and there's this clip oh, good. running around on, on Twitter, um, where it's like the difference between Odell Odell says, I want to score a touchdown, and Chubb just looks up and he just goes, you know, just completely two different mindsets by two different players. Um, so yeah, just with so many questions, this is just a stay away for me. We need to remember that the Patriots defense, they're playing good. They're getting to the quarterback. There is no Conklin for, um, for the Browns and Baker is showing he does struggle with pressure in his face. Um, the Patriots, however, have lost to Saints and Cowboys. And those are two teams that are top 10 in rushing. In the NFL, that's where the Browns are. I kind of think this is a bad matchup, but I missed that three. So that, so me missing the three, me not knowing about Chubb, all that. Yeah, I'm gonna stay away too. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns sort of put their foot down here and have a good few week stretch right after Odell, and then they'll have some tough games, some tough games coming up. You know, they've got a couple games with the Ravens coming up soon that'll that'll sort of determine their their playoff, uh, you know, um, the future as we get to the. Bills and the Jets, um, man, the 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 Bills last week just laid a freaking egg, man. You looked at the Bills' schedule a few weeks ago, and they played, you know, a, a, a couple games that on paper looked, oh, well, the Bills are just going to start stacking up some wins here. Well, that has not been the case at, at all, Eric. They they end up losing the game last week to the uh, to the Jags nine to six. They are a 12-point favorite in this game on the road against the Jets in a 47.5-point total. And Allen, th- this was the problem with Allen, and it was it's sort of one of the problems I have when you're ranking, when you know, we talk about our quarterback rankings in a minute, when you're ranking someone like him, because I think, like, I've got him as a top 10 guy, someone who I would, I would you know, at the end of the game, if you want someone for a drive, I think you want Allen on your team. But then, like, where in that top ten? Some weeks it's like, damn, he he's like top three or four because he can run, he can make all the throws. Look at the weapons he's got too. And then other weeks, like we saw last week, it's like, man, I get those flashes of a couple of his bad playoff moments and a couple of those drives during playoff games where he's just taking bad sacks, making really bad decisions. He's someone who seems like there might be flashes throughout the game where it just like. He sees ghosts because he makes a bad decision or two sometimes that are just, what the hell is going on? He's going to be playing a Jets team this week that is uh, 0-4 uh, on the road. They are actually 2-6 and against the spread. And this Jets team, I mean, they're coming off the Thursday night loss. They ended up looking decent to start, and then Mike White gets hurt. Then Josh uh, Johnson comes in and he actually looks pretty good late in the game. They were down forty-one to ten, I think, at one point. 
the Bills come in off of just 301 total yards. It's a good get-right spot for them to play a bad team. They had 12 penalties for 118 yards. They gave Jacksonville six first downs from penalties. The thing about them, they can't really run the ball. And when you play against teams that, you know, have good defenses or you get into a spot where maybe your offense, for some reason, your passing offense just isn't clicking, when you don't have the option of running the ball all that well, Zach Moss left the game early. They only had 14 running back carries for 72 total rushing yards. I mean, I'm not laying 12 points with the Bills here on the road against the Jets. I'll tell you that. I mean, I rewatched the Bills game from that game. Number one, I don't think it's like they can't run the ball. It's more they, for whatever reason, they won't run the ball. The difference between good cultures, good coaching, whatever term you want to use, is they understand that there's going to be some days when your quarterback doesn't have it. Allen didn't have it last week. You have to be able to run the ball to take pressure off him and take pressure off your defense. For whatever reason, the ball just didn't do it. They kept passing the ball. Only having 14 runs in that game, that's unacceptable in my eyes. Number two, he definitely, Allen, trusts Emmanuel Sanders more than Stephon Diggs. Anytime toward the end of the game, critical situation, he was always looking for Emmanuel Sanders. So Sanders is wide receiver number one on that team, not Stephon Diggs. This Bills, the offense, hasn't been right. They're only 15th in the NFL since um, the end of last season. They didn't look good against the Dolphins. Um they just haven't looked good all year. There's just something not clicking. And I really think it's just their inability not to run the ball. Um, what the Jags did in that game is they usually are heavy man. They went more to a zone front. And Allen looked so confused. He just couldn't make any throws whatsoever. Um, that being said, my boy Mike White is playing. I love this kid. I ordered myself a Mike White jersey. I hope it's here for the fourth and inches on Sunday so I can be rocking it. I locked the Jets in here plus 13. I think they would have covered the game if he didn't get hurt against the Colts. Salance, Robert Salou is a good coach. He's going to be able to come up with a defensive game plan. And home, interdivision dogs, lane more than a touchdown. That's what I'm all about. Jets plus 13. I've locked it in here. Jets look pretty. Um, yeah, Jets. Also, also, the Bills. Bills have the Colts on deck. You know what I mean? So this is kind of like a letdown spot for them. Because that Colts game is pretty important. And right now, they're sitting at 5-4. and four. They're in a dogfight for a division and possibly even a, a dogfight. Dog I, I think the they're 5-3. and three. They're a five game. Three, I, I, they're, yeah, they're, I think they're half game ahead of the Patriots. They both have five wins, but the Patriots haven't had their bye yet. So, no, but you're right. Same. This is huge. They've got a they, they, big win, big games for them. But, they, but, you know, you see a Jets team across that you don't think all that much of. Um, maybe it's a game where it's a little lackluster and you just aren't up to cover what is basically a two-touchdown spread. We move to the Jags. Colts, we were just talking a little bit about the Jags. Both of these teams actually played each other last week. Colts beat up the Jets on Thursday night, and uh, the Jags beat the Bills. The Jags uh, are a 10.5-point underdog, so the Colts are a 10.5-point favorite here over under 47.5 Colts at home in this game. I thought this stat was pretty nuts, uh, Eric, because the Jags are a team that has played eight football games this year. So last week they were playing in their eighth football game of the season. And when they kicked a field goal in that game, it was the first Jaguars field goal made in America this year. The only two field goals they made in any game were in London. 
through eight weeks, through through seven plus games. That's nuts. So six games in 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 the U.S. they had no field goals, and they actually got all nine points from their field goal kicker. That's that's just crazy. They won a game where they had 218 total yards and 3.8 yards per play. They ended up going two of 13 on third down. And Trevor Lawrence did not look good. He got hurt, but I've been pretty disappointed with him. I don't think Urban Meyer's done a great job, but I'm not at all uh, impressed with what I've seen from him. He finished 15 of 26 for 118 yards. James Robinson didn't play. They still won. They got 21 carries for 67 yards from Carlos Hyde. Um, Sheesh, I don't. I mean, I'm staying away here. It's I'm definitely not laying ten and a half points with the Colts, but this Jags team is not good. There was nothing in that box score to to you know to, to make sense of why they won that game last week. It was just the Bills playing really, really poorly and inept. I just I'm staying away. Yeah, um, I really feel that Allen just struggled with the change of the Jags defense. Now the Colts have it on tape, so that's gonna be something they'll be able to exploit when i look at this game my first read is to take the colts just because the jags like to run the football they're number two dvoa running the ball on the flip side of that you know colts are one dvoa defending the run also like like i said jay just won their super bowl so that leads me to taking the colts but something that really isn't being reported is carson wentz's second child i think the due date is saturday so like he says he's gonna play but you know i mean you have a kid you know how that is you know like he may like not play because the birth of his child. So because of that, this game's a pure stay away for me because I just don't know if Wentz is gonna be playing. Uh the Vikings, man. Oh the Vikings, they blew another game last week. They uh they had an opportunity to beat the Ravens. They were up in that game by fourteen points multiple times and they end up spitting it out. The Chargers are a three point favorite in this game, and the total is fifty-three. So Man, the Vikings, that was a bad one for them because 17-3, to 24-10, and now you have no clue what's going on with Dalvin Cook. I, I just cannot possibly get involved in this game for that reason. Um, we, we have no clue if he's going to play. Recently, we, there was news that came out that Dalvin Cook was involved in some sort of a domestic dispute. It actually looked at the beginning, like when the reports came out, like he was the victim. Then we find out later on that his agent came out early and tried to release information to sort of discredit the the woman who was about to accuse him. I mean, this, this is a really, really sticky situation, Eric. I mean, we are football guys. We, we want to talk about football in the games. I can't remember a, a time in the NFL over the last two weeks where there have been more off the field stuff that are just very, very sad and horrifying and, you know, in like the in like the least like, hey, I'm talking down to you kind of a thing. Somebody needs to get some of these dudes on track, man. This shit is getting out of control. I mean, it's just yeah, it's it's insane. Like you read the story that was released by Schefter and it was like he was there with two people. She came in, held him at gunpoint, and then her account of what happened is just completely different. There's the Instagram exchange where like and I don't know, this could be altered, but it may not be. We don't know. You know, like her, like Cook, basically admitting to doing that. Like I, I don't know that. Tr- hopefully, the truth eventually comes out. But if it's true, he should be out of the league. And you're right. There needs to be someone that's holding all these guys like accountable for what you're doing. You shouldn't be hitting a woman. You shouldn't be 
posting a video with guns threatening to kill somebody. You shouldn't be getting behind the car and driving when you're drunk. I mean, these are just simple things. And, like, it's just, yeah, it's it's really sad what's going on in the league. We uh, continue along. Well, uh, so, in this, oh, yeah, right. this Vikings game. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, this game, like, Chargers right now, now, this is my mindset. Chargers right now are worse in the league defending the run. They are in current DVOA. They give up the most yards per game to running backs. They also um, give up the most fantasy points per game to running backs. Now, granted, we don't know what's going to go on with Cliff, but there's a high probability he can't play. DraftKings usually puts out a prop um, who will have the most rushing yards for the weekend. I mean, if you can get Madison over 25 to 1, 30 to 1, That'd be worth throwing a little cheddar on just because that's what the Vikings are going to do. They're going to run the ball. Chargers have shown they can't defend the run. In terms of laying points or taking points, the Chargers defense, excuse me, the Chargers special teams, they can't make a goddamn field goal or a goddamn extra point to save their life. So laying points with them when it's a three is really tough to do because it's such a key number. Mm -hmm. Vikings offense is so hit or miss. I mean, the first play of the second half, they had that 100-yard return, and then they didn't score again until the last play of the, of the second half. So, and I mean, you just and, don't and know where like, they get. How are they going to – there's no way. Right? We felt like, okay, they lost. They lost. The Ravens come and take the lead. It's like there's no way the Vikings are going to drive down and score a touchdown. They do. They drive down. They score. They end up going to overtime. They end up looking like they're going to lose the game because the Ravens drive down. Then Anthony Barr makes this – Unbelievable play on Lamar This like incredible Athletic interception To set the ball uh, He takes the ball away from the Ravens They were already in field goal range They were at the Vikings 33 So the, so now all it's on it goes Wow after everything the Vikings get the ball back All they have to do is go about 30 yards And kick a field goal They go three and out They can't even move the ball They like get They get another gift I don't know what to do with this team I'm so disappointed with them as a team that I thought was going to be bad in our preseason. And, and you know, their schedule was really tough. You look at this team, they could very easily have six or seven wins. Instead, they're three and five. They're four and four against the spread. And I don't like their chances here in this game without Cook. I mean, the Chargers looked a little better last week. They've not been that great, though. Since that big win against the Browns, they've, they've definitely looked human. Um, Herbert was very good though last week he bounced back he was 32 of 38 382 yards um he had uh or excuse me 356 yards passing he had five carries also 14 yards he had a rushing touchdown this is a season high in completion percentage yards per attempt and passer rating they even had a drive that got stopped on the two-yard line after going 98 yards and they got keenan allen back in the mix 12 receptions on 13 targets for over 100 yards but they allowed even the Eagles to run for 176 yards on 39 carries, 4.5 yards per rush. They gave Jordan Howard 17 carries for 71 yards. Eric, that just shows you, man, this Chargers run defense, this weakness is very, very real for them. They just cannot stop the run whatsoever. If you're a team that can run the ball well, and if Minnesota can establish it, they're going to they're gonna be competitive in this game whether or not they have cooked. Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, that's why I love the Madison. You could find Madison the most rushing yards. I mean, I throw a little bit of I, but 
but then again, my friend is only a civil suit, not a um, a federal or whatever term it is. Okay, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's that that's what I would do in the game or play the over because both these defense kids can't stop anything. Okay, we move along to uh, the Panthers Cardinals game. The Cardinals are a ten and a half point favorite here. A Cardinal uh, total in this game is forty four. And I gotta say, man, I'm I'm not like I don't think the Cardinals are the best team in football. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. I wouldn't pick them to win a Super Bowl or anything. They just keep winning games. That game last week, man, they're not supposed to win that game without Murray, without Hopkins. Chase Edmonds plays one play and he gets hurt. Colt McCoy goes 22 of 26 for 249 yards and a touchdown. No turnover worthy plays. They ran for 163 yards. The time of possession, they dominated. They had over 13 and a half minutes more in time of possession. 36-47 to 23-13. They won that game pretty easily, even though they had nine penalties for 84 yards. But now they come home. They play a really down Carolina Panthers team that's been struggling. Like, they're 4-5, and five, but they feel like they're not a 4-5 and five team. They they had just 4.2 yards per play last week, the Panthers. 240 total yards. They only had 13 first downs. They were 3 of 11 on third down. They had 11 total drives and 13 first downs. So about, about a first down per drive. Uh, three turnovers, 10 penalties for 83 yards. Sam Darnold was so bad in that game. He had missed throws, bad decisions, and hospital balls. That was a quote from Pro Football Focus. He finished with multiple turnover-worthy plays for the fifth time this year. 172 yards passing. Only 40 of those came to wide receivers. All the rest was the running back dump-offs. And, and what's crazy is they were in that game, Eric. We backed them in some spots. I did, at least. And they were down 14-6 to six midway through the third quarter. They drove the ball all the way down to New England's 20. So they had an opportunity to either get to within, you know, a touchdown, get to within a field goal, get to tie the game if they go for two. Sam Darnold threw as bad of an interception as you'll ever find, and it ended up being a pick six, and that was it. 88 yards back to the house. Every single member. Okay, so Sam is awful. I will not try to sugarcoat it. Their offensive line is really bad. Every single member of the offensive line gave up multiple pressures on the day. They lost two more offensive linemen during the game. Since week five, they have been the worst team in the league based on DVOA. Their offense was number 16 in weeks one through four. If In weeks five through nine, they are number 32. They're dead last. Their defense was number three early in the year. In weeks one through four, they are number 13 in weeks five through nine. So even their strength is not, is just about average now. I mean, I like the, the spot here. It's not going to be Sam, right? It's not going to be Sam Darnold. It's going to be... He's, the, on, he's, on, he's on IR. PJ Walker's coming in. Just got an alert that Cam Newton's in town being with, being with the team. So it wouldn't be Cam this week. It'd be Cam next week if he does sign. But everything you mentioned is exactly why we're getting dirty and we're taking the Panthers plus the 10 and a half. Already got locked in. Hey, we don't even know if Murray's going to be playing or not. I mean, with them winning that why? game, I think why? Why would you play him? You, exactly. you bought the Rams lost, the, the Packers lost. Yep, you bought yourself that. another week. Don't, don't you, you are not what, what, despite the win with Colt McCoy, Kyler Murray, like if you're the, the Ravens or 
you know, most teams with their quarterbacks, but in particular, a team like Arizona or Baltimore, you ain't doing nothing without Kyler or Lamar. So you better make sure they are 1,000% healthy coming playoff time. Exactly. So it doesn't make any sense. And you know what? I will give credit where credit is due. This Cardinals front deck, I, I don't know who the DM is off the top of my head. He has done an exceptional job of just getting dudes that can play football. And they're you know I mean? playing At every position, like offensive linemen, defense. They got Simmons and Collins, AJ Green, Rondell Moore, D Hop. I mean, you bring in like Chase Edmonds and um, James Conner, like good football players, not featured backs, but in this system, they're doing great. I mean, this guy has done an exceptional job of orchestrating this team. Hudson is out, which I really feel does hurt the offensive line and their ability to protect. And if Murray does play, which I think would be a mistake if he did, that's going to make him go through his progressions. And when he's hurt, he doesn't run. That's why I think they should sit him out. Um, the team does struggle against the run. Having P.J. Walker in there, they're going to be a lot more RPOs, which which the Joe Brady offense is based on. They're running the ball a lot more, so I expect a heavy dose of CMC. And in my eyes, the Panthers have the best secondary in the league. They have four guys that are graded, I believe, in the top 30 of uh pro football focus at the position and they are fourth for the year in DVOA defending the pass. I think the Panthers defense is going to be able to keep this close. I think they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. I lock them in at plus 10 and a half and I'm going to lock in the money line too for the Panthers. Yeah, over 10 feels like uh, just way, way too much, especially with all that uh, that that Kyler stuff up in the air. As and we... A.J. Green, like, he has COVID. He's not back. I don't know if he's going to play. You don't know if D-Hop's going to play. Like, there's just so many questions with the Cardinals. And you know what? But... Shout out to Cliff Kingsbury. I give him a lot of crap. Um, but he's done a really good job with this team. He really has uh, so far. Um, like, I sent you that video. He's the NFL Ted Lasso, man. Like, he you is. Know what I mean? like, he is. <laughs> So good, good for him. But this spot, I just think no, I think you gotta fade him. Yeah, we move to the Eagles versus the Broncos here. What a huge win for the Broncos for my for my over under. Got to get this team to uh, got to get this team above eight, Eric. I, uh, that would be great. Get, I got a few spots where it was I think seven and a half, and then I got another one where I, I played a little bit better uh, money uh, to try to get them to. If I get to nine, then uh, then I'll, I'll lock them in. So hey, that was a big win for them because on paper it was one that you probably didn't see. And now this team is right back in the playoff mix. They're hell. They're right in the division mix. This Broncos team. Yep. It's so weird. They traded Von Miller. They they had a bunch of defensive injuries throughout the year yet. They're still right here in the mix because they had a, a pretty easy schedule early. They took advantage of it. They stacked a few wins, and now they're a three-point favorite on the road, or they're a three-point favorite at home against the Eagles. Eagle uh, total in this game, 45. God, I never know what to do with the Eagles. They're just the team that I just have the most difficult getting a feel for uh, in, in all of the NFL. Uh, the Broncos, they had 407 total yards last week. They had 41 minutes in time of possession. If you get over 40 minutes in time of possession, that is insane. They turned Dallas over twice. The score was 30 to nothing. So you see 30 to 16. I mean, it, it wasn't even that close. Dallas scored 16 garbage points. They actually had 140 yards of total offense in the final two drives. They, uh, the Broncos had 190 yards rushing on 41 carries, nearly split between Williams and Gordon. They averaged 4.6 yards per carry. And it's funny because... I kept looking up and watching, and I was watching the game. 
it felt like Tim Patrick was dominating or just making huge play. And then it was like, oh, you only had four catches for 85 yards. But it felt like he had 15 of them. Uh, he made some really, really big plays. I mean, that was a little scary if you're a, a Cowboys fan to see how bad they got the crap kicked out of them last week because we didn't ever really think their defense was as good as it's been. But that was, you know, sort of head-scratching. The uh, the Eagles ran it for 4.5 yards per carry early. Uh, 4.5 yards per carry, 176 total yards rushing, uh, with just 162 yards passing, and 116 of that went to Devontae Smith. Five catches, all 15 of them, 15-plus yards. And, uh, yeah, I... This one's a stay away for me. I can't really get a good feel for it. Now, my friend Jeff has a very interesting take on Von Miller. He feels he's just, who is the guy from the Cowboys that had like a good Super Bowl, got the MVP and got a big contract because of him. He's not that high on Von Miller. He doesn't think Von Miller is that good and is just looked at that light just because of the Super Bowl performance that he had. And his theory kind of was supported because the Broncos defense actually looked better without him and they were able to get the Cowboys off green strip and force them to pass a lot more this Broncos defense is 23rd DVOA against the run you have to be able to run on this team in order to win and you mentioned that the Eagles have been running the ball they ran the ball a lot last game last two games they're averaging 206 yards running per game and 42 carries if they stay with that formula of running the ball I think they're going to be able to cover this number and straight up win. And there's certain quarterbacks I like fading when they're given points, and Teddy Bridgewater's that. When Teddy takes points, I'm all about backing Teddy Bridgewater. When he's laying points, it's really hard for me to back him. I like the Eagles here. Um, also, with the way the Eagles play defense, it's going to be hard for Teddy to move the ball. Also important to note, the Broncos are going to now be without cornerback Patrick Sertain, who went on IR. So that's going to hurt that secondary. And I really think Devontae Smith is in line for a good game. This this next game, to me, feels like a really major stay away also. It's the Seahawks-Packers. The Packers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Total in this game is 49-and-a-half. I mean, are we getting Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or are we getting uh, Geno Smith and Jordan Love? Yeah, you, we have no idea what's going on. I mean, this line opened up at five, and then when Russ posted that hype video that he was playing, immediately went down to four and a half. When I looked before he got on, it was at three and a half. And my and we don't know what Rodgers do. Rodgers needs one more COVID test um, at the end of the week in order to play. But he said when he went on the the, the McAfee when he went on his show. He doesn't even know if health-wise if he'll be ready to play. So we really don't even know what he's going to play. With so many question marks, like, you can't get invested in this game whatsoever. However, if Jordan Love plays, this number is going to absolutely drop. And it's going to be less than three. Seattle is giving up the six most rushing yards per game to opposing running backs. And I like Aaron Jones. I like A.J. Dillon. If Jordan Love plays and this drops to like two and a half to one and a half with the Packers ability to run the ball and how good their defense is playing and with Seattle missing their starting center and starting right tackle, I'd be interested in taking the Packers at a low number under three. Stay got to be a stay away for me until we find a little bit more information. Like we said, when we're recording this and we're recording this week a, a little early, uh, we're recording 
Thursday morning versus when we normally record Thursday night. So there's even like less day of uh, less of a day of information that we have here. Make sure to tune in to Sunday morning, fourth and inches. We'll have a uh, last minute up to the date information for you there as we finish up with the Sunday night and then the Monday night football games, final two games of the week. These Kansas City Chiefs, Eric, they're kind of quietly right back in the mix again. You know, they haven't played well at all. Yet they're five and four. They're a two and a half point favorite here. Over under in this game is 52, 51 and a half, 52 or so. KC is they're such a bad against the spread team, though. Even last week, I mean, they won that game. I don't know anyone that could have possibly watched that game against the Packers and thought that Kansas City was impressive. They had 10 possessions in the final three quarters of that game, and they had no touchdowns. 10 possessions. They are. Five and four, though, and every team in their division has five wins, so they're just a half game out. This team is minus nine in turnover margin this year. I mean, that's something that probably will even out, but it's pretty crazy to, to, to think that this is how where they've come. Um, we didn't think they were going to be as good this year, but I, I think we probably thought they'd look different on the field in the last few weeks. Their offense has started to, to not look as good. The Raiders last week, they got more first downs, total plays, total yards, yards per play than the Giants. They were one of six in the red zone. They kicked three field goals. They missed one field goal. They lost the ball on a strip sack late in the fourth quarter. Three turnovers, six penalties for 65 yards. And Carr had one of the lowest single grain grades of his career with two interceptions and uh, and that strip sack in the final seconds. Just four of 13 on passes, 10-plus yards. I mean... I don't know. I'm I'm in the Raiders if I had to do this game makes me a little bit worried with everything that's been happening with the Raiders. That there's not a lot of positive vibes from the Chiefs. This is another one where I, like this week I only have a couple games that to me really jumped out as spots that I love because this one I, I don't know. I could see either thing happening. Yeah, I mean, this week like usually I that whole rug situation. Um, I just really feel they just have so many off the field issues. You know, it's really hard to back them. You mentioned the Chiefs last 10 games, two and eight against the spread. So that gives me no faith in them. Also, the one guy that kind of has made Mahomes struggle the most is Gus Bradley, who's now the defensive coordinator of the Raiders. Um, I mean, if I were to play something, I would probably play the under. I think this is going to tick off because there's going to be people wanting to play the over since it's a Sunday night primetime game. But for now, this is a pure stay away. Just sit back and enjoy the money. I hopefully went for the Panthers straight up winning. Monday night football, we head to San Francisco. And the Rams are a four-point favorite on the road playing the 49ers over under in this game is 49 Man, that was a really disappointing game from San Francisco last week, Eric. Uh, that was really disappointing, and I'm, I've been pretty disappointed in Shanahan now. Uh, their first four possessions, punt, fumble, punt, fumble. They're down 17 to nothing. Three, three to Colt McCoy. Three turnovers. They allowed Arizona to score on five out of six possessions between the first quarter and the start of the second half, and the only time through that stretch that Arizona didn't score was when they got the ball at the end of the half and ran one play. Jimmy G is one for six on throws, targeted 20-plus yards down the field. And Kittle was was great, but he had a really big fumble that hurt them. And this is one thing that you think is going to probably even out, but who the hell knows? 
they've recovered only four out of 11 fumbles on offense this year and only three out of 15 fumbles on defense. They even lost a fumble on a kick return in week four against Seattle. Only Denver has worse, uh, worse fumble recovery rate in the league. That, combined with the tough schedule, I mean, when you look at the 49ers, they're actually overall number nine in DVOA. They've got the number six ranked offensive DVOA, even though they're a three and five team. Because you look at a couple of their losses, their close losses, their games where a player two either way changed things. What do you think about this game? I mean, how like my mom likes to throw down a little money here or there. She listened to one of our things, and we talked about how Arizona wasn't going to have their starting quarterback, starting center, starting defensive lineman, and their top two wide receivers. So my mom laid down a little money last week, sends me a text message. How the hell does a team lose when the opposing team doesn't have all that stuff, which is absolutely mind-boggling to me. And Shanahan is a 44% winning coach. That's just winning. I mean, this guy is on track to be an offensive coordinator. I think he's one of the most overrated coaches in the NFL. With that said, his trends against the spread when he's a, a dog, they have been favorable, and it leads me to take them. But with the four, with the Rams looking so awful last week, I feel like I'm not getting the inflated number I would have if the Rams would have won. So because of that, unfortunately, as much as I love playing Monday Night Football, this is going to be another stay away unless I can find some player props I like. So yeah, the weird, weird kind of slate. I mean, that was a that was a really disappointing game for uh, for the Rams last week. McVay continues to be super passive when going for it on fourth down. They had a fourth and four at the Tennessee 16. They kicked a field goal down 21-3. They had a fourth and goal at the Tennessee 4. They kicked a field goal. The Rams had more first downs, more total yards, more yards per play, more time of possession. They had 12 penalties for 115 yards. Stafford looked really, really bad in that game. I'm, I'm staying away, though, uh, from this one. Makes me a little bit nervous. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more about the Monday Night Football game on fourth and inches on the preview that we have. We'll also talk about the entire Sunday slate on fourth and inches at 11 a.m. on Eastern time on Sunday morning. So I asked Eric to put together a list of quarterbacks and how he would rank the quarterbacks in this league based on you you need a guy at the end of the game to go get you a touchdown. You need a game winning drive. You need someone to score you some points. How are we going to stack these teams? So we rank them one through 32. Now a couple teams will we'll kind of talk it out because, you know, their quarterback situation is fluid. Some guys are hurt. Some backups are in. Who exactly are we ranking? But I think for the most part, we have the same sort of group of, uh, of players that we rank. And Eric, I think the one thing that this exercise will show you is, uh, you know, like our buddy Leo over at Better Than Vegas, BTV Bets, He's got an article out there talking about how he thinks Lamar Jackson is bad. And, you know, you may say that he thinks, you know, Lamar may be overrated or he hasn't won the big one. But when you start going through the list of quarterbacks, um, I don't think anybody in the world would say that they thought Lamar Jackson was bad because, you know, once you get past, like, there might be 15, there might be 20 guys that you would feel comfortable with having as an NFL quarterback. There might be only 20 people in the world that can do this job, like, very well. Yeah. Being a quarterback is hard. And, I mean, it's just, I like, first of all, like, that article Leo wrote, there was a lot of good stuff. 
and he broke it down. He made a good argument, but how I look at it, Lamar has three double-digit comebacks this year in the NFL, three, and him doing that, I put him at two on my list for the exercise that you asked me to do. There, there are noticeable weaknesses that Lamar had early on in his career that he's improved on every year. He's throwing the ball deeper down the field. He's been more accurate with his receivers, and he's been a little bit better at things that, like you said, when he gets down, becomes a little bit predictable. They've come back multiple times this year in games that you just wouldn't have seen them in other years. Um, for me, the way you know doing this list, I kind of have everybody in – I, they're kind of like tears. I I sort of felt like there was um like almost a pretty a pretty strict top ten. And looking, you and I have the exact same top ten, just in a different order. So it does feel like, you know, the top ten of QBs who you, you and I have in no particular order of uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Stafford, Allen, Lamar, Herbert, and Dak. Uh, and Kyler. So I think those are the 10 that we have, 1 through 10, just in a different order. So there are a good chunk in that 10 that is it your week, is it not? A couple of these guys like Mahomes maybe aren't having as good of years. Someone like Josh Allen we may have had up a a couple spots higher last year, but for the most part I think with those 10 guys I feel pretty damn good about my chances with any one of them 10. Yeah, yeah. Any one of those 10s I feel good. Um, and it was kind of weird. Like I did my list, and then looking at this morning with how Mahomes is playing, I put him at seven. I don't like. I forgot where you had him, but I feel like I kind of rein him a little high because this year he's been he's been bad. He's been awful for his standards. Yes, and I have him at uh, I have him at four. And so for me, like I think uh, it's funny because through all this, we we both have the same guy on top, Tom Brady. Still, isn't that isn't that incredible? After all these years, it's the same guy who you'd feel because. You just know, don't you get the feeling, Eric, when you either, when you bet against him and and you know that this, it's a minute left and he's coming out, that he's what, whatever it needs. If he's got to score a touchdown, he's going to get it. If he's got to get a field goal, he's going to put you in line. He's going to run the clock down and he's going to spike the ball and his team's going to get a, a field goal winning attempt with no time left on the clock. You just, to me, there's like nobody I feel more confident about going and getting it done than Tom Brady, even still, even after all these years. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, some technical difficulties there as uh, Eric's in the monsoon, uh, and uh, we couldn't we couldn't uh, hear what he was saying for a minute or two, but we want to bring him back on to talk uh, about Tom Brady. So, yeah, you and I didn't talk about these rankings at all, but we both had the same man up top, Tom Brady, still the man who we think well, we'd feel the most confident with the ball in his hands at the end of the game. I mean, he's just so masterful at – dwindling down the play clock so the other people other team excuse me doesn't have any time left um not taking the sack working the sidelines um granted he's only really to do it one time this year and that was the game against the um uh cowboys at the beginning of the season but yeah i mean i my team i want brady hands down at the end of the game yeah it's not even close Okay, so we started at the top. Let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum a little bit and talk about some of the guys that we have at the very bottom of our list, some of the quarterbacks who we would not want to have. And it's funny. Uh, so at the very, very bottom, so we ranked, um, we we ended up ranking, I, I you know, Tyrod Taylor is one who 
has played more for the Texans so far. Davis Mills, um, it's been the both of them. So Tyrod's actually their starter. If Tyrod's playing, and we're talking about Tyrod, I have him ranked exactly where you did in the number 22 range, like right in the in the early 20s. If we're talking about Davis Mills, I think he is right here at the very end, Eric. I mean, I would have stacked dead last, dead last, uh, unfortunately. And the guy who I have the right right in front of him is uh, is the very same uh, that you have, Zach Wilson, uh, who I just, you know, he's young. He's a rookie. I haven't been very impressed with him. He's going to what does it, it say about him that Mike White and Josh Johnson, Josh Johnson, excuse me, have looked better than he has much better the number two pick much you know better. I mean? it, yeah. So I, I just haven't been impressed. I mean, he cashed our money line ticket against the Titans, which was great, but yeah, I just haven't been impressed at all with what I've seen from Zach Wilson. This is the next one. That's pretty much the, the real, like only big difference um, on our list. And it's not, and I guess for me, the, I think I had the hardest time figuring out where to put him. Uh, Mac Jones, who you have uh, right towards the bottom. And I have him a little bit higher. I have him in the like 18, 19, 20 kind of range. And it's mainly just because I don't think he would turn the ball over or hurt you right now late. I wouldn't want him. He wouldn't be someone I wouldn't pick out. Um, but I, I'm not as down on him um, as some of the others. Maybe, And maybe that has a lot more to do with the situation that he's in, right? Maybe, maybe I'm a little... Um, I'm a little clouded by the fact that he's in the Patriots. He's in a better situation than any of these other young guys. Like if you put Mac Jones where Trevor Lawrence is, I don't think Mac Jones would, would look decent, but I do feel like at least he's not as much of a turnover machine, but tell us why you're down on Mac Jones and why you have him right down towards the bottom. I mean, like you said, he's in a good spot and he has 10 TDs, seven interceptions. I don't think he's looked that good. I think the Patriots are just, rely on the run and the defense and that's how they're winning these games um and also in terms of like upside potential he was a fifth year senior like he is what he is his development isn't that's a great point that much he's gonna he's be better that. right now yeah, than everybody I, else he's he's I, he's ready to win now more than anyone I, I think like he's not going to improve that much if any so just because of that i just don't that's a great point his athleticism I just don't think there. So. I'll be honest. I had Justin Fields lower, and then I moved him up significantly after the Monday night game. I'm, I moved Justin Fields up a lot after the last two weeks. Yeah. He just feels like he – I think he was hurt for a little while earlier in the year. There was there were three weeks where Justin Fields were – if you notice, he wasn't running the ball at all. He His passing numbers were way down. And those were right after he took a bunch of those, a couple of those weeks where he was taking a ton of hits. His last few weeks, he's just, he's turned the corner a little bit more. He's looked a little healthy. I agree with you. I've actually moved uh, fields up uh, more and more towards the bottom of your list too. Uh, we have them pretty close towards the bottom. You have them a little bit lower than me. Um, and that's Trevor Lawrence. It's just, I, I haven't been very impressed with him at all. I know he's in a bad situation, but man, he's got, he's had some bad throws this year. And I, I would have liked to see just a little more naturally from him for a guy who was so highly touted and so highly projected as this can't miss prospect. Yeah. I mean, his development hasn't been great. And you can tell that as soon as they get in the 20, he does a first read and then he takes off. Um, he just hasn't taken the strides in his game that I thought he would for someone that was this can't miss prospect. He's been very disappointed. And it's at the point right now where if 
Jaguars don't make a change soon, he's going to be in the bus category because he needs to make that leap from year one to year two. And if that doesn't happen, I really feel a quarterback doesn't make it. We continue up from the, the bottom. Uh, you have at number thir- uh, 29, Sam Darnold. I had him at number 28. Um, Unfortunate for Sammy. He had a really nice start to the year, uh, 3-0. and he, he was looking like, oh, you know what? This guy might be able to actually be a quarterback with a good defense and some pieces around him. And then we saw that it just as soon as you go off script a little bit, as soon as something goes wrong, poor Sam just uh, – he gets inside of his own head. And, you know, when we talk about, like, tools of quarterbacks, Eric, like um, Sam is one of those guys that I think – I think someone like you or me who is a little bit uh, confident and kind of cocky in the work that we do, right? Like as a coach, I was always the type of coach who would say, oh, I can improve that player. I'll make them better. They'll, they'll be better with me, right? I, I, I felt that way always. And so I think that's what we got from that rule. And I, th- and I think you can look at Sam Darnold and see why – there are some things there that other coaches who believe in themselves and their development would look at and go, yep, I can make that guy better. He can drop back and throw. He's got a very strong arm. Um, and, and he's actually mobile enough to move, right? He's not a statue back there. He's not just going to get sacked over and over. But the one thing that you can't really quantify with a player is what's going on upstairs uh, between the ears and how – in an NFL game, when stuff moves so fast, so fast, you hear about slow motion, it's like fast motion. It's 10 times faster than what we're seeing. He just unfortunately can't can't make the, the decisions. He can't make the moves there. I mean, by a lot of metrics, he's ranked he's ranked dead last by DVOA uh, as far as DYAR for the quarterbacks. And he's... He's been really, really like, so bad that his his receivers have been yelling at him. And like bad that we're last week when Robbie Anderson was yelling. I know we've laughed about it and stuff like that. And, and you know, you, you've been on how you don't think it's good. But it's like I actually felt bad in that situation last week where it's like, damn, man, like you're you're better than this. You're, you, you shouldn't be making those kinds of decisions because even if you're not a quarterback, like the throw that he made that turned into a pick six last week, like that's just a decision. That's like nobody's making you throw that. Why are you doing that? But that goes back to my point. Like I like I feel that if a quarterback doesn't make the growth between year one and two and they still make the same mistakes, they just don't get it and it's not going to happen. There has to be some sort of like learning curve. And Darnold just – he still makes the same mistakes as year one. He didn't have, you can blame it on his head, the developmental coaches. He didn't make the growth and it just hasn't happened. And he's done. And like Matt rules post game press conference, it sounded like a parent talking about his kid. Like, I don't know what to do with him. He's just not getting it. You know what I mean? It was, that's what I felt bad for. It's kind of sad. So I think Donald's actually done in the league. I, I wonder because I think like, I think he's like, like we're, we're going through this list. We actually have five, four or five guys that we, we don't like as much as him, but they're sort of younger. They're guys that still have a little bit more upside. Not as if Sam's old. He just, I don't, I don't know. Like you, he doesn't feel like a guy who you really want to be your backup. Cause he's sort of does the opposite of what a backup does. Like, I feel like Sam can, he comes in sometimes and he has like a great drive or like, Oh wow. He scrambled and he ran really well two or three times in a row. And then he's like a, He'll get. He'll take a big hit and kind of rally your team, and then just do a couple things that are just. Uh, and I, 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 
I, I feel bad. I, I I think some of the reason why I feel bad, like I was saying, is like, okay, feel bad, right? NFL quarterback making $20 million a year or whatever, right? I, I, I feel bad. I, I think in the sense in that, like, he's a good dude. I, someone who's followed him from USC. He's a good guy. Like, he's a good – he's 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 always – he's never been, like, a, a jackass or someone that thinks – very like all that much like really highly of himself he's a good leader he likes to let you know he'll do whatever he can for the team and stuff i just think he's been horribly horribly prepared for the nfl between clay helton and adam gase those are the guys that developed this dude and now he's he's got all these habits that just might not be able to be fixed unfortunately for sam as uh, we have him towards the bottom you have Heineke at 28. I actually had Heineke in the same range. I had Heineke at 30. And you have Tua at 27. I have Tua at 28. So we're, I mean, we're all right there uh, in the in the very same with those those bottom uh, QBs for the most part. You, up to 26, you have Trevor Simeon. And for me, numbers 21 through 27, I, I had as almost the exact same, honestly. And, and it, it's, it looks sort of like you do too. Because in this range, it's... Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, Big Ben, Justin Fields, Trevor Simeon, and Jimmy G for me. And and uh, I actually had more kind of in this group as a group uh, a little bit above the the really really bad guys. He was sort of like at the at the top of them. And for me, these are all guys that I don't really want. I guess I I like they've proven they can do it here and there. You know, Goff, Jimmy G, um, Big Ben is is past his his. You know, his best, uh, Simeon, he just sort of feels like a, a, a backup guy who I'm not exactly sure what he is. Um, Justin Fields, I have upgraded a little bit because he can run at the very least, and that's kind of why I have Jalen Hurts in this range because at the very least, Hurts can scramble and pick you up a first down if he has to, but I don't think you and I have ever really felt like he's an NFL franchise guy. For me, from, from like 21 to 27. Jimmy G, Trevor Simeon, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Big Ben, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff. That's how I had him ranked. You had him ranked from uh, 27 or from 27 backwards. You had Trevor Simeon, 26, Jalen Hurts, 25, Jimmy G, 24, Jared Goff, 23, Tyrod Taylor, 22, Big Ben, 21, and Justin Fields, 20. Almost identical, Eric. Just slightly different order of like, eh. These aren't great options, but I guess they're better than, than the absolute worst. I mean, but I'll be honest, like, Justin Fields is the real deal, man. And it's crazy. I like him, too. He's, He's moving up shows, more like, and more. Yeah. How bad Nagy is. Because the further the game gets away from those 15 scripted plays, the better he plays. And the best thing, like, if you're a Bears fan, the best thing that can happen is the Bears lose out, Nagy's fired, they get him. We get to uh, number uh, inside the 20 now, and uh, we're looking at you have uh, Danny Dimes as number 19. 20, I had Daniel Dimes as 20, so we're basically spot on with Daniel Jones. And so, in my next sort of tier from 16 through 20. I had Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Teddy B, and then I actually had Mac sort of in that group right below them higher. But um, we're, we're very similar again here. So you've got Daniel Jones, Teddy B, and then you've got Baker at 17, Carson Wentz at 16, Kirk Cousins at 15, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Tannehill at 14 and 13. So 
uh, you you're a couple spots lower on Baker than me. This is something that we've always discussed, but you're not necessarily throwing Baker under the bus at all. I think that's a very fair rating of, of where you got him stacked at, at 17 here. Um, I had, uh, yeah, I had Teddy B at 16, Carson Wentz at 17, Kirk Cousins 19, Daniel Jones at 20. These are starting to get to like the average to maybe into like the, hey, they can have some weeks where they're actually above average and look really good. They can have some other weeks where they look really bad, but I'm, I feel pretty, pretty, pretty solid about most of this group. Like, I don't think they're going to, they're going to shoot me. You know, I don't think they're going to be the reasons why we lose, but they're probably not going to be the reason why we win a lot of the times. I don't know how much this group of guys is going to carry me, but they're kind of like the game managers, like getting the job done. So like when I, I, I always do this at the beginning of the year and the end of the year with my podcast. And I put quarterbacks in the three category, um, category three replaceable category two can win with pieces around them and category three players that quarterbacks that elevate people. And this range right here is just solid category two. You can win if you have the right pieces around them. Yep. These guys won't elevate anyone else's position. And when you asked me to do this, this is based on last on, on what they're doing this year. Mm-hmm. Cousins has been solid late in games this year. I mean, you rattled off Matt Ryan's day, Matt, Matt Ryan's stats earlier. And Baker struggles with pressure in his face. So that's yep. why I rated him at 17. A, I mean, a little bit Wentz, lower. Yeah, that's it makes a Wentz, lot of sense. Basically a coin, coin flip, but I feel that Wentz is a little bit more athletic with his feet, and that's why I gave Wentz, Wentz one spot higher. Wentz has been playing really well as of late, too. He's been As soon as he's gotten healthier this year, um, and so that's what is difficult with a couple of these guys, right? Wentz has, was, was banged up. Even Baker was a little bit banged up th- uh, throughout the year. Um, but I, I think that this, that's a very fair spot for both of them to be in. They're in that teen range, right? Where they're, they're guys that, you know, uh, Baker has a little bit more upside maybe than Carson at this point, but when they're playing well, they're guys that are right at the, the back end of like your top 10, you know, you get to the top 10 and then they're right behind it when they're not playing well. Well, then they can even drop into like, you know, the 20s um, as at some of the guys that we mentioned. So, yeah, we're very similar in this in this range right here in the like the, the 11 through 20 range. Um, so, yeah, on, on mine, Carson Wentz was 17. Teddy B was 16. And then I had I basically had Baker, Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill in the same sort of tier as a uh, 13, 14 and 15. And that's for me just because. Me personally, I'm just a little higher on Baker, and I and this is something that we've talked about for the last year and a half. I think that late in the game, I do trust him a little bit more. I think he's a good leader. I think he can, you know, he can scramble to pick up a first down if he had to. He can make the throws. For him, it's just kind of putting it all together. I think he has the tools. I think between the ears, I actually think he has it. But we've actually seen Matt Ryan kind of prove it. We've seen Tannehill the last couple of years be competent. Um, I just feel like I put Baker ahead of them because I like him a little bit better. And I feel like with the young guy, there might be a little more upside with him. But um, yeah, Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill, they're all sort of, they're all right there. You know, Tannehill, like, like the, what was he? He'd be in the cold, Chiefs, Bills, Rams, like in four consecutive weeks. So it's, I don't know, like in my eyes, like I think maybe I may have overranked Tannehill a little bit just because of the winning streak he's on. No, and but you're right. He like he's you have him at 13. I have him at 15. He's he's right there. Like he's right there. And shout out to Matt Ryan too, who continues to to win and play well. And uh, and then um, after Baker, we're both in 
in this like after Baker, we're almost identical. It's hilarious. Uh, so we've got we've got uh, Derek Carr at number twelve, and we've got Joe Burrow at number eleven. Sort of Derek Carr is the guy who's been he's coming off a bat game, but he's been really safe. I don't feel like he's going to make a lot of mistakes. I feel like he's the top of that category that you were mentioning. Like, if he's got the pieces, he can win. I don't really think he's going to carry me there yet, but he he can. Sometimes you go, wow, that was Derek Carr. You know, um, he, he has the opportunity to do so. Whereas, like, I think Joe Burrow, we're starting to see Joe Burrow can maybe carry you some days in games or in quarters or if you need – needs to make some big throws i i think joe burrow in a year or two is going to be up into the like the top four or five if we make this list again in, in two years oh for sure and i mean for me Derek carr is always going to be the biggest what if because sports is such a mental game and i really like i've said numerous times when we've talked i really feel if he didn't break his leg the oakland raiders were winning that super bowl that year because he was playing an insane clip i mean they had crabtree cooper Latavius Murray defense was one of the top five. I think it was the top seven defense in the NFL at that time. And him not doing that really hurt him mentally. And I just, he hasn't been able to play at that level. But like, as Brian said, at fourth and inches, this guy is just like a great leader. He's going to put people in position to win. Um, Burrow for me right now, he still kind of forces the ball a little bit too much to, to chase. Um, and he makes some throws and trying to do in some tight windows when he really shouldn't. He's still, like, his ability is there. I love everything I see. It's just, he's just making some mistakes I don't like. Okay, now we are in to- inside the top 10, and uh, we have the same exact top 10, just in a different order. And I guess the only, the, the, the biggest difference inside of our top 10 is that I have Lamar number seven. You have Lamar number two. And I can, let me say this. If I would not be against anybody that even had Lamar number one, honestly, because of what he's able to do with his legs. Like at any moment when it's third and seven, you feel like he's capable of getting a first down. And he's done this year what we didn't think he could do in past years. Come from behind, make big throws when he has to. So I, I would I have no problem with any any ranking inside the top ten for Lamar. The the way that I sort of did it is just kind of like in my head how I group these players together based on a lot of their skills and what they've done. So I kind of look at Lamar, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray the same because they're very similar type quarterbacks. They're they're very, very good runners, and they're all actually really solid throwers of the ball now too. And, and so I kind of group the three of them together, but I put Lamar on the top of that group because I feel like he's the most proven of them. Josh Allen, I still worry about late in the game, some like what happened last week, but I like the fact that he has his legs. I, I, I put Kyler at 10 just because we, we haven't seen Kyler do it yet in the playoffs, but I, I do very much believe in his ability to make throws. Hell, I'm dead wrong on Kyler. I didn't think. It's basically the end of the world over there where uh, where Eric is with the rain pouring down with the, the lightning and the thunder and we've uh, we've been cut out a few times but but don't you worry we'll finish up our conversation here as we were just talking about yeah Eric how I kind of have you know I kind of group them together so I have Kyler Murray 10 Josh Allen 9 I have Lamar 7 and I put I put Stafford in that group with them even though he's obviously not a running type quarterback like he's not the same as them but he is someone who I believe in, I just haven't seen it yet 
in in the biggest biggest moment so i kind of all have them that in that same range because i i need to see them do it in the biggest moments for me to go okay i knew they could but now they showed me they could stafford for me was the hardest person to grade because consistently he was yeah. putting the lions in positions to win um and la- that was last year but we're doing this based on this year and this year he hasn't done it, but he really hasn't need to do it. Needed to do it with the Rams, mm-hmm. and that game against the Titans. I mean, he completely sh- shit the bed. I mean, that pass he tried to do, like and like the, the pick and everything. It was yeah. He was the toughest one for me to grade. I'll be honest. I've never really been a Dak Prescott guy. That's why I put him at ten. I mean, he's doing great with what he has, but when you look at what everything Prescott has—good offensive line, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. Mari Tuber, CD Lamb. He just has so many weapons that I really feel that's why he's having the success he has. Uh, Josh Allen just hasn't really looked right um, this year. Uh, that's why I put him at, at eight. Kyler is just so electric with the ball. That's why I put him put him at seven. Yep, yep. And uh, I don't think anything wrong with uh, with those rankings right there. I had Kyler at ten, Josh Allen at nine, I had Stafford at eight, I had Lamar at seven. And uh, you, you had a yeah. The only difference in those seven through ten was I actually have Dak at five. You have Dak at ten. So um, for me, you know, Dak's coming off the the bad game. So I probably gave him a little bit higher of a grade off of that. But I do believe in Dak. Um, I do believe in this year how he's come back. Where I thought he may have been done. I think he has it uh, as a good leader too. It seems like the guys really like him. And I think he can make the throws. He can scramble a little bit if he has to pick up a first down. Um, but I, I, I may have had Dak a tad higher. He's probably one that I should have had, you know, right in that range, in that seven to ten range there, also. But one, uh, one gentleman who you and I are both really high on. I have him number six. You have him number three, and that is Justin Herbert, who bounced back last week with another really, really good game, and. He has been excellent on third down. He has been excellent on fourth down. I think Brandon Staley in, in times has just said, I'm not even going to try to kick a field goal or an extra point anymore. I'd just rather have Herbert making a big play if he has to. And think about it. This is a guy who is doing this after not really being developed all that well last year with Anthony Lynn, who is a great human being, but not the greatest head coach in the world. So he still has some bad habits that he probably has to, you know, uh, you know, shake off. Justin Herbert is an absolute stud. He's in the top six for both of us. I mean, and when you think about it, like my big thing, why I had him three in our quarterback rankings for the draft class that year, a couple years ago, was because at Oregon, Oregon, like screen press is 20, like 3% of the time. Which All is, like, think and dunk. You know, insane. So I'm like, you have this big guy that can't throw the ball down the field. I, I'll, when I rank a player low there's nothing more i want than him to say hey i eric you're wrong i'm better than you thought you are and to see herbert do what he do did is great right now before his last couple game of stress i thought he was the best quarterback in the nfl with everything he was doing he had a couple game hiccups that's why like i have him lower than brady and lamar jackson and i'll be honest like thinking about what you said if we're going just based on this year Lamar's got three double-digit comebacks. Like yeah. he's got to be number one. I think I just rated Brady one just just based on and that's, street cred. And if we're just exactly like we're just basing it on this year with what Lamar's done and with the way that he can pick up the first downs with his legs, you're right. Like he probably is. And that was that's what's hard when you make a list like this too because it's so hard to not build it. 
based on the past few years and what we've seen. And we've seen Lamar struggle in some big spots so far, but he's still so damn young and it's still so early as uh, we are now inside the top five. My top five was Dak, Mahomes, Russ, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Your top six and on was uh, Mahomes, Russ, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Lamar, and Tom Brady. We had a very similar top 10, and we had a very similar top five, just a couple here and there. You have Aaron Rodgers at four, uh, Justin Herbert at three, who we just talked about. We've talked all about Lamar. And then Russ, I think, you know, we haven't seen him around for a few weeks, so people forget about him. But end of the game, you know, Russ making smart decisions, being able to make all the throws, being able to pick up a first down. Like, he checks all the boxes that you'd want for someone driving down at the, uh, late in the game. And he can make, like, deep throws. He can deep and dunk. knows the time. Yeah, he's he's everything you want. And the relationship that he has with Tyler Lockett is just insane. It's kind of like the relationship that Aaron Rodgers had with Jordy Nelson back in the day. So, uh, Eric, Tom Brady is number one, and... Yeah, we started with Tom and we finished with Tom coming all the way back to number one. I had a good time doing this list and in, in doing it and comparing it to yours. Like, I think I think a lot of people would probably have similar sort of tiers with their yeah. with theirs. And then it just comes down to, oh, you know, you like this guy a couple spots higher than I do. I prefer this one a little bit or I'm not as much or so and so screwed you out of a bet last week and so and so cost me a thousand dollars two weeks ago so that's why I'm <laughs> I think it comes down to a lot of those things but for the most part we were pretty close I, I think all the way through yeah and I mean then then you start thinking like if um if Derek Carr had Andy Reid where would he be you know what I mean you start thinking like in different spots where would people be so yeah I mean it was a fun exercise I enjoyed doing it awesome man thank you so much I appreciate it and uh I'm sure you've been having fun over there in the uh, the monsoon. That is, uh, stay safe. I hope uh, you have a uh, drive safe and and, and trans- transfer yourself safely over there. And thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. We're recording this early. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff going on for you with that rain pouring down, and we got cut out a couple times. But really appreciate it. Let everybody know uh, where can we follow you on social media, and then uh, you'll you'll always be able to check out Eric on Sunday mornings, fourth and inches, eleven a.m. Eastern time, where we do this uh, for the entire Sunday slate. Tell us a little bit about the podcast you have coming up this week. Um, everything you can find on my website, Etop Two One Sports. Uh my blog, my power ranking, everything. You can also find um, my bet tracking there. I can track every single one of my bets. Podcast will come out Saturday. Uh, I have a live show with my buddy Jason on Friday where we give out a couple college football bets. And I'll be in Portland Inches on Sunday with you. Beautiful stuff from Eric as always. Thank you so much, buddy, and uh, stay dry over there. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, too, man. That is uh, Eric, Top 2-1 Sports. Make sure to give him a follow there and do not go anywhere, folks, as we have plenty more to discuss on That's What G Said. Come true. No, 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 stable 
you get to StableDuel.com and you can download the app or you can just go to any of the uh, the app stores uh, where, uh, where from your phone or from your iPad and for free you download the Stable Duel app and you can enter yourself into contests they do have some free contests but you, you enter them into whatever uh, size entry you'd like you want to play in some of the smaller games for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars or you want to play in some of the bigger games for fifty, for a hundred sometimes for, for five hundred bucks let's take a look at the schedule coming up this weekend. Now, the format of Stable Duel is like daily fantasy. If you've ever played DFS stuff for uh, for fantasy football or for basketball, you have to build your lineup based on a salary cap. So that means you can't just use all of the top horses or the, the heavy favorites in every race. You're picking horses based off their morning lines. So if you pay for a really expensive horse, a, a short price in one race, then in a couple of the other races, you're going to have to use some bigger prices. So it's it's really a, a fun game because you can run second in every race and win a contest and win a bunch of money. But if you ran second in all four legs of your pick four or pick five, well, you're probably in some trouble. So it, you can maximize a good opinion where maybe you just get a little bit unlucky that day. You run into some trouble. Check out Stable Duel. StableDuel.com. Here are the games for this weekend. Friday, November the 12th, Charlestown, Del Mar, Golden Gate and Gulfstream all have contests. There are games that start for as low as $2 all the way up to the $150 Del Mar triple up. On Saturday, you've got a couple games at Del Mar. You've got a $50 double up and a $150 game with $6,000 in prizes. Golden Gate with a free ride. Gulfstream with a couple different options. And then Woodbine with a $100 top two. Sunday, Del Mar, Golden Gate, Gulfstream, and Woodbine, all with contests for you. You can play at Golden Gate for just 3 bucks, or all the way up to the $100 triple up at Del Mar, or you want to get in, into that big Del Mar contest. It's $75 for the entry, but the uh, the prize pool over two grand. That's this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Get those entries in and play, race, win. And we're going to head on over to Churchill Downs and talk a little Friday racing for Churchill. We've got some best bets for Friday. Churchill for November the 12th. We've gonna, uh, and then we'll go over to Del Mar for Friday with a couple best plays there. We'll head to Saturday for Churchill and Saturday for Del Mar. So past performance is out. We're heading to race number four for Churchill for Friday, November the 12th. These are maiden $20,000 claimers. They're going to go a mile on the main track here. I did think the three Dover straights in a good spot. He's going to continue to drop down. He debuted against Maiden Specials. Then they they tried Maiden 30 claimers. Then they actually took a, a slight, I guess, step up from those Maiden 30 claimers at, at Ellis to the Maiden 40s. Probably a tougher, a tougher group, no doubt. And what I like is when you kind of look at those two races and you put them together, the, the, the July race and then the September race. So in July, going a mile and an eighth on the turf course, he ran really, really well. He was just second best that day. And what that effort shows you is that yeah, he's, this is probably a level that he fits and no issues with the distance. He stepped up and tried the dirt and he was okay. He was fourth chasing in a small field with no pace. And so that's just a, a race shape that's completely against him. Drops, gets a little more distance and he is exiting a, a live race and that maiden 40 claimer, the number three, Dover Straight, who is... Six to one on the morning line. Anything over seven to two feels fair. That's sort of the the value line we had on Dover Straight in race number four. As we move along to race number six, we've got a second level allowance here. Optional sixty two, going a mile on the main track. I thought the seven Eben is a horse who's 
probably ready for a, a big effort here. So towards the middle to end of 2020, Eben was getting really good. Put together back-to-back wins, one at Ellis, one at Churchill, actually three consecutive victories, two of them at Churchill, one at Ellis, then stepped up and started facing Stakes Company. He ran into Sleepy Eyes Todd when he was really sharp. Look at some of those races. Sleepy Eyes Todd, True Timber, Edgemont Road all came back to win. Uh, Frenzy Fire there. He was behind Mind Control. And I think we can just excuse the race in December. That Put a line through that race, and then look at how much better Evan's form looks. Well, he came off the bench. He hadn't run from December to October. Uh, so we're talking about 10, 11 months now. And he ends up f- hooking a sloppy racetrack. Shows a little bit of speed. Fades. Necker Island comes out of that race to come back and win. Eben likes Churchill Downs. He likes this trip. And he should be set for a really nice effort. Second start off the bench. Gets a little drop in class. Eben, the number 7, if he's anything over 5-2 to two, I'll play him to win and if you're looking for some sort of an exotic single this would be a horse who I would try to build some exotics around. As we move to race number 7, we have a first level allowance here, 5.5 furlongs the distance, I'm looking at the number 4, Codename Kate so these are Phillies and Mares, 3 year olds and up and if you go through Codename Kate's career, she was a debut winner at Oaklawn going 6 furlongs and after that she stretched out from six furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth, and she flashed a little bit of speed. She faded. She was actually favored that day, but she just didn't want to go quite that far. They cut her back to seven furlongs. She had a bad start. She was actually in a pretty tough group at first level allowance at Churchill on June the 12th, and she just didn't fire. And then she didn't run again from June to October. She comes back in October, and again, not the best of starts. It's on a sloppy racetrack. It's over at Keeneland. And a race that she probably needed. Now you get back to a short sprint again. You're back to five and a half furlongs. You're going to go second start off the bench. What I like is that to the inside of her, you've got Fire on Time, who's probably going to be close to or right on the lead. I'd imagine Latte Dolce isn't one going to be too far out of it. Live it up, also the same, and they're drawn inside, so they're probably going to be forced a little bit. Before you is really, really quick. The horse to beat in here is Sarah Harper. And she wants to be right on the lead. I think she's going to be you know, going quick early on. My sweet cat is not exactly slow. You start looking at this field, it feels like there's a good amount of speed signed on. Even towards the outside, it wouldn't be a shock to see Flash Magic right up in the mix. Or Touch of Class, not too far out of it. I think it'll set up nicely for Codename Katie to sit back, prove that she can, she can pass horses sprinting. This is kind of like you know a start over point for her, but she's got that fitness under her belt because she got that race uh, out of the way on in October. You, you don't worry about the finish. It was in a sloppy racetrack. I think it's a good spot for Code Name Kate. 12 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything over 6 to 1, that's worthy of a win wager on the number 4 Code Name Kate. As we move along to race number 8, I really like the two in here. Semble Juste, who last raced on October the 21st at Keeneland, going a mile and a 16th, and finished third, was beaten three quarters of a length. She was in tight inside. She was fourth early. She was not too far out of it, and she got shuffled. She ended up losing about two lengths. She was always traveling well. She always wanted to go, but she was just buried inside. She finally got room late, and she surged down towards the inside. The number two, I'm going to be using an all exotics. If, if this horse is anything over five to two, I'm going to 
bet a, a win wager And I would likely single in some late exotics there Race number 8 at Churchill on Friday The number 2 Assemble uh, just day at 5-1 uh, five to one morning line 7-2 to two is what I would want Anything over 5-2 to two is, is fair You wouldn't want to take uh, less than that So that is Churchill for Friday Let's uh, continue to talk some Friday racing Let's head on over to Del Mar So get your past performances out for Friday Del Mar for November the 12th We will take a look at races 1, 3, 4, and 5 For Friday over at Del Mar Right off the bat we kick off With Maiden Special Weights 5 furlongs on the turf course The number 5 Phenom is going to be tough in here The blinkers coming on I actually thought the 6 Pammy's Ready Might be a horse that you could maybe single against They'll both probably take a good amount of money I wouldn't be shocked to see The 2 horses to the inside of Phenom uh, Unbridled Mary and She's So Shiny Also taking some support there Pammy's Ready took a shot against the boys Over at Kentucky Going a mile last time out Flash speed going longer You know she's always shown some ability And she was in the Wesley Ward barn Now she comes into the Peter Miller barn I like the fact that she's drawn to the outside Of the major contenders So they might be able to pick their Their uh, trip a little bit better Pammy's Ready Turns back But has shown sprint speed Can be sitting really close if need be Should have a little bit more fitness in here I don't think she'll be right on the lead though With uh, a couple others exiting The short sprints that just seem a little faster The number 6 Pammy's ready Will single in the early exotics She's 3-1 to one on the morning line Anything over 5-2 to two is fair for a win wager As we move along to the third race We've talked about this guy a couple times Agador Spartacus I do not wear shoes Because they make me fall down you see the shoes, they hurt my feet Love the, the birdcage, funny movie Agador Spartacus Just seems like You, you kind of know what you're going to get from him, right? We've mentioned him a few times Because he is a horse who's improved When he stepped on the grass Because his grass breeding is, is pretty decent For a cowbred maiden And In this field In both of his races he has He's caught paces that May look a little quicker than they really were I, He nev- he wasn't really asked in either one of them And the trips that he had weren't great He was kind of just going head to head with another If you look at this field He's going to get the lead, right? I feel The two, Erebus has shown some sprint speed But he didn't really seem to love the grass And sometimes you just don't show as much speed on a particular surface You have uh, a first-timer who, you know we don't know, maybe they show a little bit more speed Four flag from the inside doesn't seem to have as much pace Sippin' and Kissin' doesn't seem to have as much pace Arthur Spooner doesn't seem to have as much pace And Bally's Charm wouldn't really shock This one could also be pretty close up That's why you lean towards Agador with Maldonado aboard He's going to be going second off the short little break It's going to be the third start on the turf I just hope Edwin gets aggressive and tries to open up a couple lengths on this field early If Agador Spartacus is anything over 5-1 to one, Let's make a win wager on him Make sure to throw him in some of your early pick fives there At Del Mar We get to race number 4 Another horse who we've played before So I've watched this one I think it was in his second start July the 25th at Del Mar And it wasn't a terrible race He finished 4th, he drew the rail that day The race actually came back live He, he ran into a horse named Bobby Bo Who he then hooked in, uh, in his next start on August the 6th at Del Mar So on September the 6th The number 4 who's the star Was racing at Del Mar going a mile He was squeezed out of a spot just after the start And he ended up back last Which is 
not where he wanted to be. He's shown a lot more positional tracking speed in his other starts. And he had to make a big four-wide early move up to fourth, about two off, uh, and then a big four-wide bid at the top of the lane. He He's going to need a little bit of help on the cutback up front. I don't think he's as quick as you know the two essential wager. So the race is going to come down to, will the one today's flavor be able to put some pressure on essential wager or the horse like the three sting like a bee who's right outside of him now a first time gelding can he get sent and put a little you know put a little pressure on or disco ball any one of or combinations of them can they put a little pressure on essential wager he looks like he should be getting the lead in here and if he gets the lead on the cutback he could be pretty tough maybe he tries to sit just off if the one today's flavor goes but if there are you know, combinations of three horses in this group or a couple that are push, uh, pushing each other, pushing the pace a little bit. Who's the star? Gets the trip. Ran into a horse named Barb Wire who uh, won in a first level allowance next time out with a, an 86 buyer speed figure. Who's the star? Anything over 7-2 to two worthy of a win wager in race number 4 at Del Mar. As we get to race number 5 at Del Mar, Maiden Special Weights going 5 furlongs on the turf course here. I like the 6. Pretty Rena. So she debuted going five furlong. She was close up and she was in a crowd. She was actually four deep and in between horses. And so when you're in tight like that and they line up, you better, if you don't hold your ground, you get shuffled, you get backed up. If somebody goes a little quicker than you to the outside, they kind of pin you in. She ends up losing ground. She's in tight. She sort of held well in between and then she was able to push her way out. I thought it was really solid. It's a race where you can take a lot out of. She was never more than two out. She was always kind of in tight, having to to hold her spot. And McCarthy is awesome second time out. 23 for 112 with second timers. 21%, a $3.18 ROI for two bucks. You're making a ton of money if you're just blindly betting his second timers. So when they run really well first time out, you just expect a lot of them. Second time out, if Pretty Reina is anything over seven to two, three to one, I'm gonna make a, a win wager on this one and make sure to include her in uh, all of your exotics there. So that is Friday over at Del Mar. We're gonna get into Del Mar Saturday in just a minute, but before we do, we want to remind you about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava, full service realtor, Cindy Carava. And that means she can help you out in many different ways, like buying, selling, leasing. She can just help connect you with the right kind of vendors. Maybe you're looking at home improvement, so you need help with you know gardeners, landscapers, painters. She has plenty of great connections for people that she has worked with and used in her own home. And you know, maybe you're having trouble getting a loan and you need uh, help getting pre-approved. She'll connect you with the right kind of lenders that will help you. They'll make that process very, very easy for you. Cindy Carafa is one of the kindest, most genuine people you'll ever meet. So when you're dealing with all this, the stress of moving, of relocating, you have so many different things you have to worry about. Let her take care of all of that for you. She will make your life so much easier. And she's someone that when you have to talk to and you have to communicate with, she's she's a great person to talk to. You know, you don't want to be talking to someone that's annoying or that you don't enjoy speaking with. So CindyCarava.com is the website. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. 
You can find her listings there. You can find information, uh, reviews on Yelp and Zillow, but everything you need at cindycarava.com, full service realtor. We head into Saturday racing, get those past performances out. We're going to talk some Churchill for Saturday. November the 13th, we get into Churchill Downs, and we're going to look at races 1, 2, 5, 8, and 10. In race number one, we've got a $50,000 claiming group going six furlongs on the main track. Phillies and mares, or Phillies, three years old, excuse me. Uh, the four, Soraya, Soraya. It's a good spot for her to make a return. She hasn't raced since April, but Tom Amos is super capable of getting horses uh, ready to fire off the bench. And she's coming back to six furlongs. So it's an, another situation where you look at this horse sort of like a, a starting over point. She's going to come back and she's going to be in a very real capable spot. She was facing tougher in a couple first level allowance groups. She had legitimate trouble in a race at fairgrounds going longer in January. And then, you know, on April, she was fourth at Oaklawn in a tough spot. And we have not seen her since. And that was in the slop going long. You're cutting back to six furlongs, starting over point for her. And I think she is pretty talented. I do think she has some ability. Let's give her a shot in here. Soraya, Soraya, we want... It's funny because today there are so many horses that are all in that same sort of price range that I've looked at. I thought were probably horses that should be in the three to one ish, seven to two range, and they're a little higher than that. So that's the the case again with Soraya. Soraya, we wouldn't want to take lower than three to one on her, but we will move along to race number two, another fifty thousand dollar claiming race mile on the dirt course here. The six Miss Shamita. These are two year old fillies, and she faced. Hidden Connection, who went on to run in the Breeders' Cup in Hidden Connection, one of the better Phillies, uh, young Phillies so far that we've seen. And Miss Shamita just, you know, was in a little bit too tough that day. But prior to that, she was starting to really trend nicely and, and head in the right direction. She just didn't enjoy the shorter races quite as much. She debuted going five and a half on the turf, then came back going five on the dirt. She got Involved late, showed some late energy That race came back live They stretched her out, they went long on the grass And she didn't run poorly at Ellis Park But when she went long on the dirt at Indy That's when they sort of figured things out The blinkers go on that day And everything comes together And they were so impressed that they figured Hey, let's take a shot Let's see where we stack up Against legitimate graded stakes company Well, it was a little too much to ask at that time But that's fine Now you come back you're in a good spot. This was a horse who they didn't pay a whole ton for. And you you put her in for 50 because this is where she can win. And she's 4-1. to one. She'll probably be... I, I wouldn't want to take less than 3-1 to one on her. If you look at the way the race shapes up, the 2 surf spa will be forwardly placed. The 4 and a gangsta will be forwardly placed. I'd imagine California Kitty won't be too far out of it. She's not... Fast though And then to the outside Nana's Gray is another one Who will want to be Forwardly placed You have my Angelica Stretching out from a sprint Down to the inside Maybe she ends up going So everyone in here Wants to be close You have Ring my ring Me Darling Who's the horse to beat On the drop And many times You know she's shown Positional speed Many times they just Get aggressive with horses like this Because you feel Okay she's the best I think she's the best Let's make them pass her I feel like it ends up Setting up really well for the number six, Miss Shamita. She is four to one on the morning line. Anything around three feels fair. Let's flip to race number five. We're going to take a look at Maiden Special Weights. They're going five and a half furlongs on the main track there. I like the six, the first time starter for Brian Lynch, Baravina. 
She's a two-year-old daughter of Munnings out of the damn Moon Medal. The dam won the debut, going six and a half furlongs at Churchill for trainer Brian Lynch. Ended up uh, a four-time winner. The only save, the only full she produced is just over two. Not a whole lot of direct siblings in the pedigree or direct pedigree to look at. But what's there? A little bit of precocity, success over this track for this barn sprinting, and this filly has shown some ability in the mornings. Joel jumps aboard. The number six, Bera Vina. If she is anything around four to one, we will give a look to Bera Vina in race number five at Churchill. Let's flip to the eighth race. We'll look at races eight and ten. Eighth race is another big maiden special weight race. $120,000 purse in this one. Mile on the main. The number five, Mask Patrol, had a brutal trip in that debut he got some money. He was 9-2 to two at Keeneland on October the 20th, going 6.5 furlongs. He got squeezed back to last. He was too, he, he got squeezed back, excuse me, and he lost two lengths early on. He wasn't quite last. He was 7th in the field of 10. He was about 4 or 5 lengths off of it. He ends up getting caught in between horses. He angled around widest of all. We're talking in the 7 path at Keeneland, at the top of the lane. It wasn't the best ride. It wasn't the greatest trip. Not surprised to see a a jock change here, just because of that, and then obviously because of you know, Giroux's going to go ride for Rad Cox as well. Mask Patrol, anything over five to two, I'll make a win wager here. I will single this guy in some of the late exotics. As we move to the stakes race, and it's a, a couple of very nice horses in here. It's a stakes that is a $300,000 ungraded stakes race, the Dream Supreme. You have Sconson and Bell's the One, who would have been legitimate players in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint, and they chose not to go run in that race, and they chose to come in this race. They felt like they had a better opportunity to win the first place share of the purse in here versus they would likely be running against Gamine in a short field and probably be running for second in there. Well, Gamine got beat. So now I wonder how the connections of these couple horses feel. Maybe they feel like this was still the right spot. This is what they wanted to do. This is a track that they know. This is a track that their horses like. And they feel like this was what was best for them. I I would have always liked to take a shot. Because I do think Bell's the one is really classy. And I do think Sconson is too. They're both super nice. But from a betting standpoint, we can't make a wager on them. No way. The number five club car is also nice. She's really honest. She ran into, you know, see Chubwagon, and she was running in at tracks that aren't as quite as big all the time. She did come over to Keeneland and win, and, and she's run really well at Churchill Downs the time that, the times that she's showed up here. They took a shot against Graded Stakes Company last time out, so she's in the race with Bell's the one, and she, it, she has a good start. She's in in a crowd early, she has to take back to stay out of a four-way battle, and then she gets shuffled back right after. She loses about a length or so inside. She's waiting for room. She ends up getting shuffled all the way back to last in a, a short field, has to angle all the way around, came running. It was a brutal trip. She just misses late. The number five, Club Car. She picks up Joel, and so they're hoping for a little bit better trip today with the number five, Club Car. 
if she's anything over 5-2, to two, I'll make a win wager in here because while I respect both Sconson and Bell's the one, Club Car could be peaking, and she was not far behind Bell's the one last time when they faced, and she had a brutal trip there. So, Club Car in the dream supreme for me. That is Churchill Downs Saturday. We're going to head on over to Del Mar for Saturday. So get your past performances out. Del Mar Saturday, we're going to be looking at November the 13th. And we're going to look at races 2, 5, and 8 over at Del Mar. Let's get to race number 2 for Del Mar for Saturday. We have a $50,000 claimers going 5 furlongs on the turf course. I like the 2 Cherubic Factor in here. So he, you know, if you go through his form, I don't think he has to be as far back as he's been in his last couple. Now, that was going six and six and a half. This is going five. So he very well could be way, way out of it. That's just the the way the race shapes up is why I like him. Love sick blues draws the inside. He's quick. He's got to go from down there. Love my Jimmy only has one way to go. He is really fast. Where's and Jess going to be trying to be close to the lead. How about surplus? He wants to be very close or right on the front end. Wipe the slate. Where does he want to be? Yep. Also really close to it. John Don Looney, he's another one. You know, he he wants to be right there or very close to it. They could be flying early on, and that would set up very nicely for Cherubic Factor, going to go third start of the form cycle. In, in the most recent race, the top two finishers in that race, Eastern Ocean and New Park. New Park got the lead. Eastern Ocean sat second. That's how the race finished. There was no passing. Tons of pace to chase in here for the number two Cherubic Factor, who is 8-1 to one on the morning line. If we can get anything around 5, that is uh, worthy of a win wager. As we move along to race number 5 here at Del Mar for Saturday, Calbred Maiden Special Weights, Phillies and Mares, 3-year-olds and up. They're going to go a mile on the turf course. I'm looking to the 7, Issa Court. Issa Court, who debuted on October the 23rd, going 6.5 furlongs on the turf course. Now we'll stretch out to the mile. And she debuted... She was 12-1 to 1 that day. She had a good start from the inside, and then she was in a little bit tight. She was holding her position nicely, and then she got the shuffle. She drew the rail. She ends up losing, you know, probably a length to almost two lengths of positioning. She's back to fourth. She's sitting about two lengths off, and she moves right back up into contention. She's just behind the leader. She's right up on the heels, and she just has nowhere to go. And by the time she gets an opportunity, it's, it's just too late. She's a little bit flat. That was going six and a half. Now stretches out to go a mile in here. I think the number seven has plenty of room for improvement. She was behind Kitten's Kid, and Kitten's Kid ran really well that day. It was only beaten in nose, but Issa Court had some trouble. That was also Issa Court's first race, and you just feel the likelihood of this one being maybe a little bit better going long on the turf course. The number seven, Issa Court, if she's anything over... 3-1 to one will make a win wager 7-2 to two or so is what we'd look for as we move to the 8th race it is the Desi Arnaz and honestly I don't have a, a horse to bet in here I like to talk about the stakes races so even if they're chalky or not worth betting we will tell you we will let you know and that's the case here because not only does Ida look like the class of the field she looks like the speed of the field the one Lady T hasn't shown speed in either start the two Endless Thirst hasn't really been close to the lead, and 
She's cutting back from a mild turf court, a mild turf race. She was well defeated. That looks like a filly who's just in this race to make it fill. I hope she can pick up a, a well-beaten third and get some, you know, get some black type. The three under the stars is nice. And she's going to add the blinkers. That was a fine debut for Baffert, but you think Baffert's going to have his three and five going right at each other in here? I don't. I think Ida will probably get the lead, and I think under the stars will probably sit. And Tonitos, who was really impressive coming from way out of it, you just have to have some questions because she didn't show any speed, and that was on turf, and now she's going to go to the dirt. Some of these in here... Like, honestly, you look at this race, and the the one Lady T feels like she belongs in here. The three under the stars does, and the five does. And maybe Tonitos wins this race, right? Maybe she's good enough on the dirt, but it almost feels like they're in here because it's such a small field. They're in here to help fill the race, and hey, maybe we can run third and, and get a stakes placing. It's not really worth betting this race for me. I'm not going to. Um, because Ida just feels like the type of horse will, yeah, she's She's going to be really, really tough, but do I want to just single in on a horse who's going to be a short, short price that everybody else is going to be using? No, I think we could get involved early on in the card and also over at Churchill on uh, on Saturday. So that is Del Mar for Saturday. We're going to head in and, and start talking wrestling in just a moment. Before we do, let's hear a little bit about Sarah Candles. So you want to set the mood looking for something all natural soy wax non-toxic baby since for every season now don't be afraid baby just spell it out c-e-r-a-n-o-s.com and don't forget promo code gino gets you 10% off mmm mmm All natural soy wax, no toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. Holiday season is coming up. These are a perfect gift. Folks, you're always looking around come Christmas time or, you know, uh, someone's birthday. And what are we going to get them this year? How about a couple candles? You can let them know that these are not just regular candles either. These are better for them. They're healthier for them because of that soy wax. So you won't be breathing in any of those toxins, anything bad. C-E-R-A candles.com That promo code G-I-N-O Will get you 10% off your purchase Let's head on over To wrestling with Chad Cooper This week in wrestling we talk some AEW full gear with the pay-per-view Coming up this weekend so we preview The card match by match we talk about uh, All the uh, the build up To these matches we get into WWE Smackdown Raw NXT we also talk about uh, Another unfortunate round of cuts from some really really talented wrestlers that were on the WWE roster so a nice lengthy edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper Here it is folks, fight of the night and trying to claim that belt once and for all, it's This Week's Wrestling Recap Alright, calm down And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ the one and only Chad Cooper. Mm-hmm. 
Getting ready for another big weekend in wrestling So we have to recap everything that's happened over the last week Chad Cooper joins me again for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper And uh, Coop Loop, it's just been a bummer too many times over the last six months to a year We've had to have either start this show or have segments on the show Where we've talked about a, a bunch of Wrestlers being released And WWE had another big round of cuts uh, What was it uh, Just about a week ago now Yeah after we uh, Right after we show. talked Yeah, <laughs> Right after we talked it was Hey did you see this Whoa hey whoa no way What uh, Man it's uh, it, catch, it really catches you off guard And it uh, It also It makes you Really really appreciate Um some of the things that these individuals do uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yep. from beginning of their career until we're at now, man, it is, um, you know, I, we're, we're hard. We're hard on not just, you know, look, wrestlers, look, we critique everything in life, food, movies, uh, professional athletes, including yep. wrestlers, football players, basketball, baseball, golfers, especially when you have, Couple of dollars on them to win, or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you just have to appreciate um, it, it's it's a nasty side of the business, uh, and uh, unfortunately, there there was some, you know, uh, there was there was some interesting calls there, and uh, they. I mean, Keith you know, Keith Lee, some of the names yeah. that were there, like Keith Lee was the guy who was pegged to be a top top tier guy over the last couple of years in their actions in the ring with Roman Reigns with Brock Lesnar, they made him look. Like a star in just um, in, in how he was treated And uh, who, What's hard about a lot of these two is that You know we, we, we read Them and I'm not let me say this I am not sticking up for WWE in this Sense whatsoever because For a company that's making this Much money and they're, they Put out their quarterly statements And they come off of another Saudi Arabia Show and they're making as much money as they Ever had with the TV deals and everything They've got going on it does seem weird that they are making this many cuts uh, over and over and over again. It it doesn't seem like these are needed, but WWE treats themselves like a lot of corporations do. They're they're very much a business. AEW right now is a lot more like a small business, sort of a mom and pop shop in how they are started and how they're run. They have to put a little bit more goodwill into how they treat their wrestlers, how they treat their fans Because they're a brand new product They're a brand new company um, You just don't ever know What's going on behind closed doors with someone That's all I'll say Is that some of these people We're scratching our head going How the hell could you have released or fired or cut them Some of them They're probably messed up They're probably easy cuts for a company right? You look around sometimes You go okay well they're not That employee isn't really pulling their weight that's one thing It's that some of them that we don't know It's that we'll never know if what this person did We heard rumors about some of, some of this stuff May have even been vac- uh, vaccine related With some of them that couldn't get vaccinated For certain tours Or to be in certain buildings And they were maybe uh, Kind of aggressive about how they handled it So you never really know What's going on It's, it's just always a bummer when You know on, on any Baseball, basketball, football team if you if you see someone that is really talented and you don't feel like their their being their talent is being maximized or they're being used to the best ability or they're, they're like they're able to they're getting the most out of themselves, it's always disappointing. 
you know, it's yeah, all, and, and, and you know, how long have we, I mean, years ago, WWE would keep people on the roster forever and we'd never see them on TV. Um, <laughs> you, you'd have to see someone on a house show. And I, I remember going years ago and saying, you know, Zack Ryder was, for instance, I yeah. mean, this guy, you Heath know, Slater, the, guys like that. I'm like, these guys are still on the roster. They're on house shows. And I'm just like, but forget you got to scratch your head. Look, you know, don't want to harp on it, you know, cause it's been a week, but I mean, guys like carrying cross who, uh, they were the NXT champ. They just got pulled up. This guy had like an undefeated run in NXT. He, they, run. He how many like vignettes in, in different, Ways they were trying to repackage him early on. BFAB, they just pulled up as part of Hit yeah. Row, and Hit Row is a really cool. Like, people are excited about it. It's been successful so far. It's got a little buzz to it. It what it does is it's a little bit of a bummer because it just makes you you a little worried about. Do they really have the pl- things planned out all that much? Because how could they? If they're putting these people on TV like that and then just cutting them or releasing right, them, right? That that seems a little bit weird. But you were kind of hitting on it, Chad. There's a definite difference in their philosophy right now than there was five years ago and maybe even two years ago. Because like sure. five years ago, they had they were just starting this NXT and and so they were hiring everyone. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. From every independent, from every company, from every country, all over the world. They were talking about doing NXT in Japan, NXT in your NXT everywhere. There were gonna be NXTs all over. I remember that was a big thing. And then yeah. all of a sudden AEW came around and I think two or three years ago, it was okay. We want to kind of make sure that we're going to take all the talent and that they don't get them. So they were re-signing people to big deals, and I was hearing things about them throwing a lot of money around. Now it's flipped. It's like, yeah, it's Vince's, and people have there have been rumors about how Vince feels about all this, but it's almost like a, oh hey, go ahead take them. They're not people that we wanted to pay for that price (laughs) And maybe you're going to end up paying more And you're going to end up getting stuck in a situation Where you have too many people to pay I don't think that is like The main reason But I do think that that is probably Something in their head Because it's much different than the way they acted a couple years ago Where it was We're hiring everybody just so that way you can't Oh yeah 100% And I, I think that was One of the Uh Top two or three things other than You know talent and You know does this individual have a lot Of buzz Uh, let's Bring them in I I mean you can make A a case for everyone that they Release look at poor Taya Valkyrie A.K.A. Frankie Monet who Gets this big big Vignette to come into NXT And what she has One or two matches And it's just it's, It's heartbreaking but at the same Time like I said last week, you know, Chelsea Green told me and, and has told the world the best thing to ever happen to her professional career was getting fired by the WWE. It and it's sucks. not going to be for everybody. It won't for no. everybody. For some of them, it'll be an opportunity that they wanted forever that they right. feel like they may have swung and missed. And then for and it sucks, man. It it's sucks to get fired. We've all been always fired. It sucks, man. But it you stinks. Know what? You know, it, it, it it's a grind, and you get out there, and it's a chance. Yeah, and it's a chance to reset. And look, I, it just this is what frustrates me about wrestling fans on social media. 
main, you know, specific, mainly Twitter because that's what I stay on. But it's it's the same with Instagram and and Facebook. Not everybody wants to go sign with AEW. Okay, it's not. They're not the only company. There are a lot of folks that want to tour the United States and work when they want to work and make good money when they want to when when they want to work. So it's uh, it sucks. You know, there, there's 90 days for the main. They don't roster. have much room. We've I talked know, about this with don't. AEW. They don't have very much more. They don't have room. They have a big show coming up this weekend. We're going to get into yeah. full gear. They there are other independents. Impact could use some help. Um, there are, you know. There are places to go where you can harness your craft. I think for a lot of these people that are getting released, if they were worried about how they, you know, they weren't getting used, now it's different. Sometimes it's how you're getting used, and sometimes it's just that you're not getting right. used, right? Sure. Right. And I think a lot of these people, they may go to AEW and they won't wouldn't be worried about how they're being used, and that's that's something that AEW is going to start to come come to. Uh, have to come to terms with with a lot of their wrestlers because I think everyone feels pretty good when they go to AEW about like their character and Who it's they... a different at di- different atmosphere. Yes, I keep right. Hearing that too, it's a different Who, backstage. Who they get to be, how they get to. Talk about who their character is, the promos they get to cut, all that kind of thing. That's much different, but. The same gripe for a lot of people is going to be at AEW as it was at WWE is that I'm not getting time. And if if that was your gripe, if it's that I'm not getting on TV or I'm not getting camera time or I'm not getting opportunities, I don't know how many people are going to go over to AEW right now and get those opportunities they're looking for because we move along to AEW. We're going to we'll, we'll start with AEW and then we'll get into WWE because they have full gear coming up this weekend, a really big show and I will I will say that if you just look at the ratings for AEW, they they have really really gone down over the last month. They've been they've lost a lot of buzz, and it's it's unfortunate because it ends up happening for them whenever they have to move nights a lot. You know when they get interrupted by NBA or by NHL or whatever it is, and they have to move from Wednesday to Friday or to Saturday, their numbers take a huge hit. They were over a million uh, on October the sixth, and. Dynamite episode then had to be moved on the next two weeks. They were 727 and 575 when they had to move to, I think, Friday and Saturday. Then they came back to Wednesday. They were at 941,000. And then last week, only 878,000. So the buzz is not, has not been around as much. But I will say this was a really good uh, show for them last night. I thought it was a very good go home show. And when I look at this card, um, Chad, there are probably. Two or three matches that I'm like, eh, I don't know, but there are four or five that I'm I'm pretty pumped for, and I think should be pretty good. And they didn't build this show for like a month really strong coming in, but I do think the last week to two weeks of build have been pretty good. So it's weird. Whereas they're not like as buzzworthy as they may have been a month ago, two months ago, right after that pay per view when, damn, they had that awesome pay per view. Uh, Punk's first match there Whether or not you love the match But his first match You get Brian Danielson showing up You get Cole showing up You had that really good tag match So that pay-per-view was was great A lot of buzz coming out of it They felt really hot Then the ratings don't really jump And and now in fact they go down But it's funny because Coming off of a couple down ratings shows I actually thought there were a lot of positive things That I liked last night 
And uh, we'll kind of get into the card of Full Gear And we'll talk about a lot of the storylines as we go through the card So uh, they did announce a pre-show match, Chad, for this one Uh, There are 10 matches uh, currently listed on the card for Full Gear this weekend The pre-show match, Nyla and Jamie Hayter versus uh, Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa Jamie Hayter took a bad bump on Dynamite, right? Was it? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a few botches on the show. Like the there, I thought there were I thought the episode overall was good, and that there were segments that I liked. But I'm I've been kind, and I saw some people again. Like, don't don't say that I don't give AEW praise or credit. I just said I I really thought the Go Home <laughs> show was good. Yeah. I just but man, there were a couple for a show uh, a company that really prides themselves on great wrestling. There were three or four things just on Dynamite last night that were just ah, you can't let something like that bad either get on TV or you have to do a much better job of, you know, your few second delay so that way if that thing gets on there it's cut and it doesn't make TV, right? Like that yeah. production-wise, we can't see Orange Cassidy getting handed a chair for <laughs> Matt Hardy and then like <laughs> holding on to the chair to stick his head inside of it. So that Matt Hardy can give him the twist of fate. Like, I know it's a spot you don't want to break, mess that spot up. You don't because, right? That's that's dangerous. You you put your neck in between a chair like that, and something goes wrong. You don't want to mess that up. So you know what? Don't do the spot. Do a different right. spot. Just do yeah, a different that, spot. That that was rough. And, and the Wardlow Wheeler Yuta. Uh, and then Jim Ross was just ripping him the rest of the night. Jim yeah, Ross, like, well, you should have worn his split. boots. Should have worn yeah. his boots. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, and at, during the Hardy uh, Orange Cassidy fiasco with the chair, I, I think uh, it was that spot that Jim Ross said, "Well, it won't take long before this was on Twitter." You know, <laughs> it was, uh, but you did. You had some train wrecks. You you had that. And the Wardlow Wheeler was was a was a bad botch. In which you know, of course, after the match, we saw the Hardy OC chair, and they're they're rewarded with a lumberjack match this Friday on on Rampage. I, you know, Cassidy and Matt Hardy. I, I look. I, I told you this from day one. I, I am a huge Hardy Boys fan. It is it is it is kind of sad watching Matt Hardy just kind of flop around and it's floundering right now. I, I, I just I, I don't like it. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I I, I thought the show was better. Um, well, I'm, there had, are like three or four of the segments that they promoted for the matches this weekend that I'm more excited for. So that's sure, their job sure. in a go home show, right? Coming sure. off of last night's show, I'm more excited for the inner circle. I, we'll get to that in a second. I thought that that Dan Lambert was pretty funny in that stuff. You know, I'm more excited for Pump Punk Kingston based on what what I've seen recently. I'm more excited for Miro Bryant Danielson. I'm more excited for Paige Omega. So at least with those matches, we're at uh, two weeks ago. I don't know how. Pumped I what like I feel pretty good About all of them and the prospects of all Of them coming into this show but Last night there were some High highs and a couple low Lows of bad bad stuff That just is like come on that's production Stuff that's got to be cleaned up a little bit nobody's Perfect we see uh, Shout out to Naya Jax who Was also one of the releases she uh, maybe, <laughs> uh, We've seen Her have plenty of botches in, in, in Her day over there and we see it happen All the time and Maybe we get that match that I've always wanted, Coop. <laughs> I am versus Naya, the Spider-Man gif. You, me, you, her, 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 what? I don't know yet. What? Nah, that's what. That's what I'm hoping. But uh, yeah, full full gear coming up 
this weekend. So that's the pre-show match. Nia, Nyla and Jamie Hayter versus Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. I mean, they gotta. This has probably just got to be a babyface win to get. You know, Thunder Rosa feels like the next one that they have to go to for Brit because yeah, really unfortunately like anybody else is ready for Brit, right? No, we've been talking about it. It was it was leaked out, you know, months ago that it looks like they're going back to Brit and Thunder uh, sometime at the beginning of the year to 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 continue that. I, I just hope that the fans are still invested in that. Um, so yeah, let's yeah, talk it, a little bit about Brit because sure. Brit, Brit versus Ty Conti is on the card, and so that's sort of in, involved with this match. And it's not—it's not really by anything Brit has done, but she's just not as—it's not that she's not over. The crowd loves her everywhere she goes. She's still going to be, but there's not as much buzz about her. No, uh, it just, happens. It, it happens when you win a title. It, it ends up happening a lot of the time because th- then what happens next after the chase? You get we, the, we talk about that. That's yep. the hardest part. And they haven't given her very good options. The the ruby felt like it was going to be great, and then unfortunately, by it, the to be honest, I, I think both of them deserve a little bit of flack for that match because it wasn't that great. Yes, it didn't really no, deliver. It and it and wasn't. and and I don't know who to blame in that situation. I think there have been a couple of matches that Ruby has had that. People probably were a little disappointed with some of the in-ring work But for, for both of them, I think we all wanted a little bit more out of that match in ring And then the way that ended Since then, we've had Britt what she, she had, On the, the last pay-per-view, she faced Statlander Which, fine match, like fine But I don't think anyone thought Statlander was going to win And then this is another match with a contender where Ty Conti is in, she's getting better every day She's improving every single day You look at where she was a year, a couple years ago World's better In fact, she actually reminds me a lot of early Trish Stratus In how much she's improving Like you can yeah. see her As someone who came into the business Obviously as like a really cute Kind of good looking girl And that was going to be you know, her calling card And she cares about wrestling now Ty, you, she's, try, she's like Much, much better She still doesn't feel like she's a A World title, women's world title contender, someone that we think can beat Brit or that should. And so now you've kind of been for a couple months where Brit hasn't had a legitimate contender, a legitimate feud. How much more right now? I bet you when we talk about CM Punk in a few minutes, we're going to have a lot more positive to say about CM Punk right now than we have in the last month, month and a half, because he's got something of substance to now. He's got someone across from him that he can talk back and forth with And there's a little bit of a, a feud there With Brit, it's like You can be really over But if you keep coming out there And you don't really have someone that's Even close to on your level To 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 push back, right? Every great babyface needs some good heels Every great heel needs a couple babyfaces For them to counter And she hasn't had that right now Like you said, we gotta hope that in a month or two, people will still be as into it because then what ends up happening is, oh, it, it, it's like it hurts Brit that she hasn't had the 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 foes, and then the whole division feels cold, and then you have to do something where it's like, you know what, we're just gonna we're gonna put the title on Jade right now to sort of go in a different direction and and to to get a spark. It's a bummer because two months ago, she, right before the. And I don't think it was because of like Punk and Daniel Bryan and all that stuff But right before they all came in She was The most buzz Topic 
on their show Her little vignettes Her DMD in the back Her stuff with Shivani Like that was all over the place And you just aren't feeling it as much right now Um Let, let me ask you this let me, Let's get into this real quick Um Let's dive into the reason why the reasons why we think that Brit has just the buzz is not there. Number one, I don't think they've done a very good job other than Ruby. And then that match was was a huge was a big letdown for me because I like Ruby Soho. Um, I don't think they've done a very good job building back Ty Conti up for this match. Okay, so I think this hurts Brit. But hear me out. There's gonna. I, I'm gonna get some flack over this, but we get it every week anyway. After the the show gets uh, released, I, I think AEW and Britt have buried everyone in the yeah. women's division that she worked, and I, I don't know if it's. I, I'm not saying it's being purposely done by any means. I'm just it. That's what it feels like to me when she beats people. It feels like it's a burying, and they are no longer important. It, that's why it, I think they're going back to Thunder Rosa. What ends up happening too, and and a lot of like she is so good on the mic, yes. cutting cutting promos that so few people in her division, the women's division there, can compete with her. Can kind of go back and forth in, in a weird way. Now, I, now this, I don't think she is the the same way, but it sort of reminds me of like the Rock and what the Rock would do sometimes because you you want to. It's weird in wrestling, right? You want to you want to at the same time while you're tearing your opponent down, you want to raise them up because you want to build them up before you beat them, right? You still want to show some respect to them because you want it to make it seem like your win is a big deal when you win. Um and and the problem is is she's like so disparaging to so much of the division to where she just sort of talks down to them and it's like they just don't feel like they're on her level at all and then she gets in the ring and then she beats them that it's like oh well they're not on the ring <laughs> they're not on her level the thing that with the rock where he and we've seen with the rock he goes on to do movies and he now is one of the <laughs> best movies so obviously he was like worlds ahead of everyone else but what the rock would always do was um, we even kind of joked about this, I think, last week. The the Rock would be a he'd slip on a banana peel, get rolled up, get pinned by by Hurricane Helms. You know, like <laughs> yeah. he he would let yeah. he would give a lot in the ring. The Rock was not someone who just won every match all the time, dominated, and then it, he he lost a lot, the, especially when he was a babyface, because a lot of it was the chase for him, losing, losing, getting screwed, and then winning the big one at the big moment and getting over. You know, so. Um, you're right. She's she's sort of inadvertently buried everyone. I don't think she's meant to do it. It's just there's just nobody that seems even close. The only one that came in that felt on her level instantly. She's losing. She's tapping out, and she's she's not even on TV. Now, so let me ask you this, Gino: of the releases on the women's side from WWE, which include what Ember Moon, Nia Jax, uh, Frankie Monet, aka Ty of Valkyrie, um. Who else was released on the women's side? Do you see AEW going after one or all of them to bring them in? Ember sparks the fire. <laughs> Ember sparks the flame. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. I like I, how I mean, you sing their entrance songs. I, I, just, I, I, that's your new gimmick. You have that's to my do that thing. Now. That's how I am. I actually like that. Uh, it, was a, it was a catchy one. That I, I, she, <laughs> she feels like she would instantly 
be exactly like where Ruby was. If they okay. if they brought her in with some excitement and made her the number one contender, she's she's a bigger deal than every other woman in that division, except for maybe Jade, because we don't really Jade's kind of got that cool like upside, you know, to her. I think she still feels like a star, but she's sort of in like her own world right now because they obviously they don't want to go with Jade yet. They don't think she's ready to be in the spot with Brit. Of all the women that were released, I mean, Frankie to me and Ember would be the ones that I feel like the two of them right now could go there and be like the the instant, instantly more credible than than like Ty Conti. And like, w- would you think that Ember Moon versus Brit to me that's feels like it's probably a better match? And like, oh yeah, Ember's very credible. She was NXT Women's Champ. She went up to WWE and she's like I don't know you just sort of feel like She's got more on her resume For a lot of these women in AEW They're in their They're they're in like prove it right now Mode and right. hell even Brit Right for as much sure. as Brit Feels like this really established star She's only been the champ for Not that long and prior To that she's not like someone who Is been on national TV for years and years and years with all this experience. So it's a really fresh division. I think they could use either a, a, an Ember or a, a Frankie Monet, a Taya. I was actually just uh, on one of the old wrestling rewatches. We just did Lucha Underground Aztec Warfare 2, which oh, uh, was a great one. And, um, and Taya was in there. And that was uh, Johnny Morrison's in that one And you've got actually yeah. Santos Escobar Is in there too which is really cool You got Ricochet in that one You've got Mysterio and Chavo It's a loaded loaded um, one and, and she is in there and she's pulling her weight With the guys and, and looking she's fantastic good. To me it'd be I, those I think, two I, Yeah I, I think Britt and Ty this, I think it's actually going to be a, a pretty decent match I, I really do I do too uh, it, it, yeah. It's one that, that I'm interested in um, with with all the big title matches, um, I I just think Britt goes over. I mean, Britt losing look on Dynamite in a six man or a tag match, you know, with Rebel. Uh, don't confuse me with Reba. Um, taking the pin. Um, it is. I don't know. I I just it just that's what it felt like to me. I needed to get it out that it feels like they they've inadvertently buried the talent. That she's been over and I think the match will do good But I think that's why they're they're going Back to this Thunder Rosa um, Storyline But you know uh, Will Scarlet she was released is that someone They want I, I, I don't know Does she come over with a package With, with Cross um, it, it just seems like this women's Division is really Really lacking They need, you, compare, they need look, you can't compare this Look AEW and WWE is compared Slash NXT is compared all the time. You cannot compare the two women's divisions because it's not close. I don't think you can. I don't think you can compare AWs to Impact. No, because Impact is much better. Much better. They're going to get in a situation um, where they're signing a lot of people. But if you're going to start signing people, I think some new talented women coming in here would do this division a lot. But I am looking forward to Brit and Ty. I, I think it's going to be a, 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 a better match than what people think. Like you said, Ty has gotten better. And I think this is a chance for these two ladies to shine. Look, what, there's 10 matches on this card. This is a big, long pay-per-view. It is. It's right? going to be long, too. And people <clears throat> people griped about the length of WWE pay-per-views. Their last show was like five hours. It was really, really long. We've yeah. got another match that was just added. Um, and 
I'm sure this will be a good match on paper. You've got Pac and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black and Andrade. Just one of the weird things about this t- that. Again, I think this will be a very good tag match And I, sure. I think that they've done a pretty good job With Malachi Black, but again, he feels A lot less yeah. Buzzy than he did a while ago It's not as if they've done anything like Wrong with him, but I, I read this or I heard this on a recap Somewhere, and uh, forgive me, because I wish I remembered Because I would give them credit, but they said I just don't think Malachi Black And Andrade are hang- hanging out backstage You know, <laughs> it's just like I just don't really believe that they're associated with each other here. You know, it's like Malachi Black is by himself. You know, he is alone. Andrade and him, like, they're not talking about strategy or team. It's just, it just sort of felt like a weird ma- yeah, marriage. I, I don't like Malachi. Look, the match will be fine. I Hopefully. I, I don't like Malachi in a tag. And, heck, I've already heard, heard rumors that they may be changing Malachi's gimmick already. Uh, it's weird. Persona a little bit. So. We got four... In this match, and I know they're they're gonna be a lot of them. We got four WWE guys, right? You know, <laughs> sure. got, you got you know, and and again, these and I say that because all of these wrestlers had careers before WWE. They were in Independence, they were Ring of Honor, they were Impact, they were wherever they were, and then they came to WWE. But we know them because of their time on national TV. That's why sure. it's not it's not as if that WWE created them. It's just that's where. That's why we know most of them because we saw them in in those situations. So I think people get everybody gets so so like um, like crazy about the wording of things now and then. It's never like it's not that's not the case at all. And nobody's saying that these are WWE products. It's just hey, that's the point of going to a place like WWE. More people are going to see you than anywhere you go before. More people are going to hear about you. More people are going to know your name than they ever did before when you go sign for that company and when you go show up on Monday Night Raw and on Friday Night SmackDown. Even when you don't realize, it's always going to be that case. And uh, these are these that's are four. That's why they signed. That's why yeah, that's signed. why. These I, four you are, know what? Are, <clears throat> you know, it, it, looking at Full Gear um, as we go through the matches, I think the match they need to lead off with and it needs to be pop and it needs to be good is CM Punk Eddie Kingston. I agree. I, I just I think agree. that needs to be a leadoff match, man. It does. It's hot. The crowd they've will. Done be, a, they've done a good job building it up over the last and, two weeks. And they did it real quick. And they did. It caught. It, it's one of those things that's weird because all the, the plans sort of for this show had to get get called into an audible because of John Moxley. Moxley sure. left. Moxley would have likely been in the final for the the world title tournament here. But with Moxley leaving, they end up inserting Miro. Miro is now going to be here. And now Kingston and Punk have this feud going on. And then in the last week, um, Eddie Kingston wrote an article in the Players Tribune that was fantastic. He talked all about his life, the struggles that he's had with mental health, how... The, some of the uh, watching Japanese wrestling and and some of the guys from Japan saved his life. The guy could have been in jail. He could have got caught up in a bunch of different bad things. And he, he mentally he had a hard time focusing. And this gave him some structure. And this is a guy who he's he's weird, right? I've I, it's taken me a little while to sort of come around on him. I've always as soon as he walks in and starts talking, you uh, you understand that okay, the guy can talk. But but I never kind of got like. His look was always weird to me because he's he kind of yeah. wears uh, the the spandexy sort of 
like <laughs> and it's like his body isn't he's not like a in really in shape guy so it, it doesn't look the most flattering i'd always it just it seems sort of weird and now you read this and you understand and it, it makes a lot of sense now how he wants to pay tributes to some of the the important people in his life or some of the things that that saved him and he's incorporating it into this stuff with punk now and he is really over right now man like i don't i don't think he's going to win but in my head there's this real like wow does tony khan look around and go damn this guy had this big article come out there's all this buzz about him right now like do we do something weird where we maybe have him win this match this helps turn punk on the in the the you know the 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 heel turn that we want and then I mean, I'm like if Hangman Page, I'm 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 like five steps ahead. But if Hangman Page <laughs> wins, I think Miro wins. You get Miro with a like Hangman Page gets his win, but then he doesn't need to be like the guy to carry the company forever. For him, it's just about beating Kenny. I think you know, like beating the the, and then maybe you get Miro who ends up winning the title, and then you get to Kingston and Miro who have this built-in feud already before. Over the, the 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 TNT title before, and that could be what like you could play it out to where this guy could be set for a pretty big run coming up soon, like a babyface run coming off this. Moxley isn't around with him anymore, and sometimes it's sort of like a blessing in disguise. In the in this like modern climate, Chad, people really love rooting for um, anyone who you know is is have struggles, people that are dealing with mental health. It's they they want them to succeed. This is a guy who people would get really behind. I'm kind of interested in what the crowd's going to be like for this match. Yeah, that's why I think this this would be a good kickoff. I I, I think we are I, look again. I may get some some pushback on this, but I think we're at a crossroad really with CM Punk here. This has to be Absolutely. this it's has to be a match, and I'm afraid if he goes over, the fans are going to turn on him. And I think maybe that's what they want. But I'm with you. Kingston, look, I, I've never been a big fan. Um, he can talk the talk. Um, I, I just haven't – I've never really got into his look, really. Um, I, I just think we're at a crossroad, crossroads with CM Punk, and this match is going to be that sign. And, look, they, we had a, we had, they had to be separated. And we've always talked about this with – even with WWE, sometimes the shortest – Storylines make the better matches, and I, I think sometimes the longer the pushes we get and the storylines, the match isn't as good as what the buildup has been. But I think over you know two weeks, you got to give AEW a lot of credit because it was two Saturdays ago where where we were just now getting Punk and Kingston mm-hmm. going off, and I and I think the fans are behind Kingston, and do the fans turn on Punk if he goes over? Do they want him to do that? I don't know, but I think this is a chance for CM Punk to say, "Hey, I still belong with these guys." I, I, I this is again, uh, of all these big title matches we have, th- this this match right here is really, really important for CM Punk and AEW. He said something like, uh, "Hey, after I beat your ass, then uh, just take your ball and go home for another seven years." You know, <laughs> oh, that was great. It was great. Uh, so people are into this one No doubt about it Christian and Jurassic Expe- Express Versus the Super, Cl- uh, Super Click Cole and the Young Bucks We saw Cole bring in the fish 
Bobby Fish <laughs> to do the dirty work for him And they tease the undisputed era Because Kyle O'Reilly's contract is up I think sure. in like a month or so And he would be someone that could show back up there They could do some undisputed era stuff Against the, the Young Bucks and against the Click And um, they could you know, if Omega loses the title, they can sort of start having that uh, Omega maybe and, and Cole feuding over uh, who, who leads this thing. I'm sure this will be a, a lot of fun, six man. It's not, you know, it, it'll it be probably 15 minutes and it, we're going to see the, these guys all going ballistic, all going crazy. <laughs> hey, uh, Max Caster, uh, his, his line on, uh, he faced, was it Bowen's face Jungle Boy on Dynamite and Max Caster was rapping and he said, you're so um I gotta find the line because it was damn damn hilarious. Um he he said that uh, or he, he talked about how Jungle Boy leaves his girlfriend uh Anna Jay alone with seven guys. So he was joking about the the dark order. And uh I, I think the exact line was um you're so progressive, I've gotta empathize empathize because you leave your girlfriend alone with seven guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Jungle Boy and Fish, I think, are on Rampage Friday night. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a, another live show. Um I it, it's a fun match. It's gonna be I, fine. I just, like a fine six know, man. It's fine. You know? Yeah. It, it, it just feels matter, like really cool. I know they can't do everybody can't be in every main event, but he's another one where Damn, how hot was he just right off the bat? It was like he was more over than Daniel Bryan, than Brian Danielson, and then than Punk was Adam Cole. I'm came- with your booking. I, I think I, for obvious reasons, I think Hangman Page goes over. But I would like to see Omega Cole storyline without a title because you don't need a title. I think I think you've got some compelling stuff with them two, with them two fighting over, you know. Who's the man in this in this group? And I, I think that's uh, I think that's something they need because I think that, you know, the Bucks don't have the titles, right? Uh, you know, they, I don't know. This this is fine. This match is fine. It just it really doesn't. Whoever wins, it doesn't do anything for me. And I think uh, because I, as much as you know, we don't want the Bucks to just be the tag team title champs forever. The, the, when they lost the the tag team titles to Lucha Bros, there wasn't a whole lot of build, and I think it's hurt the tag division a little bit. It has, um, it has. In in that, we're always going to see really good matches. The Lucha Bros versus FTR is going to be great, but the Lucha Bros just don't feel very hot right now. I actually wouldn't be shocked if we get a title change here, and if FTR wins because we've seen a lot more from them. We've seen them kind of. Doing Weasley things here and there We've seen them aligning themselves Even with I think Andrade And and helping out here and there So I'm, they've at least been on, like, Getting built a little more I wouldn't be shocked if we got a title swap And I'm sure this is going to be very very good It's just not something that I'm I'm most interested on the show No and, it, and it's we've been there Done that and it'll be interesting to see With the placement of, the, of some of these title matches Right we know that Omega And Paige will be the main event where will the women's championship be? Uh, where will the the tag championship be? We have a you know a title eliminator finals, um, which is going to be fantastic. <clears throat> Excuse me. So you think Miro goes over? I'm with Daniel Bryan or okay, Brian Danielson? I, I would like like my fantasy booking would be if Paige wins, then a good a good heel for Paige would be win win or lose. If, if like if Paige wins. I think Miro would be the next really good option for Paige because you have a, a good heel, and even if Miro ends up losing that, it's good to put him in the main event 
kind of picture to show that he belongs there. And then hell, if for some reason you were just doing a quick thing with Page and you want to go the other way, that's fine. I don't know if like Daniel Bryan versus Adam Page will be great, but I don't know if that's the best thing for like the shape of the company because do you you put Adam Page in a ring with Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson is going to get a cheer like crazy. All of a sudden, like yeah. your your company babyface isn't your company babyface anymore. I think you maybe give Adam Page you, you you either feed him a couple wins if you're not going in the direction of having Brian Danielson win that title. So I w- if it were me making the call, because I actually think that Moxley was going to win. I think that Moxley was going to turn heel or was going to do something heelish in this match against Brian Danielson in order to beat Brian Danielson. And that would like be the full heel turn for Moxley. So, and then Moxley would have been the guy to go face Hangman. And then, you know, Moxley could have lost that or whatever, but you put him back in there. I think that they may just say, let's do the same thing with Miro. Let's just put him in the same exact spot that that we were going to put in and we'll have him win this match. He can cheat. Maybe we get Lana showing up to help him cheat. How many times has he been referencing Lana? Maybe she shows up here. She comes out of nowhere. Distraction grabs a leg or something like that. She helps him. If even if he loses, I hope she shows up at the end and she's screaming at him or cussing at. Like I, <laughs> I want to see Lana involved in some way, shape, or form because he's been referencing his wife so much. It feels like yeah. it's time for her to show up. Yeah, and this 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 would be the the right time. He's been cutting some hell hellacious promos, man. I, I, I'll I'll say this. And so good, I'm to, so interested in them. Yeah, and and they turned him back into this monster. I'm with you. I I, I don't, you know, the, the thing I worry about is is I feel like AEW it just wants to accelerate some of these names that they've just signed, and I don't know if if Brian Danielson does anything. He's going to get the cheers over Hangman, and that ruins his victory over Kenny Omega, his his nemesis. You know, so I'm yeah. with you. I, I, I'm with you. You you six months down the line, a, if you yeah. still got the belt on on Hangman, and you just want to like a cool babyface versus babyface match, sure. But I don't think that's the the best way to put the best spot to put him in right after he wins. If he if he wins, you get the big coronation. Now we're assuming we're we're assuming he wins this, right? If for some sure. reason. They go the other way and they're like you know what We're not going with Hangman Page I think that would be A terrible decision but Then they could say Kenny wins Daniel Brian Danielson wins And now we have that rematch for that Match that was great on TV that everybody Wants to see again I mean that's that's absolutely A direction they could go but I don't I don't think it would be the right call You can have Daniel Brian Danielson And Kenny have a great match Anytime for or With or without the title you know I don't know how much that needs it Right now, Adam Page needs to win this title. And you've got Brian Danielson for what three years? He he said he yep. signed a, a contract for three years, so you've got him for three years, right? Until he's forty three. That's just crazy. Um, I, I, I'm with you. It's going to be interesting if Brian Danielson goes over Miro. Are you assuming Omega goes over Page, or do you think Page is an automatic lock here, and they're just going to go? With, with the big name here, Danielson and, and Page, is that an indicator for you? If Brian Danielson goes over Miro, yeah, um, I do think so. Yeah, I think if okay. Brian Danielson goes over, I don't think it's a hundred percent, but I will think I will in I will start thinking that Kenny Omega, it maybe it's fifty fifty. Wow. Okay. In that match, 
because I'm, okay. I'm I will think that maybe they were you know maybe Tony Khan was so into that match and they want to do that match again and that's something that they want to build towards and maybe they have a different story to tell for Hang I don't know but I that's not what I think should happen Hangman needs to win this. And um, Miro, in my opinion, would be the best decision to be the number one contender to face him. As uh, I believe we have two other matches to discuss. Well, we we've talked mo- Hangman Page versus Omega is the is the main event, and we've basically talked about that five or six times throughout uh, our. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: Look, I, I was really not interested in this Minneapolis Street Fight Inner Circle America Top Team, and I'm really not because I'm not expecting a whole lot of it. But I'll say this: Lambert. On Wednesday night, that segment was hilarious. This, it's a Boston crab, and that he did. Was, I, oh my gosh, that was a he's screaming it, and he says Rocky Johnson. You know, <laughs> this comes off the top. I agree with you. I'm, I'm more interested in it than I was. I actually sure. think it's going to be kind of fun now. Just like with Dan and 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 they and they're saying that they're going to have Dan get the pin. You know, yeah. so it's yeah. like, oh yeah. yes, they're going to have him get this win. So. I'm I agree with you in that. I'm I'm more intrigued than I than I was before and it's probably just going to be schmuck. Like this is best at least it's a street fight, you yeah. know? So it's going to be just like a train wreck for 15 minutes of these guys all outside the ring and going at it and it's not going to be like tags and and you know like a, a an actual wrestling match. <laughs> uh, which is uh, what Darby and MJF want to have, an actual wrestling match. That's yeah, sort of what sure. JF has been saying and I think the build to this had a couple of good weeks. I don't. It didn't feel quite as hot at the Wednesday. current moment. Wednesday, True. we'll see what ends up coming if they do anything on the go home and, and rampage on Friday. But I mean, this should be very good. These are two guys that are, you know, on the the absolute future of this company on any short list of the the three to four, you know, top young guys or gals for AEW. It's Darby and it's MJF. And it's probably these two that are, you know, Darby as knock on wood if he stays healthy as the guy who could be the babyface sort of your different kind of Jeff Hardy CM Punk babyface that has something unique to him. And MJF could be that just dastardly heel forever. So this could be two guys who have run into each other before, but this could be just another early chapter of a rivalry that could play out for years and years to come. Who goes over and who needs to go over? See, I do feel like Darby's a little cold right now. Okay. Like after the punk stuff. I mean, he's still getting good responses, but it's probably going to be MJF. But I'm going to make a prediction that Darby gets the win because of something that Wardlow does. Wardlow okay. ends up screwing it up, and then we really do get the Wardlow turn because I don't know if it was a coincidence that they made the, the, War, they had a squash match for Wardlow this last weekend to kind of. Remind us that he's there. He's a big deal. He's a powerful, studly-looking guy. Jr. even says something about how he's never mentioned as one of the pillars, and he should be. So I, I don't know if that was a coincidence. I'm gonna say Darby gets the win okay. because of Wardlow trying to do something that ends up backfiring, and then coming out of this, we get MJF and Wardlow, and we get the them feuding a little bit uh, towards the end of the year and into 2022. Yeah, I'm good with that. It, it, it seems like Darby probably needs this win. It needs to be a really good match, too, I think. I, I, I Again, it's a showcase. We know how talented both of these are. We had MJF and Jericho for so long. Um, this one had some good heat, but it feels like over the last week, maybe it got really, really cold because there's so much going on with AEW, and that's 
that's that's my biggest complaint with AEW. There's too much trying to be crammed in at three hours a week, and you get these massive pay per views, and it feels like some of these and some of these matches are not going to be as good, or they won't go over as much with the crowd because of the length. But I'm with you. I, I think this Darby needs to go over here. And uh, just a, a shout out to uh, Leo Rush, my man, <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> Bobby, La- I love it when you do it. You do, you do a really good Bobby Lashley. He, they had a on a TV show that had Brian Danielson wrestling and that had uh, a couple really solid matches. That was the one that stood out. These guys, Leo, when he wrestles, folks, he is he's like Ricochet, but like jacked up even more. He does things in the ring that you just cannot explain. And Moriarty was someone who everybody was like the crowd was nuts for that match. So um, shout out, uh, shout out to them. There, there won't be really a whole lot of that on f- what was involved in that on the pay per view here. But um, man, that was that was really entertaining. Yeah, there there was a spot on the top row that was kind of train wreckish. But if you look Wednesday night, uh, it stood out. You know. Um, I, I again, I, I was kind of interesting how the show ended with Omega and Hangman Page. These contract signings, do contracts ever get signed before the match actually happens no. with a contract no. signing? I, it, yeah, it was cool that they did with in Hangman's Blood or whatever. That was cool, but I I don't think it really adds anything um, to it. But I, you know, hey, look, Leo Rush has had a lot of problems everywhere he's been. And hopefully it gets worked out because he's an incredible worker inside that ring. Very much agree. So uh, shout out to him. And that, that was at AEW this week. Big focus for them because they have a big, big show coming up. As we head on over to WWE and we get back to SmackDown from last week and Roman Reigns and the uh, the bloodline come out. Roman talks about how he was running around naked on a private island with his, with his <laughs> wife. He just is so confident. I love that he says things like that. And you know, a few years ago, they would have come off corny or kind of cringy, and now they just come off like smooth when he uh, when he when he talks like that. He looked he looked really good, and uh, so we're getting some interactions with the New Day and with uh, with the Bloodline, and and we've seen you know these groups and these tag teams have tons of matches through the years. But what's cool about this is we know that Roman. And Big E are going to uh, have a match at Survivor Series coming up So this was sort of a way to start building that By interacting, ha- having the New Day and the Usos interact We had uh, Xavier talking about how they're going to have a match And, and if he wins, that uh, they have to bend the knee And uh, <laughs> and, and that if, if you know Xavier loses That he's going to have to acknowledge, the, uh, acknowledge Roman So it's a fun way to Build a little towards the Survivor Series match You have Xavier Play into the King stuff You And, and Roman thinks he's the man on Smackdown And we have a, a Fun match in the main event that involves really All of them, good. Yeah, really good Xavier is, is doing great right now With the opportunity that he's given And then Roman looks like a, a really badass Heel at the end and I thought It was, a, I thought a lot of The stuff that they have here And I hear some people that That want to crap on Smackdown, I don't, I mean Sure there are some things here and there But overall it's really good Most of the time and a lot of it Is because 
The like the acting and the storylines are actually very good. Like Roman and the Usos and Heyman and some of them have really raised their like their game and and the way that the stories are. They don't come off really silly or goofy. And this was another one of them where you know they're a bulk of this show, and I I lo- I liked a lot of it. I thought it was really good. I'm kind of excited to see moving forward. I, I now I want to see Xavier. Get a shot against Roman yeah, one of these next yeah. few weeks, and he'll he won't win. But give me a King Woods versus uh, Roman Reigns for the title match on one one episode of SmackDown sometime. Yeah, it, it was a really good match, Woods and Jimmy Uso. Uh, loved the ending. Uh, enjoyed the beat down there, and uh, as you said, uh, Big E and Roman. If that's what we're getting for for Survivor Series, which we normally do. Um, have champion versus champion and one of those non-title affairs. This is perfect, and I, and I think I think King Woods needs a shot at Roman Reigns before Survivor Series to make that match feel even more important. And I think you can do it. I, here's what's here's what's crazy. I think King Woods right now is hotter than Big E as your champion on Raw. I, I You're just, not wrong. You're not man, wrong. It just feels that way to me. You're not and 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 I don't even know if it's it's that Big E is like cold, completely cold or down. It's that Xavier. Xavier's so good. Yeah, Xavier's really over right now, and yeah, a is. lot of people have. I think what we're seeing in the last, you know, fans are smart. A lot of these guys and gals that don't get their opportunities when they do, the fans understand. Hey, we better we better get, show them support. We better buy their stuff. We better watch. We better cheer, yell, and scream for them. They did it with Daniel Bryan. They did it with Becky Lynch. They did it with Kofi. You know, um, and we're seeing it right now with Xavier, where the fans might be able to take this guy from someone who was slotted as a perennial lower to mid card to tag guy and make him like a legitimate singles act for a while. I'm I'm excited for Xavier. I hope so. Weird stuff came out with the up, up, down, down stuff where it seems like he it wasn't is. getting paid or wasn't getting compensated nearly as much as he should for uh, for a lot of the stuff he was doing. So shout out to him getting a big run right now. Um, we got Naomi winning versus Shayna. This is, you know, she, I, I don't positive, negative. Good for Naomi. I'm sort of I'm still sort of intrigued. I want to see no uh, Naomi Sonia. But it feels like we're getting it's starting to drag a little bit too much. And Shayna, I don't like her looking goofy after we'd sort of just started to build her up a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like again the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I don't want her to be used as a pawn in this storyline with Naomi. Um, it, it, this SmackDown will be interesting to see where it goes with there. Um, again, on the other side, I think they've done a really good job in a short period of time with do drop on raw. I agree. But I don't, I don't think Shayna is as of right now. It, it's look, it, she's gotta be a badass. That's what mm-hmm. she is. There's we've already, the comedy shtick with Naya was, was a complete disaster. Uh, we didn't really get anything out of that. Now Naya has been released and now here she is with, with Naomi, um, then Sonya gets involved in the match. Oh, we got to restart. We got to do this. And then Shayna goes over. I, I don't know what we're waiting on here. I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. Something is not connecting here with her and coming up to the main roster. I, I, I don't. I, I thought the Queens tournament was perfect for her. Didn't get that. Um, I'm okay with what has happened, but I, I'm with you here. I, I, I don't like her in this spot. No. And 
We got a teaser for Zia Lee coming soon And we got a, a backstage segment with Ridge Holland Who's like obsessed <laughs> with Sheamus You know, this was kind of a funny <laughs> thing for him This is like in love with Sheamus, my buddy We were celebrating, we were going crazy at the local pub When Sheamus would have a big match I mean, this was a little forced, you could tell yeah. But, um, I mean they, they like the guy, they're putting him on TV Let's see where they go from this I don't, him him being with Sheamus could be a, a, a good pairing You know, it's sure. that could be a good pairing I'm sure they could have good, good maybe tag matches And then, you know, an, an eventual turn And maybe a match or two against each other It was just, they gotta figure his character out a little bit better than than that It, they were, it was a little bit goofy it, He was yeah, reading It was like robotic it was Yeah, robotic. no, you're right, it was, he was reading This was probably the biggest promo, one, one of the bigger ones this guy's ever had to cut True, in in on on like this sort of a situation. So he was, I'm sure, probably very careful about the words he was saying. And there there's something there with him, though. You know, he's got a look, and this was a little goofy, but he's good in the ring. And I'm um I'm I've always been pretty high on him. So let's see what they uh, they end up doing with him. Shotzi, um, she continues sort of on with her heel turn. She tells us about what uh what happened and why you know why she did what she did. So. Um, good to see her um, getting a, an opportunity to cut the promo. We got the what are they called? The <laughs> Los Lotharios. Los Lotharios. Angel Garza and Carrillo. <laughs> they get the win over Cesaro and Mansoor. It's like, uh, hey, Saudi Arabia's time is done. Mansoor, you're losing again, buddy. You know what? And Cesaro, <laughs> you signed that uh, contract extension. We've got you locked in, my friend. You are and not you know going what? To... I thought the match was actually pretty good. It was just too yes. short. Yeah, you know? the Lotharios can wrestle. Yeah, they can't. They can. They both can go. So, so while the goofy is the the goofy, the gimmick is goofy. They can they can actually back it up in the ring. Uh, we'll see how they get portrayed and presented. But at least there's something with them. There was it. They, they didn't do. They weren't doing anything before. So no, they, they have a little bit of a a character to them. Whether it's kind of you roll your eyes at a lot of it. it it's it's better than absolutely nothing. <clears throat> As uh, um. We got to okay. This this was weird. So backstage, it's like Jeff Hardy and Aaliyah, and and then Sammy <laughs> comes out, and Sammy tells her she should wear a pantsuit. She doesn't even look like the same person from a few years ago. She Does looks it. so different, and I'm, I mean, I don't. I mean, she looks fan. She looks great, fantastic, but she just looks like a totally different person. And this was just bizarre. Sammy ends up. <laughs> Uh, coming out later to show Hit Row how to do an entrance, we know is being goofy. He's on the floor and oh, eh, whatever. It was kind of the cringe. This was one of those things that people like. Oh, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the channel because it was a it was a little too much. But the next thing, I don't want to do this, Chad. I don't want to get myself excited because every Uh-oh. time I do, I get a little bit excited for something and then. But dude, wasn't this such a great version of Ricochet? It was. Oh my gosh, he came out there And he was like I'm not going to take your crap, Drew And he slapped Drew right in the <laughs> face He smacked him And then they have a good match A hard-hitting match It's nothing It, it, it doesn't it, Five, six minutes, something in that range But afterwards We actually get a backstage segment With Ricochet Where Musafa comes backstage And he says oh, yeah. they, sh- they should team up And Ricochet it, just 
like a normal logical person would. Why would I do that? You just were an asshole to your partner and you're 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 just a mean dude. You're not a good person. No, I'm not going to It was it was just time for Ricochet. They gave him a few moments to speak. They gave him opportunity in the ring. You look around right now on SmackDown. Why can't why can't this guy and why shouldn't this guy in a month be the Intercontinental Champion? I, there's look I, <laughs> there's Makamura is doing nothing right nothing. now. Nothing. Yeah, he wasn't even on this show, right? No, and 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 they're like he's in back in a feud again with with Corbin and uh, and ha- Happy Corbin and freaking Madcap Mad Moss. It's like you want to have those guys be a tag. You want to have Nakamura and Boogs be a tag. I'm fine with that. Put that IC title on Ricochet. Let this dude come out every Friday night. And have a nice 15 minute open challenge match Against somebody else Let him have matches against everyone He The the shows are better when he's on them I think he's one of those people that He's someone that The crowd would get behind If you started to build this guy If you build him And then all of a sudden he's in the Royal Rumble And now he's one of the final men there And it's like oh he doesn't win but he's close And now you start building him And you making you make people think he actually has a chance He would be one of those That everybody would get excited about If you put him, you built him well You put him in a legitimate main event match He can go, he's going to make things look different I hope so I just I see a week like this and go Okay, it feels like they're they're gonna start moving with him, you know. They gave him, <laughs> sh- and, and we, then we won't see him on the show for three weeks in a row. All right, now look. Every time we've done this to poor Ricochet, we've done it, man. We've done I, it. So I, let, let's buck the trend. I know. SmackDown this Friday. <laughs> let's, let's do that. As a couple other things to mention from SmackDown. Um, actually, really, that that was in in the main event we mentioned, King uh, Xavier Woods versus uh, versus Jimmy. Yeah. So. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought a, a very solid edition of SmackDown as we head on over to Monday Night Raw, and uh, we got the uh, Seth Rollins kicking things off as uh, the number one contender's contract. He's carrying it all around, and <laughs> and uh, so it, it's Rollins in this blue, gee, whatever he's wearing. <laughs> he's having so much fun with these suits, and so they. They've inserted KO into this, but we don't we don't know when they're gonna have a match, right? They haven't said when they're having a match yet. Did did they with Seth? Uh, they have not. No, because it's not at Survivor Series. It can't be at Survivor Series because Seth is on Team Raw, and I don't on, think there's a pay per view in December this year. Is no, that, I, did I read that correct? I think I read that correctly. Also, so okay. we we will probably see it on TV. Maybe yes. right after Survivor Series, or I'm perfectly fine with that. Which is which was great. That would be that would be great. You wonder if it if by that point they do insert KO because at the end of this show we get a match: Kevin Owens versus Rollins. Anytime these two guys are in the ring, it's going to be it really good. A hell of a main event. So freaking good. They these guys had a good WrestleMania match a few years ago, and. Seth Rollins ends up winning by countout because there's a little schmoz at the end where they get thrown into big, was, yeah, squirrely, a little squirrely. But then afterwards, we get the Owen snap and he starts yeah, going crazy on Big E. He goes ballistic, pop a power bomb into the apron. He screams and he just goes nuts. And this is this is the better version of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens 100%. is like a stone coldish babyface is fine, but as a heel, like he's got to be. 
nuts He's got to be a guy that you know you're you're kind of scared and like wondering what's going on in his head. This dude could snap right. Like that's how he he is best portrayed. And so I thought it took maybe a little while or a couple of weeks to get to a spot where we probably all could see it coming. We sort of knew we were going to get there. But now that we're there, I uh, I like all of these guys. I think Rollins, Owens, Biggie interacting with each other. You were saying. You know, Biggie's not o- as over as as Xavier, and I I agree with you very much. I think they've done a pretty good job with Big E in like you know f- putting him in in spots. It was Lashley, it was McIntyre. It's they they continue to have like Big E feels like he's got a lot going on right now. Yeah, and look, we 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 say it all the time, and I know people say, ah, that's the you know it's hard to win the title. The the easiest part is 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 getting your hand raised in the air, and we're celebrating you. The next night on Raw or SmackDown, uh, we're having a parade. It, it's after that it seems like it's really tough for some of these guys to take off with the title. I I don't know what it is, but right now, Big E, I'm hoping. Kevin Owens and he, I don't know. They have to be inserted into a triple. Well, threat, what, right? what hurt him? Or are we going to get singles and singles? No, I mean, maybe and maybe because they 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 will need a few weeks on of like big matches on Raw throughout December. Maybe we do get a singles and then another singles. And I but I think that. what's hurt Biggie a little bit, and we we talked about this with Punk when with the AEW stuff. He had a few weeks to a month where. It was him and Drew in this babyface, babyface thing, you yeah, know, where you're the draft not in the Saudi Arabia show. Yeah, yeah. And you're not like really in a feud that is like a blood feud or as it doesn't give you the feels like now he just got his ass kicked by Kevin Owens. Now Big E is going to be pissed. Right. So now Big E, this should spark a fire in him. This should give him a little something more than, oh, hey, there's Drew. Can we be buddies on this team? Can we not? Oh, we kind of respect each other, but no, I'm going to, you know, that, that stupid trope that we see over and over. This should feel better moving forward for Big E. So, yeah, you're right. Cause this is, it's, I want to say it's like danger zone, but you got to be careful because that excitement wears off after a new title, after a new champion wins. And, you have to make sure that you have things set up for him. Biggie does have a lot of things set up. So, you know, probably Roman coming up, Seth, KO. Hell, if he gets through them, I mean, he probably doesn't beat Roman Reigns or they probably don't have a clean finish there. But, you know, that's starting to be a good, you know, a good list of, of uh, you know, legitimate, you know, uh, opponents that he's beat. But you want to keep building everybody else, keep them strong for him. <clears throat> a good night for, uh, for KO here to... You know, as we said, people were saying KO is getting buried. I don't think so. He's this, no. the last guy standing in the main event afterwards, and <laughs> after he'll turn in the in the ring with the champ. You know, <clears throat> yeah. if that if that's buried, put a shovel, dig my grave, <laughs> and, you know what I mean, and put me six feet under, Koopa Loop. <laughs> as uh, we uh, you know they're they're giving. The uh, the dirty dogs more and more wins. I like the dirty dogs. Ziggler and Rude and AJ and Omos end up picking up a victory here. And uh, Ziggler and Rude are, um, yeah, I'd imagine they probably get the next tag team title shot. A 20 minute match that's what was interesting here. I I don't know which way we're going here. Um, you know, I, I don't know. What to think? We talk about hot and cold. RK Bro is is 
I don't even know what to say about them anymore. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. They feel lost. Yeah. They're really, really cold. Um, I, I think you get the titles off of them and then you, you put, uh, you put them two at each other. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, I really was digging it's time this. now. These, Me guys, too. <laughs> these guys were main eventing raw and it just and, went absolutely cold. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, the timing, I think with the, the Lashley, when they, with, when they made a, an audible with Lashley, with the big E stuff with Big E winning yeah. it just, they they lost a little something here. You're right. I think it's time for them to turn, and maybe we get the uh, the interaction between the two of them. Um, that that should be good. And we're we're gonna get the Mysterio turn coming up soon, also because that's oh, been yeah. much too long. Adam Pierce, what a dick, right? He's just like, <laughs> I mean, he's like he's the GM or you know an executive for both Raw and SmackDown, but he he just tells us that he doesn't want SmackDown to win, probably because Brock. Beat the crap out of him but This I mean It was a little weird because Adam Pierce has never Been like a heel, heel. Sonya yeah. was now out of nowhere He's like an obviously evil Heel last year raw went Five and oh we don't need to be Reminded Pierce yeah we were yeah. bitching About it <laughs> so raw um, Raw adds Bobby Lashley now To their team and Dominic Mysterio gets uh, gets Dropped as a as MVP is is here also with uh, with Lashley and so MVP back with Lashley. I think they wanted to give Lashley something strong, but this will be I don't know maybe we get you know we get something where Ray tells Dominic Dominic can take his place or I don't know maybe we get something to further that along. Dominic gets eliminated. I feel like now with I'm sure that they're planning on having a match at WrestleMania for the two of them, right? You kind of feel be. like yeah, Rumble somebody eliminates someone and then. You head to uh yeah you head to mania um what else hey you know like Chad Gable if you don't have anything for Chad Gable having guys like him just be on TV and giving you good work against some of your you know your your top top guys it's not a bad spot for him I've always been pretty high on him and you know him and Otis whatever you want to say about them you know that they've got like Feels like sort of like a WWF superstars kind of feud for Big E with Otis too. Yeah. He's got Otis here <laughs> still, yeah. But it's I'm I'm actually okay with it from from those guys' perspective, and even really from the Big E perspective, right? Because it, you can't always just have a bunch of main event feuds with a bunch of main event guys or gals all the time. Like having these little side TV angles and storylines are are fine. Like I. I have no problem with Otis and with Gable when they're on in the matches that they're in, and they they seem to be slotted fine on the card for for where they are. I was fine with it. Uh, you have a little solid five minute. It, it definitely makes Chad Gable feel more important, doesn't it? And I think a lot of people are high on him. <laughs> I know a lot of internet wrestling fans really enjoy Chad Gable. I, I thought this was fine. I have no complaints with this. A good solid little five minute match. I, it. it it keeps Big E in the conversation, and again, it gave time for for Seth and Kevin Owens in the main event, which Big E gets involved in anyway. So, if you're going to sit around and wait for this, at least put your champion in a match and have him have a good match like this. Hey, I, I'm was definitely fine with this. He's ready, he's willing, and he's Gable, Chad Cooper. <laughs> Gable, Gable, Gable. They were doing that for a while in NXT, yeah. those, those angle chants for yeah. Gable, which were, which were great. Man, that American Alpha with him and J, uh, Jordan, they had some 
freaking yeah, that was banger matches. Yeah. They had some banger matches for a while with uh with um uh the FTR actually are, are FTR, over it. Yeah. yeah, they had some real good ones there with them. That was a lot of fun. As we got to the I gotta say, this this did make me pop the twenty four seven segment. It was entertaining. It, it made me laugh, and we start out with Reggie and Drake. Drake actually gets a a win, a distraction, and he rolls up. He wins the twenty four seven title. Then here comes T- uh, Tazawa. He rolls him up. He wins the title. Corey Graves. I can't believe it. <laughs> Corey Graves got cleared. He must have had the doctor's note. He got the doctor's note. The doctor's note because he was cleared. Corey Graves rolls up uh, Tazawa. So he gets the win. Corey Graves is your new champ. And then Byron Saxton. I did like that moment though because how for years now, Graves just rips on Byron. Dogging, he just, yes. He rips him. He blasts him. He make And Graves is like really smart and such a great talker that. There are some times where he like he he puts Byron in a spot where Byron can't even defend himself. Like he just no. can't even like say anything back, you know? So just getting to see Saxton roll him up and Saxton was so excited. He was jumping up <laughs> and down. And he's this is something you know he's gonna use forever. He mentioned that I, I beat you. Then Drake ends up rolling up Saxton. Reggie does the 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 flying corkscrew. He gets the win. He grabs the belt and he goes running. I mean it's like it this was, is what this title was. It's it was yeah, fine. Yeah, this I, is what this is what they need more of. I don't think yeah. you can do this every week because it no. wouldn't seem as fun. But this is what you need: get a it's referee five, involved, get an announcer minutes, involved. Yeah, five minutes, not a three-hour show. You know, yes, this this is what this needs. It's better than them chasing. You know, the, I, I did think our truth gave some funny lines. He believes what I believe in Bigfoot, the Loch Ness, mermaids, and mermen. And I kind of popped at that, but instead of chasing someone backstage and goofy little segments, this this was this was good. I enjoyed this. I, I think it was hard to crap on this. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the the women, so Becky, Man, this was exciting. Yeah, this was Becky uh, joins for commentary, and we got all of the women talking about how you know they felt like they deserved an opportunity, and it shouldn't just be Bianca again. You know what's great about that? It makes sense. It, does. it makes sense. Every one of these women feels like, you know what? Bianca's had a lot of opportunities recently. Let's have an opportunity. You know what made sense? Well, Bianca has sort of gotten screwed, so she doesn't she shouldn't be completely out of the picture either, right? So she deserves right. another opportunity. Whoa, it's just logical. It just makes sense. <laughs> it's simple. It's like it works sometimes. Wow. Wow. So let's give all of them an opportunity, and they do. I like I like the fact that we you know right now there's no pay-per-views happening. We know that Dewdrop and Bianca, I think Bianca's definitely on the Survivor Series team. So I'd imagine, you know, they're gonna be on that pay-per-view. I don't feel like Bianca is getting forgotten about or buried or anything at all here. You give an opportunity for Liv to win this title or to win this um match, and she goes on to be the number one contender. She's someone who they have started and stopped on pushes with her so many times, and they've never even gotten this far. They've never gotten to a point where they were going to put her in a match for the title in like a one-on-one spot, and now she's going to get that. She's going to get an opportunity to face Becky. I don't think anyone feels like Liv is going to win, but this is a big deal for Liv just for establishing her as a major player. You sort of feel like where she is with Liv is where she is Liv with Becky is kind of similar to you look on the opposite side for AEW. It's like where someone like Ty Conti who's getting the opportunity in that match. She. What Liv has to do is 
prove that she belongs now she's given the opportunity you know and she has to show yeah. i belong here with becky and give me 10 or 15 minutes in the ring with her and don't make me look like a complete joke and i think she'll do a really good job and i think this match needs time it doesn't need something we we've seen this before and i can't recall the exact storyline but we we've, we've seen someone finally getting their chance and it just it's been it, it was a bust of a match or it didn't get a lot of time they, Liv deserves time with Becky Lynch, and I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be good. I, 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 what, could they shock the world and put the title on Liv? Yeah, will it happen? Probably not. But you know, hey, look, you go back to SmackDown. Did did we even was there a Charlotte Flair sighting anywhere? So it feels like some weird things are kind of happening. I'm not saying it. It, it's going to happen because I think Becky is doing fantastic work. I, I love it when she comes out and, and and gets to do some color commentary. I, I think it just adds so much to her character. But I think Liv and Becky is one of those sneaky good matches that can pull off some fun spots and some fun moments for both of them. This uh, it should it's very easy to book. They give them twenty. There's no pay per views. Give them twenty. Give them raw. Give them a raw main event. Yeah. That would be great for for Liv. Let him go twenty minutes, and then Becky does the cheat crap to win. It doesn't. That's does, it. She doesn't. That's, that's it. it. Like she doesn't have to. We, we don't have to be a DQ or anything. But Becky grabs the tights. Becky distract referee distraction, and then Becky you know uses a weapon, and she be, she pins Liv, and then after the match, you know we see Becky celebrating, and you have that moment of Liv kind of looking up after her. And say like yeah, sure. I'm not ready You know what I'm not ready but just just Kind of like what happened with Bianca Where Bianca you know Becky outsmarted her We don't want Liv to get completely Squashed she needs to be she needs To lose and even I wouldn't even Mind if she lost clean but with Becky With this heel lay, like lean into That you know like I'm not saying that Becky You can't have Becky beat Liv clean But it just would do more for the story And for Becky and for Liv if Oh my gosh she she was right There with Becky and Becky had a cheat to beat her now you feel like she's established and she's a lot uh she's a lot more on the level with them and uh again I- I'll never understand Enzo Amore how you uh, you don't <laughs> for some reason like broke up with Liv Morgan just like what the hell Ooh. I don't know well, I don't know that but we move from Raw over to uh, NXT yeah we talked about the main event with all the the Seth Rollins Kevin Owens and and Big E stuff and to open up NXT it was Mandy and toxic attraction. Mandy. Mandy. <laughs> and Mandy, I'm always excited to see what she's going to be wearing whenever she's out there. I think Beth said something along the lines of uh, Mandy is like the most followed in w- or one of the most followed in WWE or in NXT. I think she is the most followed. Yeah. She has the most yeah. followers between uh, the platforms of Instagram and everything, too. So I, I, it was something that sounded kind of really basic, but I thought it was cool. It was just. When she tweets or posts, more people hear than anyone else. Yes. Like, oh, that kind of makes like somebody. Little, yeah, and I like those little nuggets. And we know Me why too. they're all following her because she's so she's so freaking talented in the ring. She's a five star athlete. Exactly. You know, that's it. That's it. Right. Hundred percent. But she she just feel this like she feels like a bigger star right now. This yes. Is yes. Really good stuff. Toxic attraction beats EO. 
uh, beats Eo, Casey, and Caden. And we find out that Zoe Stark is also hurt right now too. So this may be like a blessing in disguise. I think maybe we get Mandy beating Eo, you know, and and you know, getting you know helping cheat, getting a cheating win over Eo, and then maybe even one more over Raquel. She continued to to stack some wins against some established. Uh, some of the established women in the division and the the group looks really really good right now. They just they they feel like stars. Gigi's coming out rocking the hat. They got the hats on now and they're coming out. <laughs> and they're like they're figuring out who they are. So it's very cool to see it develop. Remember 2 months ago how bad that that promo was or three was. whatever it was. We and we yeah. we didn't hide from it. We said that was bad. They didn't they were losing their foot and know where they were going. It was kind of in circles, but that's what you have to do. You have to go out there and you have to make mistakes. And then you have to continue to have reps and reps and reps and reps. Mandy Rose, this is the best version of Mandy Rose that there's ever been. No doubt about it. And I no think she's really, really, yeah. And I think she's really, really digging it. It was a complete 180 from what we saw on the main roster. And uh, I, I think this fits I, them three perfectly. I Look. Gigi Dolan, a.k.a. Priscilla Kelly, I've always been a massive fan of. Uh, Mandy Rose has always been a smoke show. And now that you get rid of the blonde and turn her kind of punkish, I mean, there's all kind of ways that you can go with this. I, I could see, you know, Gigi, um, I could see them turning on Mandy at one point. There's a lot of good things you can do with Toxic Contraction, but right now they're one of the big reasons why uh, NXT is is getting uh, not the television ratings, but a lot of buzz online, and I I think she deserves a lot of of that. Yep. Uh, Kaylee Ray beats Saray just has never really quick clicked for Saray. They they, no, they had great they had great success with with Oscar with Kyrie Sane with Io Shirai, but for some reason it just um, never never's really uh, clicked for Saray. Kaylee Ray looks good. They're continuing to build her as a you know as maybe a, a future women's title contender here in NXT. We got uh, Joe Gacy versus <laughs> Boa. This dude is so goofy. Um, this was this was a little weird. Um, it looked so it looked like Boa was gonna win, and Joe Casey ends up winning by DQ. The lights f- come flashing. Um, so it they got like multiple things going on here. It's just one of those things. It's, it feels like we're in the middle of something, so it's harder to like grade it. So I'll let it play out. I, I do laugh when Joe Gacy comes on. He does have some, you know, like there is. There's definitely like a magnetism to him um, with this with this character. He's got to sort of with all of them, got to kind of figure it out and find the footing with it. But yeah, this was this was fine. Like I, I wasn't like one way or the other for or against it all that much. It just, he he does feel like he's a little less important. He was in the sort of the title picture a little bit before, and he's kind of like with him and and someone who we'll mention again, like La Knight. I don't know what I don't know what NXT thinks of them. That that's right. where I'm kind of wondering right now. Yeah, it was a weak finish. Uh, he, he felt hot, you know, and his promos are a little wacky, and we know which way his character's going. But it, it for him, the the matches aren't equaling his little promos and his pop. You know, there's there's something that's missing in mm-hmm. those matches. It's not connecting. And, 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 yeah, and and I know that's why they probably. Got him in uh, what's his name? Um, I, it was Parker Boudreaux uh, is, his, is his given name, but I, I, 
I don't know. I, I want to see something Harlan. more from Gacy. Yeah, Harlan. I, I want to see something more from Gacy. Me too. So we uh, we got the Diamond Mine, the Creed Brothers. The we Creed see Brothers are back, baby. Love I, I love these, dude. And I, this this whole uh, faction just feels really good. really good. They're on the rise. Yeah. Bivens is a great talker. <laughs> They're they face a team that's called <laughs> Jacket Time. I was like, no way. They're called freaking jacket time. And uh, Kushida is great. And you know what? Hero is hilarious. Like, he's he a really good baby face. And he is really, like, there's a spot for him on any roster, on any wrestling company. A guy who can take pins all the time. You can put him in anywhere. He can come out and lose to your world champ and get squashed. Or you could have him... Get a goofy win You literally could put that guy anywhere on the card And he'll he'll make the most of the few minutes That he's out there And you kind of smile when you see him He's funny, he's wrestling with the jacket He doesn't. T- he won't take the jacket off And it's like, there's a <laughs> wrestling I couldn't put their name Jacket time jacket What? Time. <laughs> what? But it made me laugh, you know what? Oh, so, it did, it yeah. did. Um, as, uh, We saw, ooh, parking lot stuff uh, uh, parking <laughs> uh, and uh, it's Raquel riding up on the motorcycle. She tells Mandy she's going to deal with her later. And uh, Raquel comes out, and she actually calls out Dakota Kai. Once Dakota comes out, she's laughing. She gets nailed from behind by Cora Jade. So yeah, we have a lot going on. I actually liked seeing this from Cora Jade, and you know why? Because it made sense. It made sense. It was just from the week before. It's like, oh, of course, somebody screws you over, you're gonna be pissed off. Uh, I very simple, and I'd imagine we. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw both of Dakota and Raquel, or either one of them, in the women's rumble, and then up on the main roster afterwards. Yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be coming, right? Because mm-hmm. be. they did announce that NXT is gonna have a pay per view. Yes, and, and look, the takeover name is now gone. Yeah, War Games. Just it's War just Games. just and, War. And it's War a Sunday night, and I'm really excited about me that. too because that is now, especially if WWE isn't going to be having one in the month. This is something that they have a month now, about a month from when we're recording to build to, and yes. they'll have a War Games match, probably a world title match for both. And maybe we get a grudge match from Raquel and Dakota there, you know, like a no DQ match sure. or something like that to end their feud. And then we see the two of them uh, in the Royal Rumble uh, just a month later. That would be great. Um, Andre Chase University, another check in with him. As, uh, <laughs> this, this is great. He's he was yelling. tough on Gabriel. Poor <laughs> Gabe, man. Poor Gabe, man. <laughs> as, uh, then um, we got. Roofing versus Cameron Grimes Grimes gets the win after the match Duke Hudson comes out And he's kind of So at least we're moving forward with this Because we were You know the poker room gimmick I, I don't mind it I actually think it's kind of cool Like the, the gambling sort of gimmick Or I'm a guy who who you know plays who gambles Who plays poker I'm gonna you know I gamble with myself in the ring And this and that But sure, it was There felt like there was something missing At least this week it was in the ring Duke was asking him, you know, what happened? How did you beat me? You were cheating me. So they said they're going to have like a live poker game in the <laughs> coming up next week, which will undoubtedly end up leading to a, like a feud. But hey, like these two guys will probably have a match if it's maybe at that that NXT pay per view in a month. If it le- if it builds to that, 
Sure. We just want to see more and more of Grimes in the ring because he can be goofy, but he can be both. Don't make him just a goof because he can do that. Let him let him be a top guy because he can. And I and I hope that's where we're starting to get back with him because I I love Grimes a lot and they're gonna have a poker showdown next week. <laughs> um, L.A. Knight, yeah, he feels lost. He just yeah. feels out of place. He feels like he shouldn't be in this reiteration of NXT anymore. No. That that title match that they that they had on the first night of NXT. Remember the promo that he cut in the car? Yeah. Where it was like, oh my gosh, this dude is gonna win. This dude is literally like he feels like he's a, on a different level of star than everybody else around. And it now he's kind of like he's like this uncle. It, you know, he's like the guy. <laughs> he's like. You know, and can't Uncle hardly. Rico. <laughs> he's, he's Uncle Rico. He's can't. He's in can't hardly wait. Jerry O'Connell. You know, yeah, when he keeps yeah. showing up at the parties, he's the guy who graduated. You know, three years ago, that keeps coming back to the high school parties because he was the. You know that that's that's where he is right now. He just feels <laughs> like he's sitting on the Fantastic. swing in the back, and he's talking to you know, and he's giving him advice and stuff. And I don't, yeah, I don't um, I don't know because maybe yeah. he's another one who. The timing and maybe they're waiting for the Royal Rumble or the beginning of the year because he just doesn't feel like he feels like there's so much more for him to do on the main roster because he's the type of guy who if you don't want him to wrestle a whole lot, then put him on the main roster because he's a damn good talker. Like, yeah, and it, cut it, promos it, it and just get beat up all the time if that's what you want. And every time we hear like there's going to be releases coming up, I'm always thinking he's probably going to be the on that list. But it goes to show you they must think a lot of him, and they should because the dude can go. He can talk and go in the ring. I, I'm with you. I don't know what they're waiting on with him. I, I don't. I, I don't. He needs to be in the Royal Rumble. He needs to have some spots in that Rumble. He he needs that. That's a man. He he's a raw guy. You know, I, I just think I see him on Raw talking trash, you know, just being annoying is all get out. I, I don't know what they're waiting on with him. I don't. I don't. If you're just no. going to let him kind of flop around and keep him around because you don't want him somewhere else, that's that's ludicrous. That That's crazy. But bring him up. He belongs on on, on the main roster. Big time. Absolutely. A hundred percent. He gets pinned here. Solo Sokoa. He's got a good look, and sure. and and he's he's fine. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a bummer for uh, for LA Knight there as uh, t- our boy Tony D he interrupts <laughs> backstage. Indy Hartwell and he interrupts Indy and he says that Dexter uh, Dexter has been ducking him. Shout out to uh, Dexter back this weekend on Showtime uh, the return of Dexter last just last weekend. <laughs> I'm sure they love mentioning the name Dexter as sure. uh, so Tony's got a fish. He's got a dead fish and he says he hands it to Indy and he says you know this is a he basically like he's sending a message to 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 Dexter <laughs> which is just and and so Tony I don't know if you saw that little thing that he's do his little thing on social media on like his little TikTok this week. Yeah, where yeah. He was doing all of the like, but a boom, forget about it. Like he was doing like all the Joey Tribbiani stuff. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was like this guy is got that it man. This was great. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he's I, I, he's got the it factor. He does. I mean, look, even if he's not 
A plus in the ring. His persona is so cheesy that you you either love him or you love to hate him. And he is a, he is a star man in NXT. He he fits right in on this roster. And I think uh, I think him and Dexter have a match next week. Didn't they announce it? Yep. They did announce the match for yep. next week. So let's see if yep. Tony D'Angelo is going to put Dexter with the fishes. He's going to be sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> so we got a couple clips from the European tour. Um, first up, we saw Braun Breaker talking about how he, he says, you know, I'm I'm out here and I'm working day in and day out and I'm working in front of crowds like I've never worked before and I'm getting my PhD, man. And it's just like such a Steiner promo. Yeah. It's like, geez, I love, I can't believe he's not just called Steiner. You know, he's not something right. Steiner, just but Steiner, right? Just Steiner would be great. That would be great. <laughs> here comes Steiner. Um, uh, Champa, you know, said he's the, he's the guy and, you know, he's, uh, he's the vet and nobody else. Uh, can make up for his 17 years of experience So just cool little vignettes from the two of them Obviously that they're kind of continuing along With their storyline I wouldn't be shocked if maybe that's now That's the date they had circled for Braun Maybe at the at the pay-per-view The the War Games one where they have him Maybe eventually win it there We'll see Because um, um, I mean he, he feels like the only real Yeah Contender for Ciampa right There's nobody else that seems like they should even be Kind of slotted in there we haven't seen Santos Escobar Escobar recently. Yeah. Electra has kind of been like the leader of Legado del Fantasma, and now she is talking about you know there's there's some as uh, Beth said some de- definite sexual tension between <laughs> and Lopez as uh, they're sort of circling each other. She wants him to join uh, their group, so I do wonder if maybe. Uh, I don't. I haven't heard anything about Santos though. No, I don't know if her or anything. I, I was trying to look up information too. So, no, maybe they haven't mentioned anything. Maybe he's another one who he's got. He is ready for the main roster. He's good. This is this dude was King Cuerno in that match I was just telling yeah. you about uh, in Aztec Warfare. He has been a legitimate guy for a long time. He can cut promos too. He's got a look. He's he's. A little smaller, but he doesn't feel small. He's kind of like AJ Styles in that because he's thick. Yeah. You know, he's not like skinny where yeah. you put him in the ring and yeah, maybe he's shorter than the guy who he's against, but he's still got a very big presence to him. As uh, I don't, I don't know if like you and I aren't a thousand percent on Carmelo and and Trick and stuff. You know, like I don't, I don't really like. I'm not. Carmelo's good in the ring and he can go. I just don't know if it's the smartest thing in the world to be having him lose matches. That right now. The match look, the match, the match was, is good. It was very good. Good. So now Pete Dunn is a babyface or he's a tweener. I, I had no problems with the match. It was a strong way to finish NXT 2.0. Me too. And why he's losing is beyond me. Totally weird. It's just weird. No idea. I mean, he just mm-hmm. cheated the week before, right? In a match with Trick. But he, and he was won- clean to Pete Dunn. Did the cheat to get the title to begin with. And now why lose it? I don't know. And, and so again, right? I don't, if you don't want him beating Pete Dunn, that's fine. Just don't have him wrestle Pete Dunn. Exactly. Have him wrestle somebody else. This is what WWE does. They put, they book themselves into corner far too often. It's like, you book this shit in the nicest yeah. way possible. Yeah, and As look, a, and it was a weird main event booking anyway. I, I, I just, you know, I know they gave some people some time off from the European tour. Um, Tommaso, uh, Bond, so that, that could have been 
what led to things maybe being a little different, but that doesn't sure. like, like he shouldn't be losing that match right now. No, it hurts him. And I'm not saying him going over Pete Dunn. I'm not saying that, but it should have been a gimmick finish. Chad Cooper, my man. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> like always, you adjusted your time uh, again for another edition of this week in wrestling. Before we let you get out of here, is there anything in the uh, in the football world that you're looking at this weekend? Yeah, man, I keep splitting. I thought Washington had a shot last week. I did too. With, I did too. Uh, with Oregon, and they were there. They jump up uh, seven nothing. And, mm-hmm. You know, they. I think you were on the right side there. You were on the yeah, right side. Uh, it felt. I like dogs again this week in college football is, uh, is my thing. I like Virginia at home getting five and a half visiting Notre Dame comes in. I think Virginia has scored like 40 points over the last two weeks. I think they're a good home dog. I think Tennessee is a good home dog. 20 and a half. Look, Georgia's just beaten the crap out of everyone. But I think this is the first time they've played somebody on the road that has an actual defense. Now, look, Georgia's going to win. I know that. But a three touchdown score, like they don't score. They're not the type of team that beats you by 45. Even, right. even, even like against teams that are well inferior for them, like they could have a, a game where they win by eight, 17 and dominate you. Sure. Sure. You know? And look, I think this is Tennessee Super Bowl. I think they're going to score, be able to score a couple of touchdowns. Um, I, I like them and, and, and another home uh, home dog, or excuse me, a road dog. I like. I like Nevada, three points at uh, San Diego State. Uh, San Diego State's been struggling running the ball, and I think Nevada, uh, Nevada on the road, I think can upset them. So three dogs this week. You know? Scoops, coop. He gives you wrestling scoops. He gives you recaps and analysis. <laughs> and he dishes out NFL and college football best bets for you. Coop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. You have a great weekend and uh, hopefully we get a good full gear and look forward to talking to you about it again next week. Yeah, it's a big wrestling weekend. We'll talk to you next week, Gino. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more to come on this episode of That's What She Said. Coopaloop. Big thank you to Chad. Good luck with his plays and hope we have a, a fun wrestling weekend with full gear coming up. That'll do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Thank you to Jack Fitzpatrick for helping us out. Thank you to Eric for talking NFL Week 10 with us. And uh, Chad Cooper helping us with wrestling this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We've got some Del Mar and Churchill Friday and Saturday for you. Hopefully, we've led you in the right direction. And a big thank you to all of the sponsors for that. Uh, That's what G said for always giving us the opportunity to keep this show free, to keep all that content free. Make sure you support them. Better than Dot Vegas, DRF Sports, DRF.com for everything you need for racing, for those past performances. Head on over to StableDuel.com. Get involved in those contests and those daily games at Stable Duel. Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Hey, maybe not right now you're looking to move, but you know that maybe in a couple months or next year, jot the name down, bookmark Cindy for uh, for when that time comes up, and sarahcandles.com. You can always use uh, a nice candle or two to uh, get that nice aroma around the home. You're helping out a good small business, local. They do these candles all themselves, and uh, they wanted to share these all natural soy wax candles with you at sarahcandles.com. Big thank you to Joey Cleveland, my buddy, uh, high school friend. I've known Joey for, sheesh, more than 20, 20 years now. I ah, yikes, that's scary. Joey is the uh, he he always helps out with all the music. He does the intro, he show uh, the theme song. He does all the little uh, intros to the different segments here. He's super talented. So big thank you to Joey Cleveland. For helping us out Have a great weekend folks And one more time Happy birthday To uh, 
Mrs. Bacola to my mom and to Milo coming up. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah.